Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. When you've got that massive historic PFL versus Bellator card, it is a big one. It's a pay-per-view. It's PFL champs versus Bellator champs and PFL stars versus Bellator stars. Historical night. First time in MMA history that a place like this is hosting Saudi Arabia, a big MMA card. It's, in fact, the first major MMA event to take place in Saudi Arabia and the first cross-promotional event between both PFL and Bellator with former champions and current champions colliding in one epic night. The headliner, like I said earlier, is Henan La Problema Fejera going up against Ryan Bader. They go toe-to-toe in a fight that I think will determine who Francis Ngannou will fight in his PFL debut. That's the plan. And I wouldn't be surprised if they announced that that seems to be the direction. So stay tuned. Also, as we said earlier, Johnny Eblen against Impa Kasangane. They did save Patricio Pitbull. He's going to remain on the card. Aaron Pico as well. Clarissa Shields on the card. Yoel Romero. Um, Tiago Santos. Whole bunch of big names. It's all going down this Saturday, February 24th, live on ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View and DAZN. That's ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View or DAZN. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life. That was a little hot. On this Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. It's good to be back. I haven't been here in about nine or so days. I missed you all. I am revved and ready to go. We got a big week ahead of us, a big weekend ahead of us. A lot has happened since we last spoke. I have traveled the world. Serious Frank has traveled the world. Other people have traveled and not traveled the world. There's a lot to get to. There's a lot to get to. I have a lot to tell you about. I've experienced a lot since we last spoke. Since we were last in this studio and Danny Sabatello and Raytheon Stotts were about to brawl right here and there. Like literally right over there. Like right over there there was about to be a brawl. I had to roll up my sleeves and lay the smack down on those bantamweights. Got a lot of praise for that. I appreciate that very much. A lot of people enjoyed that. Uh, of course, then they went out and did five more tete-a-tetes, which kind of, you know, took the luster off of ours. But, you know, everyone was trying to recreate the same. Nevertheless, it was a great moment. And then we disappeared. And uh, we traveled the world. And that was very exciting. So I'm going to tell you all about that at the top of the show. Good to be back home. This feels like I'm back home. Like when I'm here, I feel like I can let my hair down. I can be myself. Our friends are back there. The whole crew is back. Frank is back. GC back. New York Rick, of course, not here because it's uh, it's a Wednesday. The rest of the crew in the house as well. So it's a good time to be here. And, of course, it's a pay-per-view Wednesday of a fight week. 
Nathan Diaz versus Hamza Chamay of UFC 279. We are a mere three days away, my friends. So a lot to get to there. Wednesdays, we like to have fun. We like to shoot with all of y'all. We like to answer your questions. We like to let you know what is really going on. We found out yesterday, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva going down October 29th in Phoenix slash Glendale. They say Phoenix, but it's really Glendale. It's the Gila River Arena, home of WEC 53 back in the day. 2010, I was there. Also, last year, Nathan versus Leon Edwards was there. Izzy versus Marvin Vittori. I knew this was going to happen, Frank. I told you this was going to happen. You knew I had this drink here that was like bubbly, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Now I'm going to be, you know, burping up a storm. Of course, Frank was like, no, no, it'll be good for your throat. Yeah, you should exactly have it. Welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How really was your nice. trip? It was, uh, it was nice. Any truth to the rumor that they saw that you went to Arizona, so then they booked Arizona? That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it seem like I can't really hear myself in my headphones? Are you listening carefully? It doesn't seem as open as How about uh, now? now. It sounds a okay. lot better. Cool. Probably should have rehearsed that. Probably huh? should have rehearsed. Yeah. This well, we missed thing. you when you saw the uh, Sabatello Stotts Teta Ted, and you were there. Were you like, man? I mean, no joking. I was a little like disappointed have- that I was on a delay because um, you know, I'm watching it on YouTube on the other side of the country. So like, yeah. when things started to get heated, I'm like, oh, I hope everyone's all right. Oh, you were worried for us. For like a second. About our safety? Yeah. Mm. I appreciate that. I just thought you were worried about like, I thought the audio sounded good. That was your main concern. Oh, yeah, it sounded terrific. A lot of people were making fun that I kept saying, no, 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 no. That was pretty funny. It was the dad in me coming out. I had to let them know that it wasn't going to happen here. Listen, you can brawl in other places, but you ain't going to brawl in my house. Um, so anyway, welcome back. Uh, let's run through today's lineup, and then we'll get to some of the stuff that we need to get to. Of course, Parlay Pals, no one was giving us our flowers on Saturday. You love to talk when we lose one or two, but everyone's very quiet when we go undefeated and hit the parlay. But that's okay. We don't need your recognition. We don't need your love. We know when we succeed, we're not that shallow. We're not that insecure. Back into the show, I'll answer your questions. Arielhawani.substack.com. Although it's past one, so... The buzzer has sounded. There's no real excuses. Yeah, there's no excuse this time because last time you said you were bringing in a guest. There isn't a guest for an hour. So what's your excuse this time? Um, we were trying to make sure that Rick was muted. Ah, come on. Uh, yes, uh, moderator Lewis is hard at work. And uh, he'll send over the questions. I'll answer them back in the show. A lot of people ask me about the AEW situation. And I know that's pro wrestling, but a lot of you are, are asking me about that as well. So if it's in there, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on what transpired on Sunday. And I guess there's some news today as well. Uh, prior to that, we're going to be joined by Paul Felder, who has become one of the best broadcasters in, uh, in MMA and in the UFC. He was in Paris over the weekend for that amazing debut event in Paris. What a scene it was. Cyril Bongamangan with the big victory over Taitui Vasa. Talk about that, of course. Uh, talk about the experience. Maybe a little Hamza, uh, Nathan Diaz situation. Maybe a little Jake Paul Anderson Silva. Maybe a little triathlon talk. You know, the Diaz brothers, they love their triathlons. Paul Felder, now a triathlete. So a lot to get to there. Uh, At 3.30, we're going to be joined by Lauren Murphy. She has been very open about uh, some health issues that she's had to deal with. 
and in particular going into the Valentina Shevchenko fight. So wanted to have her on to talk about that enlightening stuff, fascinating stuff, dicey, dicey stuff. So stay tuned for that. At 3 o'clock, we're going to be joined by Robert Whitaker, who had a masterful performance against Martin Vittori on Saturday, proving that he is the second best welterweight, excuse me, middleweight, used to be a welterweight, in the world, and a force to be reckoned with. And now in this kind of weird, I don't know, like Joseph Benavidez territory, Uriah Faber territory, where he has multiple losses to the champ, but he's way better than everyone else at 85. And he proved that once again on Saturday. One of the true good guys in the game. We'll talk to Robert Whitaker at 3 o'clock. At 2.30, we're going to be talking to the aforementioned Surreal guy who had the massive win over Tai Tuivasa. Back and forth they went. He got dropped in the second round. He comes back in the third. A little rope-a-dope action from Tai Tuivasa. But in the end, Surreal with the big finish. Back on track after the disappointing loss to Francis Ngannou in January. A force to be reckoned with. And now we wonder what is next for this man. Is he in the running? in the John Jones sweepstakes? Is he fighting Curtis Blades? Is he going to fight the winner of Jones versus something? There's a lot of activity in the heavyweight division, so stay tuned for that. And at uh, 2 o'clock, we're going to talk to Fernand Lopez. Uh, of course, Cyril's head coach. The Parisians were undefeated on Saturday. Big night for his team, MMA Factory. And, you know, one of the founding fathers, if you will, of MMA in... Uh, in France, and I felt like it was appropriate to speak to him after the event to talk about how it went. Was he surprised by the crowd? They were singing the national anthem in the middle of the main event. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I was watching it, you know, via, we were doing via FaceTime with Frank. He thought it was, you thought, Frank, is it not true? You thought it was the Beatles song that they were singing? Absolutely. You know that song? Yeah. What is that song? A Beatles song. No, but. All You Need Is Love. All You Need Is, yeah. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but that's actually the French national anthem. Oh, really? Le Marseillaise. Marchons, marchons. Anyway, uh, that'll be at 2 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Speaking of uh, songs, chants, so I wanted to tell you guys. No, you know what? Let me, let's, uh, let's bring in the guys. I'll tell them as well. There's a lot to get to here. Uh, we've got, uh, oh, there they are. Hey, guys, how are you? GC, New York Rick. Things good. Miss you guys. As as good as they can get. How you doing? Uh, not bad. Not bad. Last time we spoke, uh, you put out the uh, the thing about the haircut. Any uh, any takers? By the way, update there. Yeah, there's there's definitely some uh, candidates uh, who have made their voices known and loud and clear. Um, again, those are the ones who are going to get prioritized. So, but there's no official me, winner. Show me. No, we got to leave this open for a little bit more. We got yeah. some time. It's not even. It's not even going to happen next week. It'll happen the week after that. So what yeah. is that? People September nineteenth. Uh, Rick. Oh yeah. Listen, they but be- they better be hitting me up about it. That's that's the thing. what I told them. They, mm-hmm. I I keep sending them to your Twitter, and they're just like, "Well, are you going to let them know that I said something?" I'm like, "Nope." You go to his nope. Twitter, and that's where you find out. Come to me. Show me your work. I've said the same. By the way, a lot of people have come to me. I was like, "Yo, I'm not the one getting the haircut." Send to this guy. Uh, there are some people who are actually saying, you know, you should have a non-barber do it just for the laugh. <laughs> Liz, I'm, shot, right? I'm up for that. I'm up for that as long as they can hand... See, what I'm concerned about is 
this hair at the at the end of the day, this hair is going to charity. It needs to be handled properly, cared for, done properly, collected, you know, all that type right. of thing. Um, I can't just have you with a trimmer just That's ruining true. it and shoving it in there. Um, well, phrasing. Um, just, wow. you know, cutting oh. it off there and and making it uh <laughs> making it a messy situation. So Okay, so um, stay tuned. We need a pro, but listen, I'd be I'd be open to that idea if uh, the right the right concept was pitched. Okay, so guys, I want to tell you about my trip a little bit because I have yes, a lot. To, I, I I feel like this is when someone Talk comes over. Someone comes over to your house after a trip, and you do the uh, the old slideshow. Now they don't really care, <laughs> but they have to pretend like they care. But I think you guys will care about this one. So uh, there's a lot to get to here. So Frank, I hope you're paying attention as well because you come into uh, to play a few times. Is there a slideshow prepared? Unfortunately, there's nothing. Wow. I probably should have had that yeah. ready. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely should have. Would have been don't nice. reference a slideshow if you don't have one. Yeah. <sighs> You're right. I should have had some B-roll. Anyway, um, if you've been following along, you saw a lot of the stuff. So there's a lot of um, so 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 mostly like if you're going to the UK historically, you take the red eye flight. Like you'll take the nighttime flight so that you get there in the morning, and then you start your day fresh. For various reasons, I decided to you know defy, I guess, logic buck the trend, whatever you want to say. And I took a morning flight, which means that you're, you you leave at, uh, I guess it's 8 a.m., but then you land at 8 p.m. with the, uh, the time difference, right? So I land at 8 p.m. Now, here's the thing. I'm getting on the plane, and I find out that uh, we were supposed to go to this Nottingham Forest game against Man City, but I find out that the route in which we were taking... Uh, kind of got blocked off and there were no tickets to the game. So I decide to reach out to my good friend, Chris Wheatley of uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, He is their PR director, media director, whatever they call it over there. And within minutes, this guy hooked me up with two tickets. Now, not only did he hook me up with two tickets, he hooked me up with two tickets in the away end, as they say. Now, as you guys may know, in... uh, in, in, in European soccer, football, if you will, it's not like if I went to a Bills-Giants game at MetLife, I'm just sitting among, you know, the Jabroni Giant fans. They actually put all the away fans together, which makes for a way better experience, by the way, like a thousand times better because you're all together, you're all chanting together. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. So now I feel, okay, I feel better because I was feeling like, what the hell did I do this for? Now I feel good. I'm excited about going. So I get there at 8.30, by the time I get to my hotel, which is like an hour and a half away from the airport, it's like 10 o'clock. You go through customs, this and that. I'm staying where they uh, they had the Olympics, uh, the 2012 Olympics, right next to the stadium over there, which is now the home of West Ham. So nothing's open. It's like desolate. This place used to be swampland, but now they built all these condos and hotels, but there's nothing to eat. So a couple of recommendations, get a little sushi. I'm feeling good. West Ham is actually checking into my hotel while I'm checking. I was checking in right next to the manager. I was like, wow, this is going swimmingly. This is very exciting. All right. So can't fall asleep because it's like 10 p.m., but it's only 5 p.m. You know, so I would say to anyone, go with the go with the red eye. The, the reason I'm telling you all this is taking that morning flight kind of screws you up. Go with the red eye sleep and start the day. Anyway, start the day, start the next day. We go out, go on a little run, and then we go on our journey to Etihad Stadium because I got my tickets, right? So I go with my guy Raj from uh, BT Sport. He meets me there. I go on the train by myself. It was actually around this time last week. 
and I get off at the tra- nice little two-hour trip. Actually, I was getting onto the train, and there was a young man listening to the show while I was getting onto the train. He was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. What the hell are you doing here getting onto this train to Manchester? Incredible. Get off the train. It's a beautiful day. It's like 5 o'clock, beautiful day. I take the 30-minute walk from the train station to Etihad, and it is just gorgeous out there. I'm just walking through a neighborhood. Like, I'm literally walking through people's backyards, no idea where I'm going, and then all of a sudden, in the distance, I see it, Etihad Stadium, all blue, people out and about. I mean, what an atmosphere. It was incredible. We wait a little bit. We wait a little bit. Out comes Chris Wheatley and Dane Murphy, the CEO of Nottingham Forest, fellow Connecticut boy, fellow American. He says he wants to personally thank us. They told me that they saw our video <laughs> talking about Nottingham Forest in the office, and we're freaking out. And he wanted to personally thank us, and by doing so... He wanted to give me this jersey right here with my name, 33. There it is. I mean, what an honor. This is an official Nottingham jersey, Nottingham Forest jersey. Incredible. Uh, Now, why is it 33? 33, of course, for my main man, Patrick Ewing, my favorite athlete of all time. Had to choose it. Uh, What an honor. And not only did he do this for me, he freaking... Like, they presented this to me like I was the newest signing on the team outside the stadium. Everyone's wondering, (laughs) who is this guy? It's in the middle of the whole transfer window. That whole thing is coming to a close. And it's like, who is this guy holding up this jersey? Everyone was very, very confused. So then it get, the story gets better. So then we go in, and all the Nottingham fans are together. Now, a few of them, you know, they're, they're nice. They recognize me. What the hell are you doing here, Helwani, sitting in the Nottingham section? I'm just loving life. We're all the way at the top. Now, some people were joking about this. And they were like, oh, you know, um, why are you sitting in the fifth last row? No, I was among the people. There's a reason they call it Empty Hat Stadium. They're so corporate. They're so boring. They're like vessels. There's no chanting, no singing. The only section that had any life to it was our section. We're standing, we're singing, we're chanting. I didn't sit down. You're not allowed to sit down when you're sitting in the away section. You're literally standing up the entire time, singing, dancing. I mean, it was amazing. And they're coming up with these hilarious chants on the fly, like Nottingham goes down 3 nothing. That freaking Holland guy hits a hat trick. And then they're like, we're going to win 4-3. We're going to win 4-3. I mean, it's like, how do you guys think of this stuff? It's great. On the fly. I love it. Anyway, when we get to our seats, this is a funny story. Uh, won't go too inside. But when we get to our seats, the person sitting right in front of us, let's just say, kind of sticks out among the crowd. So we get to talking very quickly because she hears my accent. Yada, yada, yada. We're talking. She's... New York Rick won't know who I'm talking about here, but you will, GC. She's Jesse Lingard's girlfriend. Wow. All right? Jesse Lingard, who's like <laughs> the star of the team, transfer from Man U, didn't play that game. A little controversially, they sat him. She's there to watch him, made the trek to Manchester. He doesn't play. So we're getting into the whole story, how they met, this and that, my story, why I'm here, why I'm supporting them. So that was a fun little side note. Anyway, they lose 6 nothing incredible experience the people couldn't have been nicer and the marketing guy on the team comes up to me thanks me for the support now i had a couple of jabrones come who don't even follow me oh you took tickets away from us oh you're not even a real fan they specific- in person or on social media no bullshit artists on social media no uh. everyone who is there was so nice to me meanwhile there were some empty seats among the away fans and B, I didn't take tickets. Like, that would be like me as a lifelong New York Knicks fan. You you would know this, New York Craig. Looking at Celebrity Row, first row at MSG, and being like, oh, Howard Stern isn't a real fan. 
Shut the fuck up. They gave me two tickets, okay? Like, what are you complaining about? They're, they're, like, like, they're acting like I, I went in there and like took a crap in the middle of city ground. I'm here supporting is, your club. It's amazing. This is where you ask them to show, show their slips. This is where I want to see you trying to buy the tickets and you weren't yeah, able to successfully exactly. do it. Otherwise, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. And by the way, like I said on Twitter, I freak every single day. I come to this studio wearing the hat of a baseball team that died 18 years ago, okay? Look at this hat. Every fucking day, all right? You know, spare me your, your, your sob story on loyalty and, 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 and trying to prove how loyal you are. Like, don't, get the joke, all right, guys? We're having a good time here. And all the Everton fans, I got two words for you as well. We had a great time. I just want you to know the actual leaders of the club came up to me and personally thanked me for the love we have shown them. Uh, get a shot right over there. We've got our we've got our Nottingham Forest uh, banner up in the studio. Like Nottingham Forest is the official club of this show and this studio. We know so this. I don't know if you've seen they're they're low down in the table. What what happens if they get relegated? No, this is for life. Okay. Yeah. I'll just make oh, sure. A lot I'll of people have asked sure. me this. This is for life. I okay. will never support another soccer club. Like, of course, Canada soccer. People are going to be, like, oh, aren't you a Nottingham fan in the in the World Cup? I bet you I'm going to hear this. No, of course the national <laughs> team. You know, like they just <laughs> if love someone to jump says on this. that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yes, no, no, no. As far as the pre- Premier League is concerned, this is a Nottingham Forest, you know, show studio. Anyway, drive back six hours. It takes us to come back. We get back six Thursday. Now I'll go a little faster with the story, but I thought you guys would appreciate my experience at Etihad. By the way, if you've I'm never, jealous, so it sounds incredible. If you've never been to a Premier League game. Please do yourself a favor yeah. at some point. They, Which they, none of us have. None yes. of us have been. Uh, I just wanted to mention they well, they, 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 uh, yes. they invited all of us to go to the uh, city ground. They said, uh, you're all welcome. Pick a game and uh, we'll have a blast. I think they'd roll out the red carpet for us. I would, for I'm so there. Next day, have my sit down with uh, Trips, Triple H. A lot of people enjoyed that. That was very lightning. Then I went to Cardiff. Let me tell you, Frank, big in Cardiff. Believe it or not, huge Frank, in Cardiff. A lot of people were coming up to me about you in Cardiff in particular uh, and asking about Mysterious Frank. It was very strange. I don't know if you guys know. I don't know if you've ever been to Cardiff. Uh, there are legit <laughs> castles in Cardiff. Like it's not a gimmick. The place, th- this Principality Stadium, which is where they had the event, sixty-two thousand plus, is in the middle of the town, and then the tra- town is just surrounded by castles, bars, and restaurants. It's one of the most unique places that I've ever been to. And as I said on Twitter, if the UFC is looking for a stadium with a closed roof to host Leon Edwards' first title defense, this is the spot. It's, it couldn't be more perfect. Only two hours from Birmingham, two and a half hours from London. It could not be more perfect for an event like this. I know they're worried about the weather. They're talking March, April. Wembley has a little bit of a closing, but there's still that opening there. If it rains, you're in trouble. So... Went around town, people loving it. Uh, saw my man Leon on Saturday, had a little sit down with him. That's up right now. And then uh, went to the event, which was incredible. Went backstage after the event, spoke to Tyson Fury. I mean, not to give myself the old Barry H. Spoke to a boxing champ, a UFC champ, a wrestling champ. I mean, we're at Premier League. I mean, it was kind of like a grand slam in terms of events and people that we were speaking to. And then got back, uh, spoke to Karrion Cross, who's a big star in WWE, big-time jiu-jitsu guy. Like, there's a lot of, you know, MMA guys back there in the locker room among the boys in the back, as they say. And it was just an incredible trip. But then the event ended just as, like, the main card was really getting rolling for Paris. So I got to watch all those fights. It was just a nice little Saturday night, I must say. Sounds Any like thoughts? a whole great Sounds weekend. Like- yeah, it was great. Uh, did you watch yeah. the Nottingham game on Saturday morning? Uh, we were, we were falling. You know what's a weird thing about that? Uh, that game 
was at three o'clock. This is something I learned. Three o'clock game locally. Did you know that all the 3 p.m. I didn't know this. All the 3 p.m. local games are blacked out in England or in the UK. You know why? Because they want you to go support your local club and buy tickets. This was explained to me. So you can't watch it. You have to actually watch it on an illegal stream. Imagine that in America. Like, oh, the 12, the 1 p.m. NFL games are blacked out. What the hell? So there was no way to watch it. Ah, uh, uh, you didn't miss. Much. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a heartbreak. Up to nothing. Lost three two. Um, anyway, it was a tremendous trip, and uh, and now I'm back, and now we're here to talk about uh, Hamza, Nate. But uh, could we could we give ourselves a little clap? I mean, well, anyway. Oh yeah, I wanted to say uh, thank you to everyone. A lot of people came up to me. A lot of people were very nice. One young man, I forget his name, came up to me at the same. Could we go to uh, camera three? We did a live show there in Cardiff. Gave me an Arnold Allen signed card, wow. six of ten, and wow. just refused to not let me walk away with this. I was like, please, I do not want to take this from you. And he's like, it would be the honor of my life if you brought this to the studio and kept it in the studio. I want this to be in the studio. You have been good to Arnold. You've had him on the show. I love your show. I wish I remember this young man's name, but there it is. I promised you I would bring it in, and I have brought it in, and now it will remain in the studio. So... Uh, young man in Cardiff, thank you very much for this. I felt horrible taking it. too, and yeah. it's autographed. Panini Select. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to yeah. have to start ripping some packs soon. Oh, we've gone really into it. It, it looks fun. It, it's it a lot of fun. fun. And by the way, UFC and WWE, I know you don't care about that, but UFC on fire now. Like the Panini cards, they're The beautiful. holographic like, takes me back to like collecting Pokemon cards back in the day. Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, mm-hmm. You know, really deep cut. That, yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespect. Ar- Arnold Allen. There it is. Yeah. So, Parlay Pals, we nailed it, right? Nailed it. Plus 226. Yeah, wow. you, you You are right. I didn't think about it until you just mentioned that. No uh, one mentioned us. Real quiet when we yeah. hit. And when we lose, every single person lets you know. I love it. So, who was it again? It was Benoit Saint-Denis. Yeah, I mean, we got the graphic. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Uh, you know, make it easy for the people. Let, uh, let everyone see all the, all the names in green. Uh, we moved to four and two now. Look, Look at, at that. that. Plus two twenty six. We're now four and two. We're doing four leg parlays. Obviously, we're going to lose some here and there. Yeah, I didn't see anyone being like, "Oh, the boys are back." Uh, there it is. I got Nassau a couple Dean. people, but you uh, did. Yeah, I got a couple people. Nasaldine Mavov money line hit. Benoit Saint Denis hit. Whitaker hit. Frank, you got to be honest. Uh, a little so, nervous. A little nervous. I was a little nervous, but I was also on an airplane. Oh, so. uh, you didn't watch. You it. didn't have to experience yeah. it. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Plus 226. Was that our biggest one? Uh, that we've hit, I think so, yeah. That's huge. Good work, boys. Good work. Let's keep it rolling this weekend. We get it boosted this weekend because it's a pay-per-view. Oh, really? Yeah, I did get asked a lot last week like uh, because we didn't have a prop. Uh, only have to use the prop for the boost, which is pay-per-views, which is this weekend. How did you do last weekend? I did well. Like you Sweet. personally. Yeah, go for it. Show yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we're putting uh, Paris to bed here. I mean, let's put Paris to bed. Uh, let's let's go ahead and take a look at the singles. 3-0. and Then we get to the Cyril Gone submission. I am just making a, a career out of missing submission props. I am I'm really good at picking submission prop losers. Uh, can't remember the last time I hit one. That kept me from having my first perfect weekend ever. Because we go four and zero on the parlays, obviously the plus two twenty six for the parlay pals. We hit the plus two thirty nine French favorites, and then a couple others. That takes us to the final recap: UFC Paris, 
The biggest weekend since we started doing this, plus 7.58 units. Wow. Uh, yeah. Holy wasn't even, crap. Wasn't even that confident going into it. We got some good breaks this weekend. Brings us to almost 48 on the year. Just short. Just short. 0.14 units short of 60. We're at 59.86 now. Damn. What was the thing that I said? Didn't I say... Didn't I ask you if you could hit 50 by Nate? Or was I... Did I say 60? May have been, it may have been 60. I think maybe it might have been 50. Maybe we will hit 60 by Nate. What do you mean maybe? Uh, if, you're like, this, you're like the start one of the little... card goes well. Yeah. Uh, we'll be there. Yeah, yeah. no. Was, I mean, it was awesome. Awesome weekend. Wow. But, uh, right back to work for 279, though. I hear there's some easy ones at 279. There might be. <laughs> how are you guys feeling about the buzz for this? How do we feel? Like, now that it's actually here, now that it's actually a thing near Crick, how do you feel about what's going on? I don't think it has started yet. Really? Um, when do you think it starts? It's not here yet. When when Nate Diaz and Hamzad are in the room together. That is when this will really kick off. Press That's conference? when this will become a thing. Media day even, maybe, if they have something to say. Is that today? On the same day about each other. That's today. Uh, shout out to Jose Youngs, who's there for us uh, on site. And then um, press conference for sure. Like That's when, it, that, that's when this is all really going to kick into high gear. This is one of those where, like let, let's call it what it is. No title in the main event. What people are expecting to be a one-sided fight, it's hard to get up for that until you see them face to face. Until you, you know, they're jawing back and forth. That's when we're really gonna feel this. So my prediction is this is gonna ramp up drastically over the next few days. Uh, but right now, it's kind of tepid. I would say. I'm very confused as to how this will do on pay per view because sure. Diaz is beloved, but I feel like even his his most hardcore fan like wants to support him, but also feels like this is not a fair fight and this is not the way his career should end. But then also you want to support him because he's your guy and maybe he pulls off the upset. And then there's the other guys who love Hamza, but he's not really quite a pay-per-view draw. Like I, if you tell me this one did 250 because people want nothing to do with it, I believe you. If you tell me it hits 650 because it's Diaz and Hamza, I, I really have no gauge, no sense as to how this does. I think this will all depend on the next couple of days. If Nate Diaz walks on that press conference stage and smacks the mic out of Hamza's hand, that's 600,000 pay-per-views right there. Like, (laughs) this is all going to depend on how this plays out for the next couple of days. Is there any part of you that thinks that he could pull this off? Why don't we do our parlay right now? Uh, I'll let you know. Let's go. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Your level of interest, GC? Uh, My level of interest is very high. Like, I... I was discussing it on on No Bets Bard with Jed. Shout out, great podcast. Uh, it'll be out very shortly. The level of interest, like this, is much must watch television for me. Like I have to be in front of a TV when this fight happens because I have to see what happens. Of course, any of us are going to yeah, watch it. That's but what I'm I, I, like, I, I, I do want. By the way, big big college football night. I do think that comes into play. Is Probably. It a, oh, you don't know. Uh, that you definitely. Big? Oh, I thought you meant, is it going to come into play? Yeah, I mean, I feel like college football is No, but like, are, always... there, are there marquee games already or not yet? I mean, you have some top 25 matchups, especially like later into the year. But evening. is there anything big or is it too early for that? Uh, Alabama, Texas, but I don't, I don't know what time that, that okay. kicks off. Uh, BYU-Baylor, ranked matchup late night. I mean, probably we'll take away from the prelims. Like, the prelims are lacking. They're going right. to be on before, you know, when the night games are on. Yeah, I can imagine that college football will take away uh, from it. All right, F it. Let's do it. Parlay Pals. Uh, yep. Frank, you ready or you got things to do? I don't know if you're doing some I modulating or checking. Uh... <laughs> modulating, I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
a lot of a lot of people. I don't know what it is about Cardiff, man, but you're big there. You should think about huge doing in Cardiff. A, yeah, huge. I mean, uh, maybe a live show with Cardiff just Giant. Cardiff. Me, yeah. All right, All right here we go. Okay. Let's randomize this thing. Let's send it into the matrix. Here we go. <laughs> Four names. Boom. Number one, Connor. Number yes. two, Eric. Number three, Frank. Number four, Ariel. Golly. Nice. All right. All right, I'll kick it off. Uh, let me just double check the old odds here. Thank you, Frank. Go ahead, and knock, go ahead and knock the prop out of the way here. I'm going to take uh, Hamza Chumayev to win inside the distance. Minus 450. Sick. Wow. So, again, Hamza inside the distance. Yep. I have a real problem with you guys, you know, <laughs> going against the feel-good stories of the weekend. You did it with Leon. You're doing it now. Why? Do, do we do we want to make money or uh, do right, we want to feel right. good? Well, I guess the rebuttal is uh, we lost money on the Leon yeah. feel-good story. Uh, I mean. Eh, I would, would take that side again, and I will. It, it would be – I would be shocked. I'd be shocked. But if this is a fair fight for 25 minutes or however long it lasts – no injuries or anything, I will be shocked if Nate Diaz is getting his hand raised. You think so? so 37 yeah, years I mean, old, 4-6 and six in, over the last 10 years, up, going up against like one of the most hyped-up prospects in UFC history. Listen, gets him down on the ground, a little scrambling action, leg locks his ass. I mean, <laughs> leg lock, maybe. Hamzat is great on the ground, though. I'm not and surprised. And even if Diaz loses, he still gets what he wants, right? Well... That's the big question, and we're going to get into that. You, yeah. Do you mean like the freedom, the Jake Paul, the whole? Yeah. I think it depends on how he loses. I think if he gets out-wrestled, then, you know, no harm, no foul. I think if he gets knocked out in the first minute, which that's I don't gonna, think happens, yeah. that's no, going to hurt so him. Either. Isn't it weird, by the way, how the Jake Paul Anderson Silva announcement happens this week, and it kind of feels like those two fights are tied? Like, if Nate, if Nate wins, loses, walks away, Jake wins, that's the fight. If Nate loses, Jake loses, still the fight. If Nate loses, Jake wins, depends on how Nate loses. By the way, if Nate walks away, win or lose, Anderson wins, is there a Nate Diaz-Anderson Silva boxing match in play? And there's the whole story there with Anderson beating his brother. It's just weird how those two completely sort of random events now feel very tied. Anyway, uh, all right, so that's number one. Who's number two? Number two was Eric. I'm number two. Before we, uh, before we hit the music, I just want to say, if you even take Nate Diaz out of the out of that equation, right? Hamza Shamayev minus four fifty. I mean, it's still kind of a justifiable play almost against most of his opponents, just because of the the success rate that he has with finishing. Obviously, Gilbert Burns' uh, most recent fight being an exception because he's incredibly tough. But you got you got to like that. Got to like that. Anyway, twenty five okay. minutes still. Yeah, twenty five minutes to get it done. Can't My turn. <laughs> I am going to go with my one of my favorites. Uh, long time fan of this guy. I'm going to go with the one and only Kevin Holland. I like I like him in this matchup with wow. Daniel Rodriguez. Wow! What are you surprised about this? In the parlay, yeah, I am. Why? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I like I that love, one. I love Holland here. Wow, <laughs> Kevin I Holland. Think, go ahead. I, listen. Daniel Rodriguez definitely some he has some physical gifts. He's a he's a great striker, no doubt about it. I think Kevin Holland is is uh, a more varied striker. I think he's going to have more to offer. And I also think when it when it comes to clinch game, 
potential submission game. Kevin Holland's leagues above. So that's where Kevin Holland's going to be able to mix it up. And and I like, yeah, I like Holland in this parlay. I, I do. I like Holland. And I like him at that price too. What is the price? Minus 195. He's not on the thingy. Oh, there he is. Okay. Yeah, minus 195. Daniel Rodriguez. I will say, I think there are a lot of people who are who have been impressed by Daniel Rodriguez lately. And, and I'm one of them. I, I think he's uh, a solid contender. Uh, but I think there's a level between him and Kevin Holland, and it's going to show on Saturday. Crime fighting Kevin. Let's do it. All right. There it is. The man. Uh, Frankie. Yeah, so considering all the uh, different <clears throat> matches there are, there's a lot of good uh, parlay picks to go for. Okay. But I have decided... <laughs> say it again? No, no, I like this. This is a yeah. good build. This is a good but build. I'm going to go with Norma Demont. Oh, that was one of my... Uh... All right, it's a layup. My candidates. Then for what do you What do you think I'm it's going a with? Layup. So uh, I know where you're going, and I want you to go there. Just for the record, Norma Dumont going up against Danielle Wolf, which is very strange because uh, one of my best friends growing up in high school was Daniel Wolf, a boy named oh. Daniel Wolf, and now it's weird <laughs> that there's a female fighter named Danielle Wolf. Also crazy that Danielle Wolf is a product of the Contender Series, and we were told, quote unquote, that Bo Nickel. I mean, if you just look at their resumes, it's just absurd oh, that God. one got yeah. in and the other one didn't. But we all know. Well, also, if you go back and watch that Contender Series fight, it's it's yes. absurd that one got in and one didn't. Right, right, right. Uh, so there you have it. Norma Dumont, of course, of uh, Aspen Lad Norma Dumont fame. Four ten yes. minus four ten for Dumont against the plus three thirty Danielle Wolf. So I feel like that's a good one uh, from Frank. Just Thanks. for the record. Uh, who do you think I'm picking fourth? Jelton uh, Almeida. Let's go! Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I needed it. Jelton Almeida's on fire. Jelton Almeida's on fire. Why do you think I was going with that one, just for the uh, record? Well, he's the biggest favorite on the card outside yes. of Hamzat. Yeah. One, <laughs> two, he's a killer. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch, so I was hoping that he would make his way. Wait, why didn't you pick him then? Uh, I was first. I saw the prop on the board that I liked a lot. I appreciate that. Thank I, you. I would have gone with that prop if you didn't. Um, let That's me ask so you this. Yes. So it seems like you. It seems like you're not as sure on Kevin Holland. Who who might you have slid in there instead? Oh man, I I don't know. I like Kevin Holland. I have, a, I, have, I have a single on him. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to the a leech man is, here when it comes to the leech. Yeah. No, I'm pretty. You know what? I feel I feel pretty damn good about. I don't want to. I don't want to sway you out of anything. And then Kevin Holland. No, no, I'm not changing. I'm not changing. Okay, I'm, a, right, I'm a Kevin cool. Holland rider for life. We're, we're yeah, in Leech, this. Uh, Jay Collier, Holland. the Collier campaigners. Are I was out thinking this week. about Collier. Yeah, I was thinking about Collier, but <laughs> I know. But yeah, come on. Chris, Chris Barnett. Can, then you're a real asshole got, if you're going up against Chris Barnett. Yeah, and right. also just get, launch a spinning wheel kick and end it. He's but nobody wants to touch. He's just a weirdo. Yeah, what about the co-main? Yeah, that, that's what we were just talking about. Yeah, I'm sorry, a little. Yeah, I guess you guys didn't listen. Yeah, so that gets us to plus one sixty four on the parlay this week. A little bit less than last week, but uh, we will be getting it boosted. Now, so what is go. it? What is it when it's boosted? Do we know that yet? Twenty percent boost. So I'm going to guess somewhere between plus one ninety and plus two hundred, and we will have that up on Friday. They pushed us to Friday because the NFL starting makes sense. Uh, but you can get it. What does that have to do with the uh, two seventy nine boost? Uh, they only have so many uh, like boost. Oh, tiles. oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, can we throw a little uh, Bills 10. Rams action in there or what? That's what I'm saying. Minus two, uh, two and a half. At that price, I'll just take the money line. Oh, okay. Bills bar on Thursday. Meet you there. Let's go. Where is it? 
I think there's a few. There's one called All Stars that people like. You're all in. Oh my god, am I all in? <laughs> uh, I love how it's just now all the teams are aligning for you too. I feel and like this soon, is well, this is more fun. Yeah, could, could we get a Bills? Gonna, it, no comment on my Knicks dogs are, rolling forty nine three, but uh, right, you right. Know, it is what it is. We need a Bills. Uh, Frank, are you all in with the Bills? It has to. I mean, no, he hates the Bills. No, his wife so, is from Buffalo. Yeah, he likes making fun of her for it. This is something I had to um, answer for when I was in Arizona. <laughs> so my wife's family lives in Arizona. Yeah, and uh, it was pretty much like get with the program this season or yeah, find your way out of the family. Wow, wow. And they and said it gentler than that, but I got the message. And what? And what's your decision? I'm, I'm yeah, with what are the you Bills. Doing? Like, are you I'm, leaving? I'm oh. trying to take her to go see them play the Packers on at the end of October. Oh, I thought you were going to come to the game. I'll I'll be at October um, 9th. Yeah. No. All right. I'm fine. making that one. It's All like right. a Tuesday. I mean, it, right? no, it's not a Tuesday. What are you talking been. about? When do the When do the Bills play on? A, when does any NFL team play on Thursdays? Saturdays, never, Sundays, never. Mondays. Yeah. Which Which uh, day of the week is it? It's a Sunday. Okay. I'll see. <laughs> It would have been an incredible radio moment if he said, "Well, unfortunately, I had to leave the family and yeah, it's did, like just to double shun the bills, no, no. just to double down on the hatred of it." Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be on later. I was gonna do a little, you know, costume change. I got my Zubaz here, oh. ready to go. You talk about no. oh boy, wow! Look at the Zubaz, baby. Did you buy that? Is that is that used? No, it's real. It's no, from no, no. No, I know it's real, but it looks like it's like a thrift shop purchase. What is this? I mean, wow. yeah, it's Zubaz. It's it's brand it's a new, new level of shaming. My, so I tried to buy one of the chicken wing hats. They're sold out everywhere. You've seen them, the giant chicken wings. Yeah, sold yeah, out yeah. Everywhere. I got a nice replacement though. It's like a. Do you mean a buffalo wing? Yeah, buffalo wing. This is like a big buffalo head. Wow. So I'm gonna wear this to the bars. I've already been picking uh, out your yeah, wing table. By the way, isn't this a problem for our chances to win the Super Bowl? Given yeah, your take that off. look at the t-shirt. What, what I what I do is not buy a t-shirt. Yeah. I had what, I had to do other happened? things, so I got some sick that's merch. That's true. Okay, got that's the true. buffalo head, and I got some Zubaz. I'll rock a blue shirt on Sundays. Did we have any influence in France with the t-shirts? Did anything happen? What's the latest? Yeah, I had, I had the, a zero gone the shirt. Hat? Oh. Yeah. Oh, so, all right. But you didn't so this is the lead. I know, yeah, but he was a huge favorite, and uh, when he got dropped, I was definitely scared. No, there's no buts. You just proved yeah, that the curse, the curse isn't real. All right, curse is broken. Wow. I, I feel like it. you, I feel you, like you didn't get credit for that. I feel, you were wearing the shirt during the card. Uh, Actually, no. That truth comes No, it wasn't. Wow. And I didn't wear Wait, it on the when show. When was it worn? Yeah, when was that it worn? That morning. That doesn't count. They you gotta wear it during the... Oh, yes. Yeah. But did, were you wearing the Usman shirt during uh, 278? Yes. Uh, yeah, I told him to take it off. But. Wait, now, is this a thing? Like, because you weren't wearing it during the card, does it count? No, I, I, I don't know. Think, I, I don't think. know. Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, if he was conflicted about it, we would have heard about it already. Yeah. I thought yeah. I, uh, yeah, I guess I'll uh, have to hold off on ordering a, a Bills jersey. Yeah, don't do it, please. <laughs> All right, well, there's a lot to like. There's a lot going on. We just got our parlay in. That's very exciting. I mean, I'm I'm stoked about it. I, I like it. this one, except for the main event. Again, I hate it. E- even even the Cyril Gantai Tuivasa fight, I didn't feel good about that one. I hate it. Really? Yeah. But it was a good win. What a performance, right? From oh Tai Tuivasa. From both. From both guys. Right. Yeah. Gets dropped in the second. Comes back. Was Tai Tuivasa doing the rope-a-dope in the, in the uh, dude, third? Dude, he had to have. Like, was he, he live actually in real faking? Time? Dude, he I, threw such a huge shot as he started coming in. I don't know. I don't know. He was definitely hurt, but he's one of those guys who hard, really hard to stop. Had the presence of mind that 
if I bite down on my mouthpiece and fire back, this is the best shot I got right now and did it. But yeah, he's a, he's a savage, man. He's, he's a Unbelievable. monster. Unbelievable back and forth brawl. I really don't feel like his stock drops at all. I feel like you want to, you could put him in a main event. You want to see him against the top guys. The big question now is, and we could talk to real about it, this, who he fights. Who does he fight now? Uh, I agree with you 100%. <sighs> if, if anything, I think his stock goes up. Because it showed that, like, look, he was he was a huge underdog in this fight against a guy that was an interim champion and somebody who just fought for the title against Francis Ngannou. And he looked like he belonged, right? He had him hurt. He could have finished that fight. He looked like he was actually somebody who could compete with the top level. I think there was a point in Derek Lewis's career where it was like, well, this ride's going to end, right? But at a certain point, when you're knocking out, when you're beating Francis Ngannou, you know, not a great fight, but when you're beating Francis Ngannou and knocking out Curtis Blades, you show that they're, that you belong at this level. Um, I think Tai Tuivasa had that type of performance where it's like, this is not just, you know, a fun knockout guy. This is a guy who against the top level competition has a chance in there. Shouldn't have been that big a dog. So I, I, I think Ty stock actually goes up. Um, as far as who he faces next, I mean, if, I don't know. I, was, I feel like there's I, two options. Okay, hit us. They want John Jones to fight December 10th against Francis. That fight, I don't think is going to happen. They still want John to fight on that card. So then plan B is Stipe. If Stipe doesn't come to the table, if he has no interest, if he's out of the game, if he wants to remain a firefighter, I feel like Cyril is the next guy. Now, the I'd question so then is, yeah. that. does John want that? And at some point, John has to do something. I mean, it's been two and a half years since his last fight, amazingly. So, I, I, I okay. And then if not, if that scenario doesn't play out, and I know there's a lot of if, 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 then I feel like it has to be Curtis Blades, right? You already he the first moment he could, he shot that one down, and I don't blame him. Like I think Curtis Blades is a, is a problem in the, in the heavyweight division, and somebody I wouldn't want to face if I was on the cusp of fighting for a title again. Who else but is there? What else is there? There's there's not much yeah, else out when, there. When you're that high up in the heavyweight division, I want to see Jones, Cyril. I mean, would that be the most yeah. athletic heavyweight fight of all time? Oh, it'd be incredible! Like it would be so sick to watch. I, you know. It, it, there's an interesting kind of point right now where it's like Tom Aspinall still healing. Curtis Aspinall's going to be out for of, a year. Yeah, and, and Curtis Blades is is you know waiting for an opportunity, which hopefully he will get shortly. Um, there's there's an opportunity to do Jones and and Gone if it's available. I mean, I think everybody is kind of excited about and has been thinking about Jones Stipe, but like where where is that fight? Like we the big question Stipe, Stipe is the big question. Stipe is yeah. the massive question. If he comes back, it's Stipe versus Jones. If he doesn't come back, but, I think it's but, Jones versus uh Gone. And then I don't know what you do with Blades. Blades has to wait probably. Or fights like a Pavlovich type. But haven't we been in this position for a year now? Like what are we waiting on at this point? Like what what is the what is the Stipe hold up? What what are we exactly waiting for? I don't think that well the last I heard is they didn't approach Stipe yet because they want to do Francis versus um John. John. Francis's contract expires like a couple of days after that event. Whatever it is, two eighty something, December tenth, right? Francis yeah. ain't coming back. Francis ain't coming back. Now, the one interesting thing about the whole Francis scenario is at the beginning of this year when Francis beat Cyril Gunn in January, we all thought that Francis had this major leverage chip. Tyson Fury. Right. Doesn't seem like he has that anymore. Tyson Fury spoke to him on Saturday. Feels like he is either going to fight Alexander Usyk and there's some sort of, you know, gamesmanship there. If not, he's going to fight someone. And as we heard yesterday or the day before, he's like, Anthony Joshua, come fight me. Which, by the way, I don't think is a crazy thought. 
and I actually feel like that will sell still, right? So, yeah, oh yeah. And I asked about Francis, and he was like very sort of like, man, it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime uh, soon. The, the luster on Joshua of like this like guy who's going to be the, uh, the 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 next big thing and going to challenge Tyson Fury that's gone. Yeah. But the these are the two best guys that we can get in the UK is still there. Like that is still something that people care about, and Joshua is still still has fans. Um, is still polarizing. Is still somebody that people are are drawn to, no matter what. So that fight is still humongous. That fight is still monstrous, no matter what happens. It has lost a little of that. Uh, like this guy will be the undisputed number one, the king of boxing for the foreseeable future. That guy's clearly Tyson Fury. There's no doubt about that. That guy is clearly not Anthony Joshua. Um, but Joshua versus Fury still is big to me. It feels huge. Number one for me is Joshua versus Usyk. Yes. But there's like all this weird... You mean, you mean Tyson Excuse me. uh, Fury yes, versus yes, yes, yes. Excuse me. Tyson versus Usyk. Let's rectify that situation. Let's yeah. finally unify all the belts. And then I don't hate the idea if... By the way, if Fury wins, great. If Fury loses to Usyk some way, somehow, and I think he wins, then do Fury versus Joshua finally. Just do... If, if, I mean, for all, for all we've been hearing, Usyk doesn't want this fight right now. Well, do, you know what? Do Joshua... I think that's kind of not fair to Usyk, to be honest. We don't have to get too in the weeds on this, but like the guy just fought in August. Give him a break. Oh, no, I'm not judging him. I'm not yeah. saying, I'm saying right at this moment, he right. doesn't want this fight for the timeline, which, look, the guy's got belts. Like he can do what he wants. I think he should be like able to decide when he fights. It shouldn't be on Tyson Fury to pressure him to say, I need to fight at this exact moment. Let's fight. I agree with, with that completely. Usyk should be able to determine his own fate here. But if Tyson Fury is committed to fighting the same way we're kind of talking about, like John Jones has – there's, there's got a December date there that John Jones is attached to. Let's do something. If Tyson Fury's put his feet in the sand and said, I'm going to fight this year, you could do a lot worse than Anthony Joshua. That would be one heck of a show. Then there's also, of course, Tyson Fury versus Austin Theory, who he knocked out ringside at <laughs> Clash at the Castle. So how does he factor – I mean, he was going to cash in the money in the bank, and he got knocked out. It was actually a really hard punch. I don't know if they were – I don't know. It looked very, very legit to me. Um, so there's that whole situation. So I don't know what's going to happen there. What do you do with Robert Whitaker, by the way? Oh, man. What a, what a performance by him. Tremendous. Like, but he's so far him? and away Yeah, he's above. the second best. Yeah. It's well, like, it's, actually, it's, close to him, he's the most dangerous. It's Izzy, Rob, <laughs> and then the rest of the division is like down here somewhere. They're all great. Look, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. The middleweight division is is very solid right now, but it is clearly Izzy and Rob head and shoulders above everybody else, and then the rest. That's Costa, just, that's just what, what it is. What if Pereira beats Izzy? Do you do Whitaker Pereira, or do you do? Oh, instantly. No, no, no. You do you do Alex versus Izzy too? Four. Yeah, run, you could four, you could run yeah. it back. <laughs> yeah, you could run you could run it back. But <laughs> is it, uh, Robert it immediately becomes that next contender after they settle? You know, depending on how it happens and if they do the immediate rematch. What about but Costa? Rob, what about Costa Whitaker? Contender. I'd be down for Costa Whitaker. I've seen a lot of Vittori Costa. No, they already did that. No, they no, did I that. Did see, yeah. I, they see, I did saw that. a bunch of Whitaker Costa. Whitaker yeah, Costa. Yeah, yeah. I'm down for Whitaker Costa. Now, the tricky it's, part is last fight on Costa's deal. If he beats him, you know, all right, fine, whatever. You roll the dice. But to me, that's the fight to make. I'm down for that. It is, as, but, uh, as they tied over until Izzy and Pereira yeah. figure things out. I'm cool with that. If you're if you're trying to manage Rob's career, it's like it's going to be a bunch of that. You know, he's going to have to lap this division. Like it's going to he's be in the, the Joe same Benavides thing territory. He's just going to have to beat every single contender uh, until it's until he inevitably gets a title shot. Nobody will be a bigger 
uh, Alex fan than than uh, Rob right now. He needs that. Should he go to two hundred five? No, nah. too big, right? Those dudes the guys are, are huge. Too big there. Yeah. Although I saw that one picture of Pajeda like standing next to uh, Dominic Reyes. Yeah. Alex looked bigger than yeah, him. He he could go to two hundred five. Yeah. Oh, he definitely he could, could go, go to two hundred five for sure. Not not Rob. I don't like that. Yeah, I feel like it has to be Costa. One more fight. He yeah. wants to but, resign. Well, yeah, it's going to be Costa, and then it's going to be. You think he smokes uh, Costa? Yeah, if he goes out there and smokes Costa, he's uh, <sighs> yeah, he's right back to to step one. No, he won't get he won't get a title shot even if he smokes Costa. I don't think he smokes Costa. I think Costa's too good for that. But I think he'll beat Costa, and I think then we're looking at okay, let's say Izzy and Alex goes Izzy's way, then he'll fight Alex, then maybe he fights the next guy. It's just, it's. Man, you're, it, Rob is in a very tough spot unless the title changes hands. Um, it's it's just unfortunate. I mean, <laughs> I've you know at the time where you were ta- you talked about Joe B at the time where it was Mighty Mouse and Joe B, I would have been fine with them. I know you doing said that it many times. Time. Figgy, Figgy, and Moreno, give me ten of them. I don't care. I really don't. Those, those are the two guys. Now I think Pantoja is kind of like creeping into that equation and, and there's other things to be said but like when when it's izzy and rob that are that have separated them from themselves from the pack so much like i'm okay if if they do you it you want to see I izzy really rob am. again no problem man ah. no problem with it rob is so good and izzy is I so know. good like i have no issue with seeing the two best middleweights compete every single time i really don't but at some point it's not fair to now, izzy how many times does he have to prove himself <laughs> i get it i get it it's look if izzy i, I would say it this way if Izzy goes, I don't want to fight Rob. I've beaten him twice. Like I'm done with that chapter. I want to fight X Y Z guy. Like pick pick the names and try trying to call him out. I'm okay with that. The champ is it should have that right, and I have no issue with it. But at a certain point, it's hard to just like for Rob to just re, be recycling through the the contenders. Also, he's doing Israel no favors because he's knocking off the guys that could be Israel's potential uh, right. opponents. So Challenges. it really creates a a weird yeah yeah. But for now, he's situation. beating the guys who Izzy already beat Vittori. Yeah. Already yeah. beat uh, Costa if they fight, so it's not. But like they could have climbed back, right? Yeah. They, uh, well, maybe not, not Vittori. Vittori. He's yeah. got two cracks, but Costa. If he if he knocks off Costa, that all that momentum that Costa could have had going to a rematch is gone now. It's it's a it's a really weird and difficult scenario at middleweight. All right, so we'll talk to Rob about it. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, before we move along to our first guest. Uh, we've spoken so much about this. I have to ask you guys, level of interest in the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight announced October 29th, Glendale, Arizona. I have to say, uh, at least from the MMA community, very positive reaction to this news, right? I, I, I saw a lot of people very happy. No, New York Rick? I mean, you have your finger on the pulse. I mean, I... obviously. Oh, no, I don't I know. Mean, I feel like anything we were... Jake does, people roll their eyes at. Oh, he's oh that's funny. fair. That No, that's fair. Uh, I thought, the, by the way, I thought the promo of him just letting Dana like promote yes. the fight for him by saying he, that that was that a was master well stroke. Done. Well done. On Have you part. noticed something about Jake um, when he speaks? His fingers are like this, like very stiff, <laughs> and he puts the two together. Go back and not watch. until you just said it. Not Anytime he does something, he, go back. Go, do me a favor. Anyone out there. Go look at Jake when he speaks. He, and this is, I don't know if it's like a fighting thing. He's always like this, stiff fingers, and these two are always together. I don't know what what it is. A very odd that. observation, but now that you mention I'm it, I can, I can picture it. Um, we wasted a lot of time uh, pretending that he was going to fight Tommy Fury and uh, Hassan That Rock was really going to happen. Yeah, they, they were going to happen if they made it to the fight. But again, like, who cared? Like, nobody cares. The, the excitement level for this is so much higher. Um, this was always the fight to make, and now we get it. And I think, 
No. <laughs> and look at Rick just Jake, winning in this uh, this Jake Paul saga. If Jake if Jake wins this, he still and I think this is to his favor. I, I argued this last time. I think this is to his favor. If he wins this, there will still be people who say he's forty seven. Uh, people you know, are he's an people MMA are already fighter. saying that he's forty seven. The it's amount of people perfect. I saw quote tweeted. It's perfect. Like, Dude, he's he ancient. Can, now, now he can go back to the next. Like, oh, now I'll fight a real boxer again. But you or know they're going to say that, right? MMA fight, hundred percent. And that's the it's the best thing for him because this is what it's. It's funny to me that this is Anderson Silva is simultaneously the person that everybody's like, you need to fight him because he's a real fighter and he's going to beat your ass. But then if he loses, it's going to be ah, he was washed. Like it's it's the perfect fight. It has always been the perfect fight to continue this Jake Paul momentum. Um, if he can get it done. And if he loses to Anderson Silva, my view on it is like you lost to a freaking legend right. of legend. I don't yeah. think I don't think it really kills the Diaz fight. It doesn't kill a potential no. KSI fight. It's Anderson freaking Silva. It, there yeah. are no stakes for Jake Paul in any of these fights, period. In my opinion. Like if I Anderson really Silva just goes stakes. out there and wins by decision, I, I yeah, I don't think it hurts the Diaz or, no. like you said, KSI fight. MVP belt on the line? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it get put around Silva's waist. <laughs> participation uh, trophy on the line uh by the uh, way press yeah. conference on monday um you'll be there interesting figure will be in attendance i will not be in attendance i have a show to do on monday for goodness huh. sakes what do you think this is um but i'm curious to see how it plays out that? i'm also curious to see what what was that what what does that mean someone Who, who's gonna be in attendance someone will be there but i can't say what <laughs> I can't At the say. Jake Paul Anderson Silva press this conference. This is the worst. This is the worst what? tease I've ever it's heard. Te- it's fine. Don't care about the tease. Um, uh, dumb one. I mean, give me something. If give I was managing Jake, game. this is what I would do. If I was managing Jake, he did that one video going through the resume, greatest of all time, this and that. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that out the window. No one wants this. Okay, I don't want this. Oh, the respect. You don't <sighs> want the the like, mutual admiration. Listen, Anderson will never be a bigger babyface than he is going into this fight. The entire MMA community is going to want him to win. They're going to want him to throw the boxing rules out the window and front kick him in the face. Yeah. Everyone's going to be rooting for Anderson to knock him out. Right? He's the legit babyface, and this is Jake versus MMA final boss status. Anderson <laughs> respect this and that. But yeah. let's be honest, he should come in there and be like, I'm going to exterminate the spider. I'm going to I'm going to end this legend's career. I'll be another legend killer. I'm going to piss all over the grave of Anderson. That's what people want. They want disrespectful yeah. problem child. They don't want I get it for the fir- the first promo is fine. Let the people know why this is such a big deal. You met him 10 years ago. It's a huge moment for you. It's kind of like Logan versus Floyd in a way, right? It's like, wow. Holy crap, how do we end up here? This ain't going to sell any pay-per-views if we're going to do the whole respect angle. I'm sorry. All right? And, and you could say this ain't WWE all you want. People want conflict. You have made this into a fight, right? You have made this into a fight. You have made this into you versus the MMA community, you versus MMA fighters, you versus Dana White, you versus the UFC. Well, here he is, the pound-for-pound king. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to be respectful towards him? No. I'm sorry. That would be a mistake. I I agree with you, but I think there's a, I think there's a, a, a needle. There's an eye of a needle you can thread, which is... I respect the legend, but I'm unfortunately going to have to put him down. I think there's a needle you can you can thread there. I think there's like a, I, I this got the the same thing as the tweet, but then you you tack on the, just the fact that like yeah I'm going to have to unfortunately do this. Like I, I think there's a way to do that. Uh, you know drop what? the unfortunately. I think I, yeah. I kind of side with Ariel here. I think more people will watch if he just like goes full bore yeah. against the MMA community. Hey Dana. Hey Dana. Yeah. Anderson Silva's blood 
is on your hands. You <laughs> made this happen. Wow. You asked for this. You so wanted this guy to go in there with a guy who knocks people out cold. When I knock him out on October 29th, I want there to be a camera on your face because this is your fault. You made this. Happen. That's what he has to say. That's what I would say. <laughs> I like it. That's what I, I was going to say. That's but, a pretty good promo right there. Uh, thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. But you can still respect Anderson Silva while doing that one, is my point. You can still say to him, you know, in the interactions, like, yeah. res- that's a respect, good point. Like, you're the you're the man, and and I don't want to have to do this. But they, look what Dana White did. Look what the MMA fans did to you. They put you in here with me. I think there's a way you can kind of do it, and it'll be see, hard to see. I mean, it'll be hard. It'll be interesting to see how he navigates it. It's a difficult. It's a difficult play. I I think the thing that sells the most pay per views. You're 100 percent right. Is if he just goes in there in there and straight disrespects him. But I yeah. don't know. I don't know if he'll play that. We'll see. I mean, Anderson Silva minus 135. Wow. Any thoughts? How do you feel? Lock it up. Really. Lock I already took it, it a couple up. weeks ago, yeah. Wow. Before it was even official. What I'm about, riding with the MMA community here. What about Anderson via some sort of stoppage? Nothing out on that yet. They just, they just released the money line. What do you think that'll be? Via, I feel like the decision will be closer to like, like... I feel like the KO prop will be a bigger price than, than the decision. Yeah, I could see that. But well, man, I mean, we've seen Jake. Jake has a chin. Like, let's not, you know, you can think whatever you think about his boxing. Would he rock them? I think he's throwing it. But he rocked them, but, like, he recovered. Like, Woodley hit him with a with a nuke, and he yeah. was fine. He ate it. Like, the dude can take a punch. That is 100% true. Could you imagine telling someone six years ago when Anderson's fighting Michael Bisping at the O2 <laughs> that in a few years he'd be fighting this kid who at the time was on the Disney Channel? I mean, it's a crazy, who, crazy story. Who ten years prior, he's yeah, tweeting say, like, "Thanks for signing an autograph at a steak and lube or whatever." It was. Yeah, I was like, going to say, imagine telling Jake Paul back in 2011 that he's going to be fighting Anderson yeah. Silva in a huge boxing match. It's it's yeah. a real weird world that we live in, but yeah, it's kind of fun, it, and and it's crazy to see how this fight on Saturday, in a weird indirect way, ties into that event on October 29th. It's very strange. Absolutely. I can't wait to see it. Talk about a fight that I have no idea how it will sell. That one, too. Right? Oh, yeah. Because Jake's crowd yeah. is a younger crowd. Do they, you know, do those weird things that kids do online? But also, I feel like as as the build for it grows, the interest will grow as well. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from that one. The 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 build on a lot of these is is shorter. Like that's just the reality of, of the nature of of how we you know consume media consume this stuff now. It's like it's the content starts ramping up the week of like it at right now. It's almost like irrelevant to talk about once the week comes, once the face offs happen. Those things are the things that start popping on social and then gets people interested. And it's like the build to a fight is a week these days, and UFC has that model down because they, they literally build it every single week. But that's how it is. Like once once it gets here, it's gonna feel it's gonna feel big. I will say this, if uh, if Jake chooses to go the trash talk route, and we'll see if he does, I don't expect Anderson to engage with him, because that's just not his style. However, Jake has never fought, he's never fought a striker like him, with all due respect to Woodley and Askren. He's never fought someone with his resume. You know, Anderson has been around a lot longer. Anderson made his MMA debut in 97. Jake is born in 97. He made his MMA debut <laughs> six months after Jake was born. That's how crazy. insane this all is. But here's the thing. Not only has he never fought a striker like Anderson Silva, and just go back and look at that Julio Cesar Chavez fight from last June. Like, the guy still got it. But yeah. he has never fought someone who has the swagger that Anderson has in the ring, let alone the cage, right? Like, if Anderson gets into that groove where he's, like, doing the whole Anderson thing, I don't know how Jake is going to react to all of that. 
You know what I mean? That's a different kind if of trash talk, mental warfare. If you're Nate Robinson, Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren, there's got to be a part of you that there's some uncertainty. Sure, you're confident, right? Sure, you're like, okay, I'm gonna knock, I'm gonna knock this kid out. And we're gonna end this Disney Channel experiment. But there's a certain part of you that has to be um, uncertain. Like, hey, look, I'm not a professional boxer. I'm stepping in here for the for the first, or, or you know, did he fight anybody who wasn't the first time? Either way, but uh, Anderson Silva has had a legendary MMA career. Is now beating guys like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who is a legit boxer. Um, he's not walking in there with any uncertainty. He's not walking in there with any fear like that his reputation is on the line against Jake Paul. He's coming to fight an opponent and have a boxing match, and I think that separates him from a lot of the guys that Jake has faced to this point. Like, What has Anderson Silva not seen in combat sports at this point? Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, everything. He has seen everything. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, That right hand? Yeah, Jake Paul. Never seen the Jake Paul right hand. Anybody who wants to disrespect his skills, you can go ahead. But he's a better boxer than Tommy Fury. He is. He just straight up is. Jake, Jake Paul is a better yeah. boxer than. T- yes, no, we're, ne- he's we're never going to be able to confirm Fury. that till they get in the ring. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but like he's not. He's not some dude who's just like flying by the seat of his pants and coming in here to to get smoked. Like he's he's a legit boxer at this point, and we're going to see what the like where he is skill level wise against Anderson Silva. But like this idea that it's just like. He's just it's just this cash grab where he's not like a real boxer. He's not training. He's not going to put on a, a decent performance. Like, I just I don't I don't get that at this point. He could have fought a lot of worse fighters than Anderson. Yes. Right? Uh, by the way, Bernard Hopkins won three times past his 47th birthday. So we've seen guys win and be somewhat oh, effective. Yeah. Anderson has shown no signs of slowing down. He's not out of shape. He still seems fast. I know the win over Tito and the win just a couple of months ago, you know, whatever. But the Chavez one, as crazy as Chavez is and as, you know, sad his career has gone, like the trajectory of career, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the trouble, that was still a really impressive showing out of a guy who had like, I don't know, 50-something less fights than his opponent in terms of boxing matches. So, yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing, and I honestly can't. It's like crazy. We spoke about it on the show last year after he beat Woodley the first time, and Anderson was just getting started in all of this, and he was about to fight Tito. Like, what about Anderson? Felt like a pipe dream when I asked him about it. Can't believe a year later we're actually here, Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul. It even feels weird saying it, to be honest. Yeah. Right? It feels this surreal. Is, it feels is, surreal. This is different than Woodley, Jake. This is different sure. than Askren, Jake. It's Anderson freaking Silva, man. Is this the first time Jake Paul is going to be an underdog? Going in? Yeah. I want to say he he's was been a dog a... against Rockman, right? But he, he didn't fight, but No, 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 he was a big been... favorite. He was like a minus 225. Against Rockman? Yeah. Really? Yeah, cuz you were yeah, Rockman you were looking dog? Yeah, you were looking your chops to take Rockman oh, dog Yeah. I'll, I'll have to have look that, that up, but I, th- I think so this bad. might be the first time that money. he's going to be a dog. Also, lightest he'll ever be as far as boxing. He was one, I think, ninety-one and a half for the second Woodley fight. This is one eighty-seven. So going to be interesting. Going yeah. from two hundred five to one eighty-seven, crazy stuff. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are going to want to talk about this on the on the nose section. So more of that talk to come. For now, we say goodbye to these gentlemen, and we say hello to our first guest of the day. Thank you, gentlemen. 
Thank you, Frankie. Appreciate you guys very much. All right, let's get into the guests. Uh, we were talking about Paris. We were talking about the scene. We were talking about the crowd singing, chanting, Marchand, Marchand. It was magnifique. It was merveilleux. It was incroyable. And a man who was at the forefront, a man who helped make it happen, the great Fernand Lopez of MMA Factory. He's our first guest of the day. What an event. What a day. What a night. I'm sure you're still... On, on cloud nine, Felnan, right? What a night. You'll never forget it, right? Amazing. That was quite, I mean, that's something that I never witnessed in my life. That was special, different, just amazing. Uh, and for the record, your team, MMA Factory, you went 4 0? 3 0, because we had. 3 0. Yeah, Taylor Lapidus was supposed to fight, but he. He had the, the, the broken hand and he couldn't fight, so we had three fighter and uh, we did three victory. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't have the pleasure of being there. Could you tell us for those who weren't there? Like, could you even describe what the atmosphere was like? Like even during the main event when Cyril is fighting Taitui Vasa and they start singing the national anthem, the French national anthem. Like, what is going on in your mind, your body? Can you even describe the emotions that you were feeling? I was shocked. I mean, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't keep my serious. I, like I wanted to to keep composed, like to be serious, uh, but I couldn't. I was laughing. I was, uh, you know, like smiling, looking at my friend uh, Benjamin Safati, because in France, the national anthem is something that some young people used to boo when you have soccer, and for them, the anthem is like. They, when they boo the anthem, is because they feel like this is the way to say no to the government on something, to, you know. And uh, I was scared of that. Like, when they start, I was like, okay, I will have the half of the the, the, the venue booing the, the, the national anthem because this is the national, this is the government. And sometimes you have that duality that you have in, in football. And no, the things, since the, I mean, the all of all of it. I mean, they sing all of it, and in the end, the claps for themselves. Like all the fifteen thousand huh. people clap for themselves. That was just crazy. Were you expecting this? Like, obviously, you knew, you know, it sold out, all that. But like, were you expecting this type of atmosphere? I, I, I didn't, cause I mean, I was. I thought that that could be like that, cause in my small show, Ares, my uh, Ares is yeah a small show in Paris, and we have only 3,000 people in the venue, 3,600. And I know that when you have French French people firing, there's a, the, the energy is, is something else. I mean, the, the how to say that? I don't know. The, 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 the vibe are different in Europe. When, 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 this, when they start to root for someone, the vibe are quite different. So I thought that I could be like that, but I didn't believe how huge that could be. Like at some point they were singing this song that sang qui ne saute pas ne pas français. Hey, means who do not jump is not French. So you have 15,000 people jumping at wow. the same time. And the building wow. was shaking. Like when, when William Gomez, was fighting when Nasudin was fighting, and I was, uh, I was helping um, Sirgan to warm, uh, to warm up. There was, I mean, the building was shaking because of fifty thousand wow. people jumping around, you know, together in the same time. 
Amazing. They have to come every year now, right? Like this is a fait accompli. They have to come uh, like at least two times per year. They have to. I mean, they, uh, they have to. I, I, to be honest with you, I believe if if they decide to bring this in the stadium, they can fill up the stadium in France, which is wow. 80,000 people. The only problem is that the stadium in Paris is not covered. Like, ah. and, and they will not take any chance to 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 just go there without no, no, without controlling the weather but actually they can i mean there were like more than 200,000 people in the uh standby list to buy the tickets which is insane really? yeah insane 200,000 yeah wow but again, like I, I, I knew that there was demand. I knew that the scene was growing, thanks in large part to you and your team. I guess I didn't really expect there to be that kind of atmosphere, like that type of passion. And I'm wondering if it even surprised you, right? Because like you've seen it all in in France, but I, I don't, you know. And also, the French fans aren't really known to be like the UK fans, the Irish fans, like that loud and boisterous. I feel like they really, they really showed up on Saturday. Well, my first interview that they asked me, I said that. I think that the French um, audience are the most underrated. Like to myself, I thought that they are the most. Like I didn't, I didn't really expect that to happen. I didn't know that they can put that show like all the entire time. They didn't rest like all the entire time. That was just funny. You, I couldn't speak. The coaching was very hard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, I needed to wait between two songs so I can just give some inf- information to, to, to my father because they were so loud, you know. That is amazing. Uh, what about Surreal's performance? How did you feel about it? Never seen him get rocked before like that. Dropped very briefly in the second, but he comes back and looks amazing in the third. He finishes him in the third. Overall, how did you feel about the performance, especially considering what happened in January against Francis? Uh, um, I, I was, I wasn't surprised because again, uh, this is a fight. You know that that can happen, right? You know that uh, uh, Bam Bam can hit hard, and uh, the only thing that we know is that uh, uh, people don't know how good is Cyril of on ducking punches. But I think that sometimes you can just miscalculate your distance, and this is what happened. Like, um, how to say, uh, Chavasa was throwing hooks and the distance that he had with hooks was a little bit shorter than when he threw a straight punch. And, and he engaged everything, the hips, the shoulder, everything, and then become, uh, and, and had that, uh, the, that, the, that distance that he needed to, to, to reach to, uh, to Cyril and, and, and he touched him. And um, I felt like, oh, this is the the, the 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 worst case scenario that I thought that can happen when he mm. when, when he fell, and when he fell, I, I feel like okay, this is this is it. I I, I think that we're we're done here. And wow, yeah, I, I I like I had three seconds that I was scared to death, and then he wow. grabbed, and then I saw him coming back and putting the head between the leg and try to grab. Um, uh, Tatuvasa leg, then I understand that he's aware of where he is now and he will just use the protocol, which is 
when you get hit, try to hide your head, close the closer possible to, to, to your opponent and, and just rest a little bit and, and recover. And that's what happened. And, uh, and after that, uh, it just started to move again. Good footwork, accuracy on the job, and I knew that it's back. I knew that it's back. And, uh, and after that, uh, I was like, okay, we went to the, to the to, after the run, when I, I, I went there to see, to, to see him and, and for, um, you know, for uh, the pause, and I said to him, okay, this is what we was looking for. I mean, I've been told, I, I'll, I've been telling you that you were made for dog fight. And I said to you, when the dog fights come, when the shit hits the fence, I know that you will come. The, the, the dirty kid on you will come back. And that's it. We are here. So don't back down. Let's go there and, and, and try to finish him. And uh, that's exactly what he did. Wow. So in, in a weird way, do you feel like uh, this kind of unlocked something in him that, you know, getting into this dogfight now will make him into an even better fighter as opposed to a worse fighter because he was rocked? Absolutely. When we back from the UFC 270 with, against Francis with that loss, uh, when we had the first time that we had the, 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 the you know, the, we had the meeting to, to, to debrief on that fight, I uh, simply asked to Cyril, what do you want? What do you feel like you want? Do you want to be this average fighter that can win fight and lose fight? Or do you want to be a goat? If you want to be a, a goat, then you have to uh, you have to go deeper than that. You, you have to give more than that. You can just take this like a game. You can just keep playing around. You need to, you know, go deeper than that. And so in the training camp, what we start to do is Push him to get the tank empty. That's that's the that was the first goal. How to get the tank empty, which is see we'll have that uh, thing that we uh, you guys call. I mean, the, I think in English is fuse. The thing that huh. when 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 they when you have any problem, you just jump and then cut everything and save the body. So he had that fuse on him that when he get tired and then the body is getting on the red side, the fuse will just shut down everything and then make him move around and then make him save the energy so he can get back to the green. He never get to the red. He's like green, orange, and go back to the green. So every time that you end the training, you never see Sirigan exhausted, like exhausted. You, you, you never caught him in that situation. But this time in this screening, what I ask him is that don't stop. Don't just fight to be better than your sparring partner. Fight to be better than yourself. Just go mm. till you empty the tank. And uh, that paid because uh, he started to go very hard, very stronger. And one, one thing that he wouldn't do in the training session was to hit someone and try to hurt him. Like he will make sure that dissuade you to come take him down or dissuade you to come punch him but we'll just make sure that he beat you the small that is enough to beat you but now in the training camp he's going not full yet but he's going for it like he's really going for it like if you come to knee you on the belly he will send a very powerful knee and you will take a knee because you, you, you get punished and then and then we go forward 
So all these things together with the with, with that knockdown that we had in the in that fight, I think that will make him better fighter because now he can test it and he know that this is the reality. This is who I am. I can I can tell right now that he's happy for the for the performance. He's happy, even happy that he had that knockdown and then come went back from that knockdown, which is mm. you know which is who show that he have a chin. He can he can come out and have a good outcome from a dogfight. And uh, that's what we was looking for. By the way, after the uh, the Francis fight, because it was such a big deal fighting for the belt, he said all the right things. But from what you were seeing, from what you were feeling from him, were you worried that he wouldn't bounce back? Were you worried that uh, this would you know, be a major setback in his career? Well, you always scare a little bit. You always have that, uh, you know, the... Uh, that guess that you don't know exactly what would happen. Remember when I when we went back from the loss against Sipemiotic uh, um, when I was with Francis, I yeah. didn't. I, I I was scared for the, the coming back, and then we went with Derek Lewis, and that was even worse. And after right. that, the book Francis a fight in Beijing in China against the worst opponent that you can have. That was Curtis uh, Blade. For the second time and going in that fight i was very scared like I, uh, for the first time i was for the first time francis was attempting to talk with a psychologist with someone who can talk to him about the con- mental conditioning because we were scared and you can tell after that win against Curtis how happy we were in the corner we jumped like crazy because not because Curtis was that strong, because we did beat Curtis before in, in the beginning of uh, uh, Francis' career, but because of the fact that we didn't know if Francis is still there or if he's gone. So that's what happened. We didn't know if Cyril is still there or if there's something on him that's gone. And uh, I'm happy that uh, he, he passed that test very successfully. So now, who would you like to see Cyril fight next? Because this is a big question. I would like to see Cyril fight the one who will be fighting for the belt. Ah. The, the only goal that we have is the belt. In the MMA story, I don't remember someone who finished the number, who is number one, who finished the number three in the ranking and who didn't get the belt. So I believe Cyril is legit to have the title shot back, no matter if it's the interim, no matter if it's the the, the end spirit, no matter who it is. I mean, I don't believe on that uh, on, on on that story that they want to sell to everyone. That okay, let's put it simple. John Jones is the man. He's a god. Sipe is the man. Francis is the champ. We know that. But again, I don't believe that there's a story that we have to, everyone have to align with that and say, okay, you know what? I will just sit down and wait when these three men finish the fight and maybe one day they will give me a title shot. Mm. There's thing going on. We don't know, really know what's going on about the negotiation. We don't know what's going on about the the medical stuff and everything, but as soon as Cyril is ready, 
because he just got uh, the surgery today on his hand. So he will be ready in three months. Be, as soon as Cyril is ready, we are going for, we want to go for the belt, for the title, no matter where is the title. So th that's what we were looking for. So do you think there's a chance that they do him versus John Jones? I never, they didn't speak to me about that yet. But okay. I know that one clause in Cyril Gan contract said that if you fight with John Jones, this is what amount of money you will have. Oh, yeah. So since the last contract, we have that clause saying in the contract that there's a possibility to fight John Jones. If that happened, this is the amount of money that you have. So what I'm saying is that I'm a promoter on RS, the major yeah. league in France. So I totally understand the uh, I totally understand the the, the 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 business sport, which is we want to go to the one who's selling the more pay-per-views, which is probably John Jones. That being said, if there's any opportunity that that the, 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 the calendar or the, the schedule do not match, Cyril will be there to take whatever to give him. So if they come to you with someone like Curtis Blades, how do you feel about that? If it's for the interim belt, let's go. <laughs> so it's interim, undisputed, or no thanks? No, I don't like to say nothing. That's not my mentality okay. to say to, to try to um, blackmail people and say this is or this no, or no. nothing. I just I'm right. just saying that you ask me my my will, what I would like yeah. to. This is what I like to. But again, I'm not the boss. If if they decide they decide that they will give something else, well, uh, we like to get busy. We, we like to stay busy. But again, if you ask me my will, I think that. Cyril just showed that he can bring what it takes to sell a good, good fight, sure. like a, a good main event on pay-per-view, and uh, and uh, and um, and I think he's number one, and just beat the number three in the good way possible, and I think that this is the time to get back to that strap, yeah. Uh, by the way, if, if I were to ask you to rank in terms of who you think is the toughest challenge right now, Francis, Stipe, John Jones, how would you rank them? Number one being the toughest, three being, you know, they're all tough guys, but how would you rank them? John Jones. John Jones, number one? Yes. Even though he hasn't fought in two and a half years and never fought at heavyweight and all that stuff? I believe Why? It, because his it's fight IQ is... Yeah, I mean, like the, the the best way to beat Cyril uh, is to play the fight IQ because uh, uh, it's about choices, you know. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I really think that uh, is 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 more dangerous because of that. Um, I definitely think that uh, is the number one danger. So you say John, and then who? <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs>
You crazy guy. You're so crazy. Why am I crazy? I'm just curious how you would rank them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, Francis. John Johnson Francis is the first danger. The second one is Francis. Francis? And, I, I, and I think that um, 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 Stipe. Stipe is a hard one, but it's still the less dangerous Sure, right now, sure. at this time, at this moment, for Sirigan. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. By the way, uh, I know you were both in the building. Any uh, chance to speak to Francis, bury the hatchet, talk, say hello, anything like that? I, I say hello to him. Yeah, I say hello to him. Did he say hello back? Yes, I, I, I shake his wow. hand. Yes, I did. You shook his hand? That's big. Why? I mean... He's, come on, let's go. I mean, we have to move on. I shake his hand. I, I and like. I, and I and I feel. You want to bury the hatchet? Uh, that was very very long time ago. I told you I was in your in your in your show, and I told you that this is over me. I mean, I'm I'm not talking on this matter anymore. It's, it's I mean, again, uh, to be honest with you, there's things that are I even. To be honest with you, I regret to have even be vocal on this. Because I get it. Again, you might be mad, you might be um frustrated. But the smart people understand that there's not all the truth that are good to say. Because people don't yeah. listen to you, they don't care about what happened. I mean, they, they're not interested by the truth, they're interested by the fact that. There's a champion out there, and 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 they see that you're a bitter man, and you try to just bring him to the test, you know. So, don't that was stupid to try to be vocal on that. I mean, that was frustration from me because I was mad, and I thought that because I think that is true, then is uh, is something that can be said, and uh, uh, be, uh I think that uh, most of people they just you just have to suck it up and then, and then be, and that's it. And uh, and so, uh, yeah. Have you talked? Have you talked like before Saturday, before seeing him? Any sort of no olive branch? Talk? No, okay. No. But in your mind, Sefini, yeah. you're moving on. No yes. bad blood. Life's Abs too short. Life's too short. Absolutely. That was that was yeah. just in my mind with my people with. Uh, with uh, with Markel, his manager, we are talking. Yeah. Uh, uh, we are talking with Markel, and uh, I, I did talk with his coach. And uh, but uh, again, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, you, you can. There's things that uh, do not like make it. sense when you invite me. You, you you want me to give you some new information, some things, and I can't just stay there and try to release my frustration. That that makes no sense. So I'm. I'm sorry for that. I, 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 sh I should. I mean, that makes no sense, and uh, I just want to move forward. and And life is too short. I have so many, so much good thing going on, and I have so much talent guy coming up in in my factory right now. And uh, and that's it. And and he have a good life, and uh, he's doing great. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for myself. Everything is good. Let's just move on. Uh, that is beautiful. Well, it's uh, very clear that you have a lot of good things going on. The scene is on fire over there in France. 
a lot of credit should go to you, what you've built, what you've done over there. So I was very happy for you and wanted to have you on to talk about it all. And in a matter of seconds, we'll talk to Cyril about his win as well. Fernand, thank you so much for the time. Felicitations to you and l'équipe. And uh, I'm sure it's a night that you will never forget, and uh, you certainly deserve it, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Ariel, and bye-bye. Au revoir. Au revoir, mon ami. Uh, Fernand Lopez joining us, the head man over at MMA Factory. So that's one side of the story. Obviously, he has been uh, very instrumental in building that market, but the main man as far as... We love our friends over at Factor. I've told you about our friends over at Factor. They are great people and support for today's program comes from Factor. So what exactly is Factor? Okay, let me tell you. Having trouble finding the time to eat better or maybe getting decision fatigue, picking out the right foods? Factor's ready-to-eat meals can make the whole thing easy by delivering pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals right to your door. Whether you're on a keto diet, a vegan diet, or just Trying to keep track of calories, Factor has over 35 different options a week to choose from, catered to your needs. Plus, their meals are ready in just two minutes, just two freaking minutes, so you don't need to worry about cooking. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, my favorite, extra protein, veggie sides, and a whole lot more. You can head to factormeals.com slash MMA hour 50. That's factormeals.com slash MMA hour 50 and use the code MMA hour 50. That's MMA hour 50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. That's code MMA hour 50 at factormeals.com slash MMA hour 50 to get, once again, 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Thank you very much to our good friends over at Factor for their support. Thank you to DraftKings as well for their support. Who everyone was there to uh, to watch, to cheer on, bought tickets for, Bon Gamin, he rebounds in a massive way, one of the best fights of the year, one of the best heavyweight fights that you'll ever see. Massive win for him over Tai Tuivasa. He's kind enough to join us. In fact, uh, I thought maybe he wouldn't be joining us because he mentioned surgery on his hand. So let's talk to uh, Cyril Gan right now. There he is. Wow. Cyril, <laughs> what's happening, my man? Did you have surgery today? Yeah, just this afternoon. So that just uh, three hours uh, ago. So. Jeez Louise. I, feel, I didn't know you were having surgery today. I feel bad that you're even on the no, show. No, that's okay. No, because uh, we 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 don't knew also so no worries. We we did the, this in just uh, we organized this just uh, there just one day, so that's why. Oh my god! So I'm I'm okay. I'm good. You're I'm good? good. By the way, can I just say your whole setup here is fantastic. This is like a new set: the lighting, the microphone, the camera. What are you doing? Are you doing streaming <laughs> over there? Because this is beautiful. What you had the Nike boxes? What is going on over here? The 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 brick? What is this? The the studio that we're in. This is my rock room. Wow! This is my rock room. Yeah, and uh, I do my my Twitch, my my streaming uh, from uh, from there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks great. Whatever that's you're doing, so well done. Uh, so what Thank happened? You. What happened with the hand? Uh, the metacarp. I don't know exactly the, the good word in English, but uh, the number three is broken. So, so I fixed it. The I I, I had a surgery. Uh, during one hours is not a big surgery, but I fixed it. I got some uh, some brush in French. I don't know exactly some bzz, 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 
You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but 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 I can I can I can feel it anymore. My my wow. my home. I can feel nothing. That's wow, that's really crazy. So so when did you break it? I don't know exactly, but it was during the fight. But I don't know when exactly. I don't know when exactly, but I remember. Uh, oh shit! I I feel it, and uh, okay, I got no choice. My job is. Is, is the perfect uh, thing that I have to do. So I'm going to continue yeah, and continue. Yeah, yeah. I did some impact cuts, some, yeah. some jabs, so, so, so that's why it's not, uh, it's not really good. Were you starting to get nervous? Like, oh my gosh, I've lost my right hand, my power hand. Were you starting to worry about it? No, no. no. I was too in the fight. Yeah. The, the, the fight, I was really focused on my fight and uh, the... I had a big feeling during the fight, you understand? Yeah. I was really, you see, this scenario was really incredible. So I was really in. So no, 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 I continue. I, I continue, just continue. Could you tell me what you were thinking? You're in there, uh, you know, proud Frenchman, and they're singing the national anthem while you are fighting. I've never seen any city, any country singing the anthem in the middle of the fight. We've been UK, Ireland, America, Canada, I have never heard anything like that. And it's the French fans who do it, of all people, who maybe don't have the reputation for this type of, you know, uh, patriotism, right? What are you even, yeah. are, what are you thinking in that moment? You're hearing it, right? Yeah, but I was too much in, in right. on the fight. But it was also too much, so it wasn't possible to, to, to don't hear this. Yeah. And yes, I was really happy. And, and at this moment, I remember uh, with uh, Thai, uh, he looked in my eyes and he said, whoa, he said, whoa. <laughs> and I said, and I think uh, I did a face, this face with a smiling, it was this moment. <laughs> no, it was an incredible crowd. So the audience, from, the fan from France, uh, we know, I think nobody expected this uh, from, uh, from, uh, from the fan from France. And seriously, it was my biggest surprise. And it was also my biggest victory. So this means a lot for uh, for 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 the French for the French MMA. You understand? Yeah. For the for 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 the French MMA, this means a lot. Like everybody in my country now, gonna understand. Okay, we must respect what is MMA, and now every people gonna go to educate uh, himself. You understand what is it MMA? It was really crazy. You see, uh, the 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 ticket, the ticket was was uh, sold out in ten minutes. Crazy. And there are more than two thousand uh, people was already. Uh, uh, two hundred thousand, right? Uh, two hundred thousand. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, was already uh, uh, okay to pay yeah. for the ticket. Crazy. <laughs> well, this is a record. This is it's just. Uh, that's crazy. So were you, Can you surprised? Imagine a big, a, a big stat with, uh, yeah. with a lot of fun like that. So. For you, if you, you come back fighting for the belt uh, where Paris Saint-Germain plays, right? 80,000 people, easy. E yeah, easy. Easy. Really easy. So you can imagine that. So really crazy. And it's, it's possible. Uh, you said that no one expected this, but did you, ex like, were you even surprised by the atmosphere, or were you expecting it? No, it was my biggest question on on, on my head. Huh? And I and I and I and uh, 
at first, uh, we had the, the open workout uh, two days before the fight. And uh, okay, the people was really there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Friday, it was uh, the, the waiting. Yeah. I was, oof. Okay, <laughs> the people are really there. Yeah. I can't wait for tomorrow. So, and Saturday was really crazy. You said really crazy. Biggest win of your career, even bigger than when you won the interim belt. Yeah. Why? 100%. Yeah, but the feeling was really different. All the people, uh, so you, at, at the moment, at the beginning of the fight, it was, see real, see real, see real. Man, the feeling is really crazy. And it, this is making me really happy. This is making me really, really happy. I don't know. I can't explain exactly the, 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 the feeling, but when I finished the fight, my reaction was just, I want to see every people scream like, what? like every people was really happy about that. So I just walked in the cage. I did maybe two or three. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> just walking and uh, looking at the fan like that. Like, wow, you are really crazy. So it was a big moment. Could you have ever imagined when you started MMA that you would be the guy, the first guy? And like, was this even a dream that you allowed yourself to dream of, or was it so far fetched? You were the guy, you were the poster boy, you were the face, you were the guy that closed the show. You got a hero's welcome. Was this something that you even ever ever thought of when you were coming up in the early days, in the TKO days, so to speak? No, no, my man. You see, I never dreaming at first, and. Uh... In the second time, yeah, I was always confident of myself. But expecting that, no, because I, I, I really don't have some pretension or a big ego to, to say, yeah, in the few years, I'm going to be the man, you see? Right. So, so no, really, no. And yes, just after four, almost five years ago, that's really crazy. And but. This is also because I'm I'm in the perfect timing also, you see. With the legalization. Right. And I'm in the I mean I'm in the on the on the headline at at this at this moment. Uh, so this is a perfect timing also, so that's why. By the way, were you very nervous? Like in the locker room before the fight when Whitaker's fighting, were you starting to get more nervous? Yeah. And I think I was a little bit more than uh LA. Wow. I think I was a little a little bit more than LA. I was not too much because you know me already. Yeah. But I think I was a little bit more than LA. A little bit, yeah. Because you're in front of your people. Too... Yeah. Because uh because also uh, because of my career, you understand? I, I'm I'm my last fight was lost. And uh I, I just imagine the scenario, yeah, because everything is possible, I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm confident, but when I go ahead in the cage, everything is possible. So I was wow. Well, the scenario is going to be really bad if 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 I lost today for the first time in Paris. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. A little bit, a little bit more, a yeah. little bit. What were you yeah. thinking when he rocked you? Uh, Tai? Yeah, when he dropped you, what were you thinking? Nothing. <laughs> no, seriously, just nothing. Like uh, the the feeling, uh, the feeling was just. Uh, because I I, I I I didn't see any anything uh, uh, talking about his punch. Right? Yeah. See? That's what that's why I I, I, I fell down, 
And I think the ground wake up me, you understand? Wow. So when I when I t- when my hands touch the ground, I said, Oh, what's 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 wow what's happening? And I understand and I react directly and he catch me. So I, I go ahead on on his leg to grab and stand up and uh, and after that uh yeah, I take a rest uh, during maybe uh, three, four seconds and move away. It was okay, but he touched me for real. Uh, it's really dangerous. You see, sometimes you have some guys, you can't explain, but he have something on, on his hand. It's just like that. <laughs> when the guy touch you, you go down. So that's it. Incredible. You ever been hit like that before? Like, have you ever felt power like that in a fight before? No. Because when you look the punch, it was really not. Uh, it look. It doesn't look like hard. You see, like powerful. But when it touch you, it touch you for real. Right. But that's why I say I don't know exactly. You can't explain. But he has something on his hand, and this is the first time. The first time I felt this. Yeah. Wow. And then going into the third round, like, did you feel like, you know, you were back mentally? Were you still a I little was, bit rocked? Yeah, I was. Always in. Okay. Even this experience when I, when I go down, I was in. I was focused. And uh, at the last one, yes, it was a uh, okay, man. <laughs> you you <laughs> run on me, so I got no choice to uh, to do the real war now. You see, normally I like to do some bongaman style. I move away. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. at this moment, it was not possible. So that's why. Okay, I, I faked go away and I, I go in with the knee boom I touch him I, I gave him a middle a second middle uh ciseau knee like like being a packet no it was a great fight it was cool by the way was he faking in the third round there there was one point where you hit him and he started going like this but we couldn't see his face we saw his back was he just trying to like lure you in or was he really hurt it was really hurt at, at first I think and uh, but he is comfortable in, in this situation, and and uh, I, I, I knew that, and hopefully I knew that because I, I saw his last fight. Yeah. And and, and uh, no no no, that's why I was really ready, and I go I go I go uh, behind, uh, and uh, you know no, he's dangerous. He's a crazy guy. He is a crazy guy, but it seemed like there was a lot of love and respect between you two, which. You know, maybe after the last fight, there was all this drama. This must have been nice, right? No beef, no drama. You guys were hugging after, shared some, right? It, it was it was refreshing. Would you say you prefer this? Oh yeah, I'm more comfortable the uh, this situation because, like him, like him, like we are here for the job, and uh, even if we are not uh, in the beef, we can do the war. That's not a problem. We can do the job like that with a smile and we did it with a smile mm. we did it <laughs> during the fight <laughs> like like he fan because i, I lend a i lend a tips yeah and uh and uh a front kick and uh it was on his uh, it, 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 on, on his body and he said ah he touched me on the, <laughs> on the balls like, <laughs> and i said and, and, and i said to the referee no 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 that's not true <laughs> and, the, and the referee talked talk to him and he said, yes, yes, that, that, that. I know, it wasn't the body. So I pushed him like, like a kid, like a friend. Like I pushed him with a big smile. Like, Stop it, man. Let, let, let's, let's go. go. So that, it was a really great feeling. It was a really nice night for me to uh, fight against uh, Taisha Vaza with the fan, the audience and at, at the end. 
That's why I say, uh, come to talk with, uh, with the microphone for the fan, because the fan like you also, and a uh, big innovation for him. So it was really perfect. I remember when you guys did the, uh, the face-off, right outside the, uh, the Tour Eiffel, a couple of days before, well, and there were like people lying down around you, like sunbathing. It was strange. It was like they don't realize that you guys are fighting in the UFC. And now I feel like a week later, maybe life has changed for you there. Like you feel like a lot more people notice you, recognize you. You're a lot more popular because of what you did at home. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit. I think a little bit. Uh, it's not possible to feel this now because I, I don't I don't walk in the street for for the moment. Uh, but yes, yes, I know now because it wasn't clear on the TV. It was really really easy to see to watch. Wow! This uh, because the hour at first, and because yeah. it wasn't clear on the TV, so every people it was it was possible for every people to watch this. So no, no, no. So that's right. I know today that a lot of people now know me in France, and this is really crazy. This is really crazy. Uh, usually when we have moments like this, when the UFC comes to a market for the first time, and especially when the local guys do well, like your team went 3-0 and and all the French fighters look great on the night, then we see like a trickle-down effect and the sport then explodes and more kids want to do it. Do you feel like this is going to be that event that now, you know, people will look back on this moment, on this night, as the moment that just kind of helped explode MMA in France? For me now, it's not possible uh, to feel it, but already I can I can feel it. after the fight with uh, with Francis, I felt this a lot. Like a lot of people, a lot of parents, dad come to see me and say, uh, "Now <laughs> my my kids finish with the basketball. He just want to do some MMA because of wow. you." A lot of parents tell me that. <laughs> a lot of that's amazing. <laughs> That's really amazing. That's really yeah. amazing. I am. Uh, my kids started the MMA this year because of you. Like, wow. And the biggest thing, and so it was uh, a mom, and she crossed me. She met me on on the street. Like, uh, hey, what what are you doing here? Like, because <laughs> every time it's like that. Right. Uh, because you can cross me everywhere in Paris. Like, and. Uh, and she told me, okay, uh, I wasn't okay. Uh, no, it was not possible. My, my kids asked me a lot to do this sport, but it was not possible for me. And when I saw you, when I watched you on the TV, I was happy uh, for my kids uh, who have uh, an idol like you. Wow. Holy crap. Whoa. That gives me Whoa. chills to hear that. I can't imagine how it feels for you. So I give him a, or I give him directly my my number for his kid if I have any creation or something. Oh like gosh! That. This yeah, this word was really crazy, really crazy. It was really crazy. Did he reach out so, to yes, you? Yes, I'm. Uh, uh, no, he texted me. He sent me just a picture, but not too much. Oh, uh, that's really, nice. Really uh, re respectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. And uh, no, so I'm so happy about that. That that that's really crazy. That's really crazy. Unbelievable. By the way, uh, did you have an opportunity to speak to Francis while you were there? No, 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 no. Unfortunately, we uh, I met him just after the waiting. Yeah, and and uh, and he's, and uh, he sent me uh, good luck for the fight tomorrow. Like uh, that's nice. So respectful. It's all good. Are you comfortable? Are you okay? I feel bad that you're sitting here. You all right? No, no. That just uh, is hot a little bit, and. Uh, 
I started to the I don't have the good word in English. I'm sorry, but I feel a little bit more okay. so the pain. I'm go, I'm gonna feel a little bit the pain also. A little okay, bit more okay. And more. But but now that's okay. That's you're right. Cool. Just a couple more questions, okay. if you don't mind. I feel bad okay. that you're sitting. Okay. I mean, I still see the thing in your arm right over here from the hospital, and the, it's crazy. Yeah, I got <laughs> this is nuts. You're the man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, so afterwards, well, what was it like afterwards? Like, what, how did you, you went back home or you go to the whole, like, how do you, because you're, you're, you're in the middle, you live probably near the arena, right? What you say? I don't know. This yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrown off by you from the hospital. I feel horror. I, I feel very guilty about these things, Cyril. This is my no. problem. No, 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 no. After the fight, where no, did I'm you? I'm okay. You're good. Okay. You're the uh, man. After, after the fight, uh, uh, I was in a, an after party. Hmm. My, my sister organized an after party, and uh, so I did a lot of interview, and I uh, and uh, I invited all of my friends, family, and uh, and people uh, to the after party at 4 p.m. I stayed there maybe three hours, and after that I go back with my with my big brother to the hotel to sleeping with some beer and champagne. You have the bottle. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and just before to go to the to the elevator. I saw some people uh, outside of uh, in the hotel, in the terrace thing, and it was the team of uh, Taichura. Oh wow! So I I go there and I, and drinking <laughs> during three hours with Thai. Yeah! Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> it was a great moment. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really fun. Did you do a shui? No, no, because it was not a clean shoes. But yeah. it, but he did it with a friend. He did it. He did it. Yeah, he did it. They tried to get you to do it. No, disgusting. No, I'm happy you didn't do it. It's disgusting. They spit well, in it. It's, it's gross. Um, so what about so so how how long will you be gone for? What do they say as far as the uh, recovery? The recovery, uh, um, it's gonna be maybe uh, around the uh, finale. It's going to be a little bit less than the, the first doctor say, and it's going to be around maybe three, three months, three months okay. and a half, maybe something like that. So even if they want you to fight in December, you couldn't fight in December. No, December I think is too close. September, October, it's nice. three months. Okay, because yeah. we're trying to figure out. You know, they want John Jones to fight in December, and I feel like there's a chance they were going to call you, but now I don't think it's going to happen, right? Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit complicated. Maybe if I'm really crazy and I go ahead, uh, that's possible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the to the gym uh, uh, in a few days. Yeah. So for the conditioning, I think I'm gonna be okay. So maybe why not? We will see. We we will see. If they call you up and say, "What do you want? What do you say?" Uh, because because I'm a warrior, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I prefer to to have a loss there. That's okay. I'm I'm okay to 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 lose a fight for for there because I was not really prepared or something like that. Right. I go ahead. I'm I'm gonna take. I'm I'm go, I'm gonna take my chance. But if they ask you, what's your top choice? Like, what would you like to do next? What do you say? No, I don't have the good answer. Like me, I'm just looking for the belt. So no matter who, it was a, it was all my career was like that. Every every every, every time the people ask me. Uh, yeah, in the cage after the fight or after yeah. an interview, who you want? I say, no. That's why I say anyone, anywhere. This is 
Right. But John Jones would be pretty damn cool, right? I mean, that would be like bucket list. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course, because um, this is a a whole package with uh, John Jones. If this is possible to do for the bear to get John Jones, yes, because uh, big preview, because because, uh, this is a good matchup also. And uh, no, yeah, John Jones is the the great matchup also, yeah, yeah, because he has more, the biggest hype. Right. This division. That's why. John, Steve, like all these are big names. What if they offer you someone like Curtis? Curtis Blade? Yeah. Unfortunately, he don't have a big name. Right. He's dangerous. He don't have a belt. He don't have a hype. So this is technical. Yes. <laughs> if you look for your career, this is not a good choice. Right, right, right. So you want one of the big names. No, I understand to, to do more money, that's that better to uh, to have a big name, yeah. Do you think they'll come back to France next year? Like, do you think this is going to be like a yearly thing now for them? I don't know exactly. This is a great question. I don't know exactly. I understand Dana talked about this. We want to do maybe to do uh, uh, two events by here in France. Wow. Maybe on the south also, yeah. And uh, maybe for the next in Paris, it's going to be a big one. Are they gonna? Are, exactly. are they gonna invite you to a game to to celebrate you, PSG? Something. I mean, I feel like they you need a a parade in your honor because of what you did. Is there any talks of this? Not too much, no. Why? What? What's going on? We need to have a chat here. Yes, I know, but uh, I don't know why. I'm really not like that. I don't know why. You don't want I, that. I don't like really to to celebrate. You see, my birthday. Every people say, no, this time is a. Uh, you you must do that to celebrate because of that because I don't give you don't care. No, I really don't care. You don't want to be uh, feted, as they say. You you don't you don't want no. to be showered with love. No, I, but I, we did it already. Uh, we celebrate this uh, with the the friend in the, the after party. Yeah, they have a lot of people, lot of family, lot of friends. So it was really quick for me because I say hello uh, and I took maybe two minutes, three minutes people you see so it was really really it was not like a celebrity you understand yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and yesterday i was with uh, my close friend and we watched uh, the, the the game of the the pg again uh, like just saw we drink a little bit something but it was quiet that's it were you guys singing yeah, oh champs Elysees? <laughs> I mean, it was amazing when they were singing the anthem. I'm not even French, and I was getting emotional hearing that. One of the great anthems of all time. I mean, it was amazing. Crazy. So, so you know, incredible. You know this song. Of course, I know the song. I'm pretty much, you know, like an honorary Frenchman. You know, je peux parler français. Petit chocolat right. chaud, uh, pain au chocolat, et croissant, éclair, mille feuilles. Le fromage. Ah, le fromage, c'est magnifique, c'est magnifique le fromage. Le verre. Oui, le verre. <laughs> so, really, you're the man. Uh, I'm going to let you go, my uh, friend, because uh, I can't believe you did this. Friend. You know, Fernand said, oh, you had surgery today. We just spoke to Fernand. I was like, surgery today? I don't think he's coming on the show. I don't think this is happening, uh, but here you are. You're the man, Cyril. So congrats. And by the way, you. when's the movie coming out? Is You filmed the movie, right? No. So unfortunately, I did just a little part of the movie because uh, at first I, I had a big, a, a big role, but for the, for the training camp, uh-huh. uh, 
it was really hard to fix it because he he wants me for two weeks, but not not uh, it was complicated. So that's okay. why uh, I'm gonna be inside, but just for a little body. Okay. And when does that come out? I'm not since for sure. Next year, probably. For sure. Yeah. Now you're gonna get uh, even bigger uh, movies. Oh, the, uh, the, the, the movie, uh, the movie gonna gonna come. Uh, yes, the 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 beginning of the next year. Yeah. But now you're gonna get even bigger opportunities. Now that you're the you're the king yeah, of France. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, but I'm I'm not focused on that. I know. That I know. First, I know. My, I'm focused on my career. I get it. And I'm gonna spend some a lot of energy on the on this, and after it's gonna be. On Saturday, you went from the French prince to the French king. The French prince, you like that? Yeah, I like that one. It's a good one. It's a good one. You're the man. Félicitations. Get well soon, my friend. Thank you, as always, for coming Merci. on. Really appreciate it. Yes. Merci beaucoup. Okay. Au revoir. There he is. Surreal Gan joins us. When you've got that massive, historic PFL versus Bellator card, it is a big one. It's a pay-per-view. It's PFL champs versus Bellator champs and PFL stars versus Bellator stars. Historical night. First time in MMA history that a place like this is hosting Saudi Arabia, a big MMA card. It's, in fact, the first major MMA event to take place in Saudi Arabia and the first cross-promotional event between both PFL and Bellator with former champions and current champions colliding in one epic night. The headliner, like I said earlier, is Henan La Problema Fejera going up against Ryan Bader. They go toe-to-toe in a fight that I think will determine who Francis Ngannou will fight in his PFL debut. That's the plan. And I wouldn't be surprised if they announced that. That seems to be the direction. So stay tuned. Also, as we said earlier, Johnny Evelyn against Impa Kasangane. They did save Patricio Pitbull. He's going to remain on the card. Aaron Pico as well. Clarissa Shields on the card. Yoel Romero. Um, Tiago Santos. Whole bunch of big names. It's all going down. This Saturday, February 24th, live on ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View and DAZN. That's ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View or DAZN. What a guy. I mean, what a mensch. Unbelievable. Um, I don't know if we've ever had someone coming off of uh, surgery. Yeah, that was pretty pretty real. I mean, he, he said it. Fernand said it. And I was like, oh, I guess he's not coming on. And then I told, uh, I asked Joe, I was like, can you check if he's actually coming on? Because I didn't even know. I had no idea. I thought maybe he he said today, but he meant yesterday, something like that. He had the thing on his arm. You see that where they yeah. take the blood? He had the he had the bracelet. I love the. Um, I feel so bad, but just two more questions. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> you know that you would have done it even if he was. Still wow. What are you trying to say? Just that you uh, were happy to talk to him. I was very happy. Are you trying to say I wasn't sincere? No, that it is sincere, but that no matter what the circumstance, that well, I feel so, happened. You say I feel so bad. You hope you say no. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm here, and you're like, okay, I'll ask you two more. You know, you, right. it's sort of like when you go out for uh, dinner with your friends. You're like, you sure you don't want me to pay? Yeah, you're such a nice guy. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? I know exactly. You have what to you do. Mean. You're the kind, you're you're what we call dinosaur hands when you go out for dinner, right? You're like, oh, do you want me to? Pay? I just excuse myself to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, is the check coming? I'll be right back. <laughs> Oh, what a guy. Surreal guy, bon gamin. Well, uh, it doesn't seem like he has uh, strong feelings as far as who he fights next, other than it being a big fight for the belt. Kind of shut down the uh, the Curtis Blades talk, so that's going to be interesting. But really, it all depends on John. Let's see if John texted me. 
No, John didn't text me. Um, not like I was expecting a text from John Jones, but uh, there's John, there's Stipe. We don't know what's happening with Francis. Did see this story here uh, from my good friend Jedi. Speaking of Francis, because the business of Francis Ngannou is going to get really interesting. Where is it? Uh, that Francis's uh, manager, Markel Martin, is leaving CAA to start a Web3-focused company, uh, but he will continue to manage his current roster of fighters, which includes UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. And I mention this because of the whole history with CAA and UFC Endeavor and all this. I don't know how it plays into it, but a really interesting story. So Markel Martin, who is the... Uh, the agent for the likes of Francis, also Arjun Buller, uh, Kevin Lee, uh, moving on. So that's an interesting story to follow. I also see here as I was scrolling down Jedi's page, I see that uh, it appears as though the Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler fight, which we first reported MSG November. Weren't we the ones who reported MSG November and then people came out and said like, oh, it might happen in December, not MSG. Do you remember that, Frank? Or am I crazy? I do remember that. Worthy of breaking news, or is it such old news that we shouldn't even give it? Let's breaking do news? it. No, I don't think so. You know what? Don't do it. All right, because it's two months old. It's two months old. It's literally on. two months old, Frank. We don't do breaking news right. for two months old. Okay, for goodness sakes. Uh, in any event, so that's uh, one side of the uh, the story, the big story from Saturday main event, surreal, gone incredible. Uh, the other big story, of course, the return of Robert Whitaker, who was also coming off a title fight. And he looked fantastic once again. This was in the co-main event against Marvin Vittori. He's kind enough to join us. So let's say hello to the one and only Robert Whitaker. Hello, Robert. How are you? Yeah, mate. Yeah, really good. Really good. Great to see you. Great to talk to you. Congratulations on the win. And uh, this time, we don't have to bother you. It's not early uh, morning where you are. It's actually early evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not time. It's different. I'm still abroad. It's, uh, it's been lovely. I've been absolutely enjoying it. Still in holiday mode, so um, yeah, good timing. <laughs> well, thank you for taking some time. You know, I always feel guilty about these things, so thank you for taking some time out. What are you doing? Just uh, traveling around Europe with the family? Did you bring the whole family, or is it just you and the wife? What are you doing? No, I, I, I left some of the kids with the, the grandparents. That's why we were only coming to London for a few days just to see the sights and honestly just relax a little bit, kick my feet up before going back to the rest of the kids. Can't leave them too long because leaving that amount of kids with anyone's a bit crazy. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, what a night for you. What a fight. What an experience. By the way, could I ask you, I was asking uh, Cyril this right before you came on. Were you expecting that? Like when you were offered this opportunity to fight on the first card in France, obviously it's a big deal. It's historic. It's memorable. But were you expecting a crowd like that, a, an atmosphere like that? Yeah, definitely not. I... You know, well, I was I was expecting uh, an atmosphere that was roaring for blood. <laughs> like, there's one thing I know from any history books that French love <laughs> love their fighting. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I truly expected them to really invite the UFC and the white combat into into the country. But to oh, what what did blow me away was the the amount of support and cheers that I got walking out, which was just mind blowing for me. It was like walking walking out back home, honestly. Really? It was that close? Yeah, it was It was crazy. It was like, yeah, I, I can't explain it any more than that. Just they made it feel almost like home welcoming. It was 
when the one I was walking out, the crowd was just going off, and uh, yeah, just a lot of love and support. Yeah, I wasn't sure how knowledgeable they would be. I wasn't sure how into MMA they would be. Uh, I feel like that crowd, like you could put it up there with any crowd in the sport right now. That was one of the best crowds that we've ever seen. They were singing the national anthem during the main event. Did you see that? That was insane. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, they they got really into it. Just like you know, I guess like with the with European the the, the soccer and the yeah and the, the football and everything. They 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 just got into it, and I, I guess. You can see that they just they just jumped into it like everyone every one of their sports that they they loved supporting. Uh, can I ask you on Friday at the uh, the ceremonial weigh-ins? I have to say I didn't really love this. You guys do the little face-off thing. He sticks the hand out. He does the you know pull the hand back. You played it off well. You're a gentleman. You'll never make a scene. Considering you, considering the way you conduct yourself, it bothered me. I, I felt it was disrespectful. How did you feel internally when he did that? Mate, I was filthy, absolutely filthy. It's uh, it was just, it was just grubby. It was such a grubby thing to do, and uh, like I understand where he's coming from. You know, he just wants to try and get in my head a little bit because it being so amicable up until then. He was just trying to throw anything out there in the wind to just try and ruffle the feathers. And um, you know, my we knew it was coming. <laughs> you know, the coaches knew this was coming. But I want to say it didn't bother me. It bothered me. It, it, it really pissed me off. <laughs> it was like, because there's there's one thing not shaking hands. Understand that. You keep your hand to yourself. You do you, I'll do me. There's another thing tricking me, but putting the hand out and yeah. psyching me last minute. Oh, you don't do that, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it just seems like he crossed, he, he broke like a, a solemn rule, you know? But you played it off well. Like you were just smiling internally, though. You were fuming. Oh, I was filthy, mate. Wow, that was a grubby move. Wow. <laughs> did you? Did he say anything to you there? I feel like he did. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's why I was laughing because it was just it was like it was like nineties kickboxer. It was like it just he just come out and he like all serious and was like, "I'm going to thrash you." <laughs> and I was, it just made me laugh because I was thinking like. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Did you say anything like, back? That's, that's all good. No, I, I couldn't. I was just You're laughing. So... It was, it was, but that's why I smiled. I wasn't laughing at it. Like, I was just smiling because I found it funny. Because even, like I have all these conversations, and I'm a big thinker, you know, and I'm just thinking, we're going to fight tomorrow. I'll see you there. Right. <laughs> do, do you feel like his actions there in that moment kind of like – Gave you a little bit of a boost going into the fight. You're like, all right, now I, I need to smoke this guy. I need to kind of teach him a lesson. Not at all. Not at all. I knew what I was going to do. I think my actions there made him worry, ruffled his feathers, if anything. He wanted a reaction out of me. But mm. I, I know what I'm about to do. I know what I'm about. And, uh, yeah, I can I – can, I can, we, can, we can be amicable. We're – we can be friends, even you know they're not really friends, they're not friends. But we can be really cool. We can we can be professional. We can, yeah, we can we can we can do the dance. But when when the door shuts, when I'm putting the octagon, I change. Like the get the game faces on. You know, I'm fighting now. Mm. Uh, considering your last fight, fighting for the belt didn't go your way. Did you feel any pressure? Like you had to prove a point here against Marvin. You had to prove that you're still you know Robert Whitaker. Did you do you feel any of that? Do you think of any of that? Oh, definitely. It's um, not so much the proving a point. I, I, 
I, I never feel like I need to prove a point because I give everything I have every fight, and that's the point I'm proving. And I, I can live with myself knowing I went out there and I did my best. Um, the thing that I constantly think about is I, I hate losing. I don't want to lose. I'm terrified of of losing. I, you know, every athlete and every fighter does, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to be that guy that loses once and loses twice and then has a rough tread that like they people after the second fight, people are like, oh, it's a wash up now, <laughs> you know, and like that gets there. It does. And but not because they're saying it, but because they're already fears that that I have constantly, you know, self-doubt and everything. And you've got to just kind of work through that. And uh yeah, just, you know, root yourself in confidence and hard facts that you know this is what I do and I'm the best at it. Hate losing and terrified of losing, to me, are kind of two different things. When you say you're terrified of it, what do you mean by that? Oh, it's just like, I, honestly, I don't think it's any any more or less than everybody else. Every, the nerves, yeah. the idea of losing, it's just, that that that's what, they just play on each other. You know, you don't want to lose. And then you're nervous about performing because you don't want to lose. Mm. And then, you know, like, you know, it's an endless cycle and it just eats up at you before fights. And it's so hard. Like, this is literally just before walking out, obviously. Wow. They're the same pre fights that everyone has. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that's just part of, part of the gig. Did you feel more nervous considering how the last fight went going into this one? Uh, you're always a little bit nervous, I believe, um, after a loss. Because. Mate, it's it's if it's it's the obvious thing to say, and it's very obvious when you think about it. And when you put out words, it sounds stupid and obvious. But when you lose once, if you lose again, you've then lost twice, mm. and that's two in a row. Mm. Okay, and there's a big difference to losing once to losing two in a row. It's a bit like, and you see, it makes it sound silly, but it's in our sport, in our career, when like losing two in a row is a super bad sign, <laughs> you know. Generally speaking, especially maybe it's the fear yeah, that's ingrained in you as you're going up through the ranks and you first get into the the sport. It's like three and you're done. You know that's what that's what you hear. Like three L's and you're over. So like that that second one's always terrifying. And uh, yeah, you you just you don't want it to happen. After it's always harder after than everyone everyone feels the same. So I thought in the fight, personally, just watching it, like you proved once again, there's a massive gap between you and the rest of the contenders. Overall, like it was never in doubt, a, a, a beautiful, you know, vintage, virtuoso Robert Whitaker performance. But how would you assess your performance? Um, I was very happy with some aspects. A lot of things surprised me, um, like with myself and how effective certain, certain things that we trained for during the camp how effective they were it, it's it, obviously it's it's everybody trains for success and we train for certain things to go a certain way but what surprised me was just how well it went and how effective it was and uh i guess i'm, I'm happy with my performance not the entire performance there are some things that changed in the first round probably but um you know i it's easy Everything in hindsight, right? All we can do is work backwards now and and then work on the next one. What didn't you like about the first round? I think 
I think it was it was a uh, obviously it was a feeling out round, uh, yeah. round where I was finding the spacing and the distancing as well as assessing the pace. You know, opening up the lungs, obsessing the pace. I feel like and this is personal, right? I feel like the first round was the first round of a five round five round fight. I feel like that round can be justified in a five round fight because it's everything you learn in that first round is so much more um, essential to know and, and impactful for the rest of the rounds. The other four wasn't a five round five. You know, I needed to make that assessment a little quicker to capitalize and really cement that first round, which I, I do believe I won still. But um, you know, it's it's not good to to let that. That's just how I feel about the the pacing of the first one. And and you said surprise, like you mean you were surprised that things you guys worked on worked so well in the fight. And if so, what are you referring to? Yeah, correct. Just by the 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 step out one twos. They were like really effective, especially because we worked a lot on uh, on recognizing the him coming in, you know, trying to get that forward pressure, him cutting off the cage, just a lot of southpaw work, like things you need to work when fighting a southpaw. I worked those things, and they worked really effectively, um, almost to the T against uh, Vittori. Uh, do you enjoy that kind of challenge of figuring out the southpaw puzzle, or do you prefer not to fight a southpaw? Um, it is what it is. You know, you know, you need to in our game, honestly, I was surprised to see it as well. It was like almost like it was um created that way. Every fight on the card just about was the South Fork huh. first and Orthodox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was if you look back and look, it is. It's, wow. It was I don't know if that was like a thing or, I didn't even was, notice that. Cool. I think a lot of South Yeah, I think a lot of South Falls are coming up through the through the ranks or in the, the, the game or coming up through the, the higher tiers and just poking their heads up everywhere because it seems like every second fighter now, especially on that card, was a southpaw. So it's, a, it's super essential to, to be able to, to fight against them, obviously. Uh, after the fight, uh, Marvin said that he still feels like he'll be champion. Every fighter thinks that you've been in there with him. You've been in there with the best at 85. Do you think he has mm. what it takes to be a champion? Oh, definitely. I think he... And not... <laughs> like it, it okay. It whilst I'm around, definitely not, right? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, what am I gonna say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I uh, yeah, definitely not while I'm around. But I think he has something that is super why he's won so many of his fights. I said this in a lot of the interviews leading up to him, he has zero quit in him. And um that that'll take that'll take a guy very very far you've seen in a lot of his fights where he's fighting a dude that is flashier more skillful and more technical but he doesn't give up and then his opponent eventually does and that's just a, it's a dangerous trait to have especially someone who's young enough like he is to continue learning and to continue growing and i'm not going to take anything away from him still don't think he beats me <laughs> you know? no definitely not now but um yeah, I, I I think he's he's got a lot of potential still. I got, mate. That's a stitch of a question. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I mean, listen. He said it, and I was one. Uh, he, listen, he's a, he's a very emotional fighter as well. And sometimes, like early on in Michael Bisping's career, he was very emotional, and I felt like sometimes his emotions hindered his progress. And I felt like later in his career, when he stopped caring as much and got so riled up, you saw that he had success, right? Like going into the Rockhold fight, the second Rockhold fight, Bisping was like. 
carefree. He was playing with the house's money. And and Vittori, last year or so, like when he fought Izzy, the stuff with you, he reminds me of early days Bisping. And so I, I hope for his sake he can maybe drop some of that and just be a little more carefree going to these fights. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's I think that's much bigger than just him. Mm. You know, I think that what you're saying is a concept and like something that a fighter needs to experience this throughout the years. And that just comes with like uh, tenure, just the amount of time. And I, I, I had to reach that point and get to a point where I, I just didn't care as much. And like there's not caring and there's not caring. You know right, what I'm right, talking right. About. But uh, yeah, just not just doing me and being being confident in the fact that I'm doing what I want to do. Right. You, know? um, you also said afterwards, most dangerous man in the division. This got people riled up. And uh, I'm wondering if you, if, if that's exactly like the way we interpreted it, was it the way you meant it to be interpreted? Like, do you still believe you're the most dangerous man in the division? Because you know, obviously, the naysayers will be like, wait a second, there's Izzy out there. Yeah, but I'm the most dangerous man in the division. Izzy's, I don't know, he's, he's a champion of the division. He's, he beat me last fight as well. He's a great fighter. You know, I've said this before, but I'm the most dangerous man in the division. That's why, like, I, I can beat anyone in the division. That last fight, I got so against Israel. That is, I got, I got, you know, within a hair's breadth of of, of taking everything away from me, and um, and just the, the 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 fights that I've been in and the opponents that I've had, I'm not just not just beating him, beating them. You know, I'm I'm giving, I'm flogging them. <laughs> There's a difference in that. It's uh, yeah, I'm hurting these guys, and that. That's what makes me so dangerous is because I don't I don't just come to the fight to win. I come to to break my opponents. You know, and I'm not a big talker or anything, but that's men- mentality wise. That's what I do when I go in there. I, I I don't go in there expecting to leave there. But when I, I get asked a lot of questions like, Are you still hungry? or when Victoria was mentioning in these interviews, like I'm hungrier than he is, like you can say whatever you want. It it doesn't bother me. I know <laughs> I know what I'm doing. But the, when I get into that octagon, I don't expect to leave it ever. Wow! Because that's all. That's why a lot of the injuries I have when I leave the octagon is because I like I've done them to myself. <laughs> like I've been throwing too many kicks, or just been throwing too many punches with reckless spin. Just this is how it is. Uh, so, like when you compare that mentality, and then you compare it to the Izzy Cannonier fight, like how would you assess what you're seeing out of Israel now? Uh, the Israel, Israel's fighting the exact same way he has always fought. And that's he's he's like a picture perfect defensive striker that uses his physical attributes perfectly with with the way he fights. The only difference now is that he's fighting much higher quality guys, and they're a bit harder to stop. You know, a bit, bit harder to go away, bit 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 tougher. It's um. Yeah, he's, he's he's always fought that way. He's always fought defensively safe, and um, you know he get he gets a W. That's I guess you know that's all you want. Is that is that a bad thing? Like to you, like do you not like that style, or is there something to be said for that style? Because hey, maybe you don't get banged up as much, you don't get injured as much. <laughs> like, um, 
it's a I don't like that style because it's a pain in the ass to fight against. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a that's a tricky question to answer there. Right, 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 right. I get it. As a yeah, fan though, yeah. do you like that it, style? Uh like Yeah, it's like Yeah, <laughs> like it it makes it's not not exactly that style. Not not exactly that style. I like I like the way um Cyril Garn fights. Okay. Uh, I like I like that style. Like he can be elusive when he wants to, but then he can come in and, and he can hurt you if he wants to. It's it's a it's like I like the balance. I like I like the balance. I like to think I like, I like my style, more or less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not fucking I like my style. Like I like being hard to hit, but I also like having the ability to hit you when I want to. I loved so, your line about uh, making people hate fighting. What a line that was. You make <laughs> fighters hate fighting. That's crazy. Tremendous yeah, well, line. I, I just, I like, yeah, because when you see the fights, when we're in the fights, I like, we, it, I don't make, it's not fun for them. It's not fun. The threat, the danger of getting hit and the threat is always there. And I'm always hitting you and the punches aren't soft. I'm not pitter pattering you. I'm, I'm like trying to hurt you. And it's not like I'm trying to just hit you and go away. No, I'm just like every shot hurts because I'm hitting. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty accurate with my strikes. Like I'm aiming for eyes. I'm aiming for jaws. I'm aiming for noses. Um, and it's not fun. Right? <laughs> uh, by the way, one last thing on Izzy. You think he beats Alex in November? Uh, if I was betting, I'd have to say I'd have to. I'd, have to bet on Israel, yeah, because uh, I think in an offensive defensive sort of matchup, the defensive striker generally would have to be the favorite, especially when they're both physically very tall, very long, and just the way they fight. You know, Alex is uh, Alex is very upright, easy, quite longer, very lean back. But in saying that, it's hard to it's hard to know how the small gloves are going to affect both guys getting hit because Alex has longer arms and, you know, he's going to be obviously leg chopping a lot more because of the kickboxing background. And Israel's more open to leg kicks since he's adjusted to his MMA style. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting fight, very interesting fight. Um, did you mind that uh, Marvin took the microphone first? I didn't I didn't notice. <laughs> I got asked why I didn't notice. Okay. You didn't notice? What, you Like you were just in the moment? I was just... Chilling. Was it talking to someone? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I could, yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really, really pay attention to those things too much. Uh, I know you're not, you know, obviously not the big call out type, but have you given any thought to what the next step is? Because you're now in a really interesting spot considering your history with Izzy. Have you thought about this at all a little more since Saturday? I'm, I'm hunting. I'm hunting that, that title shot. That's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm always going to be doing because that's the only that's the only up direction. That's what I'm. I'm a fiend for progress. I just want to move forward. I want to move up, and uh, yeah, whoever's whoever's got that C above me, whoever's above me in the rankings is my next target. Obviously, is two hundred five or seventy an option for you? Seventy is definitely an option. Let's let's kill it right here, please. For for like for finals, right? 170 is never an option ever again. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Hello. 
<laughs> how are you? What? I like how you said you, um, you brought the youngest one with you. Yeah, I brought the youngest one with me. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> I Hello thought I was there. asleep. Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, but uh, 170's never happened. I'm, I'm too big now. Like That's why I tell people if I ever make the move to 190, that's where my career will end because when you have to do it properly, and I'm not tall enough to to, to muck around like that, to, to, to just dabble. So I'd have to completely get bigger, stronger, adjust to the speed and the timing and everything as well. So, um, yeah, but then 170 will never happen again unless I'm dead. Okay. So that's gone. What about 205? 205, I, I have a good feeling that that's where my career will end. Wow. Because I think there will be a point when I don't want to skip dinner anymore. Right, <laughs> and, right. and I just want to get become a big boy, lift weights, and – yeah, like I said, I'm not gonna be mucking around. I'm gonna just probably make the move for better or worse, and then that's it. How close are we to that? Uh you know, it's hard to say because I'm I'm doing really well at 185. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, but yeah, I, I I don't know. It depends on the. I think I'm I I know I have one more shot against Izzy if that's where it is. Or if he gets dethroned, I definitely have another sh- a shot of gold. I, um, I think I think getting that third fight with Israel will be a deciding uh, point for that, or you know the whoever else that is. You feel in your heart there will be a third fight with him somewhere down the line. Oh, definitely, definitely. It, it'd be it'd be it'd be silly not to because there is. I'm just running through everybody else. And uh, that, and especially the way the second fight left off, you know, that was, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to have come the closest since he's gotten the title to take him back off him. Do you think you won that fight? Well, yes, at the time, you know, but obviously I did not. Right. You know, and I still like, yeah, that's how I felt at the time. But the hard truth is I did. So it doesn't matter. It's neither here nor there. But I do know that it was a very close fight. And it could have gone either way. Uh, I, I threw out at the beginning of the show, maybe you versus Paulo Costa next. Do you like that? Uh, like, it's not the next title shot. But, right, right. <laughs> you know, I, want, I, I do want a title shot. I do want to aim for the goal. But if the timing's right and like, I'm ready to fight, I'll fight him. I always have. So, yeah, I always have. I've never, picked my, I've never picked my opponents. I've never played that game with, with the rankings and the division. So, um. I'm in the fight game. And when would you like to return? I, I think there's some talk of maybe Australia in like first quarter of 2023. Are you hearing any of this? This is what I'm hearing. Yeah, that that's that's the rumors, and that's that makes perfect sense for me. Fight in the backyard, first quarter of next year. That that's a good timeline, really, as well, because broke a couple of my toes last fight. So I've got to go, you know, patch them up. Uh, then it's you know it's, it's Christmas and stuff. I don't really. I, I camped through Christmas last year. Wouldn't mind not doing that this time. Paul Costa, a crazy guy. You see this guy on social media? You follow him? Nah, that you're not, not a, big, a fan. You're not a big Paul Costa fan. <laughs> no, nah, it's not that I'm not a fan. I just I don't I don't care enough. It's um, yeah. I don't I don't I don't I just want to be just do my thing. I just want to do my thing. You just can't be bothered, <laughs> with and, any especially of this. if they're other middleweights. I don't want to see I don't want to see Paul. Paulo Costa having a good time or 
eating good food or doing whatever he's doing. I don't care what he's doing. We have to fight one day. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to humanize. That's fair. Uh, last thing. Speaking of good food, did you have a chance? I saw after the weigh-ins, you had the plate with the croissant. Did you have a chance to have the good food in France? Mate, I haven't stopped eating. <laughs> I like it is. You you ever eat so much yes. that your breath is shorter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I I am struggling to breathe. The bread in France was phenomenal. Like bread there was next level. And bread came with everything as well. It was just, it was unreal. But I, I haven't stopped eating, especially pastries. I'm, I'm really into pastries right now. I'm oh. looking for apple pies everywhere I can. Wow. Did you have an eclair over there? The eclairs are fantastic. I'm not a big fan. What? I, I, my wife got one and I bit into some and I was like, mm, no, I'm more of an apple pie guy. I like apple pies. Okay. I really, I really hit the apple pies quite hard. And the croissants are next level. It's like you could get a croissant, you know, wherever you live, but you go there and it's just, there's something about it. It like melts, right? Well, the, okay. So this is my thing. And I may make a lot of people angry. Oh. The croissants are good, but I think it's less about the croissants <laughs> and more about just the quality of their like bread pastry goods. Wow. Right? I okay. think it's, it's not just like, just this thing is better than everywhere else. I think it's just, an overall quality thing with the bread. Because the bread there, like just any any meal, you get a salad, the bread that comes with it will blow your mind. Like yeah. the bread over there was just phenomenal. And yeah, I thought the croissant the yeah, the, the, the croissants were good, just like but all the bread was good. You know okay. what I mean? It wasn't yeah. these are some real hot takes from Robert on the cuisine in uh France. Yeah, you know, it's just been real. I, talking I, real, uh, talking real stuff. <laughs> that's what we expect and appreciate uh, from you, and it's all well deserved. I hope you've uh, eaten yourself into a coma. You'll have a nice long flight back home to uh, Australia. Another great performance, my friend. Congratulations, well done. Looking forward to what's next for you, and uh, as always, handled it with class. I was upset on your behalf with the whole handshake thing, so I'm happy to hear that at least deep down you were upset as well. But you handled it like a pro, as always. So well done to you. Thank you very much, mate. It's always good to have a chat with you. Anytime. Thank you. Same here. Appreciate it, Robert. Safe travels back home. Thanks so much for doing this. There he is, the one and only Robert Whitaker. Uh, always kind to join us. Always a pleasure to talk to. One of New York Rick's favorite guests in the history of the program. He has told me this. What a lovely guy. And uh, in a really interesting spot, I'm kind of uh, 0 for 2 in my uh, fight suggestions here. I suggested uh, suggested uh, Cyril Gunn versus Curtis Blades. He was like, mm -hmm. and uh, Paulo Costa versus... Robert Whitaker, and he was like, hmm. Um, but interesting to hear him say, he thinks the third fight against Israel Adesanya is going to happen, and if history is in any indication, like if you stick around long enough, it happens. It certainly happens. Got my super fuel here. Mm. That's a good drink, Frank. You enjoy it? Yeah. I didn't. When you need it most for work, afternoon spark, pre-workout, travel, jet lag, healthy mixer. You, I gotta, I gotta play this clip of of uh, CM Punk. Everyone's talking about the CM Punk thing at the AEW post fight press conference or post event press conference scrum, whatever they called it. It's like one of the most talked about things in wrestling, but. I really don't want to talk about it. Well, if someone asked me about it on the nose later on. By the way, still to come, Paul Felder, Lauren Murphy in a moment. Your questions, weekend picks. 
But I was thinking of you, Frank, uh, throughout the entire press conference. Do you know why? Why is that? First of all, he had like eight cans of, I think it was uh, Spindrift. You know Spindrift? Oh, I know Spindrift. He opens the Spindrift. Then he's got all these pastries in front of him. And he was just drinking it and, and eating it and making all kinds of noises. And I was like, oh, man, if Frank was the audio guy for this, he would be losing his mind. Just thinking about it is already... Wow. It was It was intense. I will say that. It was very intense. It was a lot of like... And a, Thanks. Thank you for doing all of this. And it was a lot of like... I'm talking, I was like, golly. Oh, man. Can we take, and I actually said to New York Rick, I was like, this is kind of annoying me. And he's like, no, 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 I like it. It's good. And I was like, how could you like this? This is strange. Anyway, go check it out during your... Uh, yes, I can't t- wait. <laughs> it was something. It was something. And uh, I feel like someone's going to ask us about it on the nose. So stay tuned for that. Four o'clock hour, we'll talk to Paul Felder. Like I said, one of the brightest minds in the game. He was in Paris as well. Get his thoughts on Diaz, Hamzat. Get his thoughts on the experience in France. Then we'll answer your questions. 4.30... Also get uh, GC's picks for the weekend. So uh, a lot to come, a lot to get to. But uh, last week, if you follow Lauren Murphy on Twitter, uh, you may have seen her um, over the last few days talk a lot about health issues that she's had to overcome, deal with, and especially a lot of them leading up to her title fight against Valentina Shevchenko. Wanted to have her on to talk about them and a lot more. Here she is joining us via the magic of Zoom, the great Lauren Murphy. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hey, Aaron. What's up? How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm doing well as well. Is that a that, that's a dog right next to you over there? I wasn't sure if that was like a <laughs> statue or something, but that is a dog. Wow. Yes, yeah, this is my Doberman. She always jumps in the interviews anyway. She gets real jealous if I give my attention to anything else. So wow, there's no doubt she'll be nosing her way into this interview anyway. So <laughs> that's a Doberman, by the way. That doesn't look like a Doberman. Wow. Yeah. Her color's called fawn. It's this really pretty silver color. So she's a fawn Doberman. And uh, this is my baby. Yeah, I've had her since she was like six weeks old. Actually, I got her after I fought Liz Carmouche. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I was so sad after that fight. So (laughs) I got a puppy. And uh, this is her. She's been by my side ever since. Well, uh, lovely to meet her. Lovely to have you on. Uh, (laughs) As I mentioned, Lauren, uh, you've been very vocal on uh, social media as of late about things that you have had to deal with, especially leading up to that Valentina Shevchenko title fight, the biggest fight of your career, of course, a massive deal. Why so vocal now? Well, uh, it's, um, it was a situation that it was like, okay, um, I contracted this illness, obviously, before I fought Valentina. Um, I thought that it was not a big deal. This illness that I had, it's called C. diff. Um, well, it's called Clostridium difficile, but for short, they call it C. diff. So, uh, so tell I us the story. Team. What happened? When did you first feel this? Um, about four weeks before I fought Valentina. Okay. Um, so the whole story goes like this. Okay. This tooth right here, this guy, it broke about a week before I fought Jojo Calderwood. Right. So we go through the fight. Um, after the fight, at some point, um, I have to get it fixed. I'm training to fight Valentina. Um, I'm in the middle of this fight camp. I get a concussion during the fight camp. Okay. So I had to take some downtime. So I took some time off during that time off. I went to go get this tooth fixed. When I got the tooth fixed, they gave me some antibiotics and taking the antibiotics. Um, it's, uh, antibiotics are so hard on your system. You know, they can really like kill your gut flora. And that is how, um, that was how I contracted this bacteria into my intestine. 
that um, caused an infection and it was able to colonize there and it causes a lot of problems. It's called C. diff and the, the bacteria is called Clostridium difficile. So uh, it's called C. diff for short. So that's kind of how it all started, right? So about four weeks before I fight Valentina, I contract this bacteria um, and I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is this? You know, I knew something was going on because I was having like an upset stomach, but I didn't really know what it was. And so I had a team with me. Um, I had a team that I was working with, you know, to get ready for this fight. And this team, they work with other fighters. Um, they had advised me like in my last like five fights. I mean, I've worked with these guys for a couple of years, you know, and so I was really like leaning on them to help me with this situation, you know, and uh, I was like, what is this? Like, do I need to go get antibiotics? What's going on here? And uh, they were like, no, you don't like you can get antibiotics, but you don't need to take them. Go get them, but don't take them. We'll take them after the fight. Um, we'll get you through the weight cut. Like, we'll give you these probiotics. These probiotics are going to fix it. Don't worry about it. So I'm like, cool, this isn't a big deal. No big deal. It's like a little minor thing. So, um, yeah, it's not a minor thing. <laughs> it's a big, big deal. And it turned into a really big deal. And I ended up um, getting very, very ill um, a little bit before the fight, but especially after the fight, I got very, very sick. And I did not understand what was making me sick because I thought that this infection was very small. I thought it was not a big deal, you know. Um, so I didn't take the antibiotics. I didn't treat it. I like walked around for about four months with this illness untreated. And I... Um, it, you know, they booked this fight with Misha last year and uh, I went to the PI to get some testing for it. And when I went to the PI, I told them, I said, well, look, I contracted this illness. I have C. diff. I don't really know what it is, but I think I'm not 100 percent, you know. And the PI was like, you have what? And I said, yeah, I have C. diff. And they were like, Err. they like shut the whole thing down, Ariel. Um, they were like, where have you been in the facility? I said, well, I've been in the hot tub and the cold plunge. I used like the recovery room and they quarantined it. They shut it down for like three days. Whoa. And they said, well, yeah, they said, what you have is contagious. And I was like, excuse me, what are you talking about? And they said, what you have is contagious and it's very dangerous. And um, that's when I really started to figure out like, this is a huge deal. What I, what I had, what I was walking around with was not, a small thing. It was very serious. And, uh, the PI was like, I cannot believe like Roman and uh, a lot of, you know, the other staff at the PI, they're like, I can't believe you fought a world championship title fight with C. Diff. And I was like, well, yeah, but I just, I thought it wasn't a big deal. I did not understand what this was, you know? And, um, they couldn't believe that like nobody had told me how infectious it is. You know, they were like, nobody told you that this is contagious. I said, no, nobody told me that this is contagious. Nobody told me that it's infectious. Nobody told me the effect that it's having on me, the things that it's doing. I mean, it was it was really wreaking some havoc on me by the time I got some help. So um, all the symptoms that I was having, I just chalked up to like being an athlete. Do you know, I didn't I didn't know that it was because of this bacteria. It was like, oh, you're tired you're anxious, are you depressed, you're having some physical weakness. I was like getting sick during practice. And the, for every symptom that I was having, I kept thinking like, oh, I must be out of shape or, oh, I must be getting older or, oh, I must just not be very good at this or whatever it is. I just never realized there's none of those things. I'm a very good athlete. I'm a very good fighter. I'm very good. I was just very sick. And I wow. really didn't understand how sick I was. And so all this stemmed from the the tooth, like that's where it all started? 
It all started from the antibiotics. Okay. Um, I took antibiotics, yeah, to keep this tooth from getting infected. But what antibiotics do is they kill all the gut flora in your system. And that allows bad bacteria to come in and flourish sometimes. So the thing about this infection that I had is that it's kind of like staph. It's, mm. it's kind of everywhere, you know, it kind of, it gets around and it's very dangerous if your immune system is compromised. For most people, they can come across something like staph on the mats or on their skin or wherever, and they are able to fight it off. But if you're immune compromised, you might not be able to. And so for athletes that are about to compete, athletes that have competed, athletes that have injuries, they're all immune compromised. Their immune system is dealing with other things going on in their body, which is why it was so dangerous for me to be at the PI with this infection. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's also why it was so dangerous for me to compete with it, because I could have spread it to anybody at the PI that fight week. I could have given it to Valentina. Uh, if Valentina had like, <laughs> she did knock me out. Okay, that wasn't great. <laughs> but like if she had um, I've broken my orbital or broken my arm or arm barred me, something like that. My immune system would not have been able to deal with both the infection and the injury at the same time. And I could have gone into sepsis wow. and this is all, stuff, yeah, this is all stuff. I had no idea. I did not know this until I went to the PI four months later and they're telling me this. So of course they were like, you can't come back until we know that you're not contagious anymore. Like it, it was humiliating, you know, <laughs> I was yeah. like really, and I was furious. I was really furious at my team for not telling me that because it's one thing, you know, to um, go into a fight with an injury or go into a big fight. You know, of course I didn't want to miss my chance to fight the champion. And so I was really furious at my team that they would have okayed something like that, knowing that what I had was contagious. Like that's, for me, that's absolutely not okay. And um, of course I don't work with those people anymore and um, I will never work with those people ever again because it, it really put a lot of people at risk. And you know, it, it's just, it's not okay. And so months later when I, I, I had to go on antibiotics for two months, Ariel, I lost 20 pounds. Oh. That's how sick I, yeah, I got really ill. And I called the doctor that was on my team. And I said, did you know that this was contagious? Did you know? And he said, yeah, I knew. And I said, how could you have done that? You knew it was contagious and you knew I needed help. Like you knew I, you knew I needed help. Why didn't, how could you not have told me? You know, you acted like this was no big thing. You told me I was healthy, actually. And uh, he said, well, someone like you, the UFC is not going to give him any chances to. And so I thought the fight was more important. And it's like, that's when, uh, that's when I was like, okay, <laughs> like, we're never going to work together again. This is not okay. This is not an okay situation. Wow. And, and is this the doctor that you've been talking about? You've been uh, sort of calling out on, on Twitter, to put it mildly, right? And sharing text messages and whatnot this is the individual yeah yeah that's messed up man because it's like you know um it's not it's not a hundred percent that guy's fault like what happened it's not you know like i'll say this openly i i am glad that i fought for the championship i'm glad that i got to face somebody like valentina and i think fighting her made me so much better. It really did. And so I'm, I'm super grateful that I got to have that opportunity. But I walked into that fight not knowing that what I had was contagious and not understanding what that illness was doing to me. And that's, that's 100% not okay. 
you know, there, there is a lesson here, like for fighters and coaches, both that health has to come first. Health absolutely has to come first because that fight didn't have to go like that. And it, it really didn't have to be that bad. <laughs> I don't think right. it had to be that bad, but mostly it's like the, you know, we have to do these situations ethically. I know we all wanted me to have a title shot. We all wanted to see me in there fighting the best of the best. And that that's all great, but you don't get to, you know, we all have to put my health first, including me, including that doctor. And for people down the line, like, I think that's really the lesson here. It's like health has to come first. So are you still dealing with this now or are you 100% healthy? I do still deal with it sometimes. Um, it depends on what I eat, but some days it still really wrecks me. Some days it'll put me down like for a day or two. And um, yeah, so some days it still wrecks me. I have to be really, really careful. I started working with a specialist. So when all that happened at the PI and the PI kind of shut everything down. And when was um, that? What, what, what month was that? That was in late December or early January. Okay. I would have to go look at my text messages to know for sure. Okay, so that was all right. So then that so that happens, and then what? So then I was like, "Look, I need to work with a specialist. Like, obviously, I need to go work with somebody that knows what they're doing." Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's a woman. Um, I called Brian McKenzie. Actually, Brian McKenzie's been helping me with some breath work and stuff. And um, he knew a woman named Lisa Reagan. And Lisa Reagan is a clinical nutritionist, you know, so she has experience with like gut infections and these types of things. And she's also a exercise endocrinologist. So this woman's just brilliant. And um, she walked me through the process of like being on the antibiotics for two months, getting weaned off of them, um, how to change my diet, how to change my lifestyle, teaching me what C. diff is. It's very hard to get rid of and it's very hard to stay rid of. So I'll be susceptible to recontracting this for quite a while. Wow. Um, it, yeah, it's hard to stay rid of. And like, it goes around hospitals. So that's, I said this kind of uh, fight week, like, um, if you know a nurse, if you have a nurse in your family or anybody that works in a hospital, you can ask them about C. diff and they will tell you, they will know what it is. They will tell you because in the hospital, if somebody contracts it, that, I mean, they're like code red, they're like gowning up, putting on the mask, the gloves, wow. everything. And in this time of COVID, you know, where everybody's like, very aware of how contagious everything is and how to, you know, not spread germs around. I feel like this is a, an appropriate time yeah. <laughs> to talk about. You know? <laughs> so, and, and, and so at what point did you get off any type of medication for this? So we, let's see, I, I had to take antibiotics from like the end of December, beginning of January, all the way until March. Wow. And yeah. And in March is when I went to Colorado, um, started, you know, training and I originally Misha and I were supposed to fight in May. So I was like, okay, off the antibiotics in March, we're going to fight in May. I got this. Well, thank God we had to move the fight and then it got moved to July and then yeah. it got moved again because it really gave me time to recover. It took a long, long time for me to get my strength back for me to get my cardio back and um, to start integrating things back into my diet that, you know, I could eat. It's hard to be a professional athlete, keep right. up on all your macros and calories and everything, but it's like, there's so many things I cannot eat now because I literally can't digest it. I don't have the enzymes anymore to digest yeah. some food that, you know, I used to be able to, so. Uh, I remember when they booked you guys for the July 2nd card, then it got pushed back, and I believe the story was that you got COVID. Was that not true? Was yeah. it really this or was COVID? It really was COVID. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it was COVID that time. Oh man. Yeah. So I, 
Yeah. So I had COVID and got sick for just a few days. And then um, luckily we were able to rebook it. So I had about like, uh, like a week or 10 days to like recover and get my lungs back and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that part was fine. The combo of that, but you know, maybe more importantly, everything that you had been through over the last few months, uh, obviously you won against Misha, but like, how, how did you feel out there? How did your body feel? You know, I think it's one of the best performances that I've ever had. Wow. And um, How do you explain I that? Felt, well, I explain it like this. Um, I met this woman, Lisa Reagan, and she's a brilliant. She's, she's brilliant. And she helped me really change my diet. She's worked with some very, very high-level athletes. And um, the diet that she put me on not only was, like, helpful to keep C. diff from, you know, flaring up or recurring or reinfecting me, but it also really, really improved my performance in a lot of ways. And um, all my hormones were able to balance back out. Like that's another thing that C. diff does is that um, you can't like, um, it, it really messes with like things like serotonin and testosterone and um, cortisol. Just it, it throws your whole system out of balance. And so anyway, she helped me get everything back in line. Um, definitely training in Colorado helped. So uh, I felt very confident in like my cardio and uh, did some breath work with Brian McKenzie. Yeah, I just, I felt like I was firing on all cylinders for that. And um, it was, I'm glad because it was such a stark contrast. The performance that I had against Misha was so different than the performance I had against Valentina. And so I felt like I could really show, instead of just saying, I could really show people like, hey, that wasn't me in there that night with Valentina. Like, am I glad I did it? Yes. Am I, am I grateful for the experience of facing the champion? Absolutely. And I let it make me better, but it's true that that wasn't me in there that night and that, you know, I have a lot more to show. So, yeah. Is there any part of you that thinks if I wasn't dealing with any of this, I would have beaten her that night? That's a hard thing for me to say. I don't, I would not say that because I think I was not ready to be the champ, Ariel. And I just wasn't, I need more confidence. Okay. I needed, um, a little more high level experience. I think, you know, I, I was missing some things in there too. Having that infection and not understanding what it was doing. Like, I didn't understand why I felt so weak. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's a hard thing to deal with. Like, at least if I had known how sick I was, I could have said, okay, I feel like shit because I'm sick. But instead it was like, oh, I feel like shit. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just not good enough to be here, but that's not it. You know, and so that's the only like question that I have is like, how much better would my performance have been if I were firing on all cylinders physically and mentally? And um, clearly I wasn't. And to be fair to this doctor, I do really want to say this is that I don't think he's like a bad person. I think he really wanted me to have an opportunity to fight the champion. And that like we all really wanted that, you know. And it, it did. It did make me a lot better. I am grateful that I got to. I just think that it's not okay that, you know, that to find out the things I found out later about how infectious it is and the effects that it can actually have on you. To me, that's not okay. So it's interesting to hear you say that. And I, and I respect the fact that you say that. And uh, I believe you when you say that about the doctor. But then, it, like, last night I was going through all the tweets. I was like, wow, you're really mad at this guy. Like it felt like there's like vitriol as you're typing away and posting all this stuff. But then I hear you say this and it's like, okay, it sounds like you, you're kind of like letting bygones be bygones. So going back, I guess, to the original question, like why are you, 
why are you putting this out there now? Why are you doing this now? Well, we couldn't really focus on it, like leading up to the fight with Misha. I really had to focus on the fight with Misha. So when I had an opportunity, like fight week to really talk about it, I didn't. Right. I like didn't throw him under the bus. I was like, I just got to be focused on what's in front of me. Um, and like I said, a lot of things went wrong in that fight camp. There a lot of people fucked up, not just that guy. Nobody fucked up in that camp more than myself. So I really want to say that. But everybody in that camp has owned their part. Everybody has like been like, hey, man, I fucked up. This is what I could have done better, except for one fucking person. And I'm sorry, but he was a big part of that fight camp. That guy approved like that guy was like the general. He was the fight camp manager. He he was the guy that we all turned to when we had questions. And now you want to act like you had nothing to do with it. Mm. That's some bitch shit. That ain't right that he was a big part of that camp and for him to try and like kind of skate away act like he had nothing to do with it that ain't right that's fucking wrong and that yeah if you're gonna act like that maybe you are gonna get dragged on twitter a little bit because nobody wants somebody like that on their team you know what i'm saying that's messed up has he reached out to you privately saying like yo i see the tweets and like i see he's not writing back to you but i'm wondering if he's writing to you privately yeah we've talked a little bit private like i was like I've messaged him privately. I wrote him like a long email that was like, you know, these are the things that are not right. And I know that you knew these things. And this is how it affected me mentally. This is how it affected my career. This is how it affected my health, you know, and this isn't okay. And he was like, nah, none of that has anything to do with me. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, it does. Mm. And then he stopped talking to me. Okay, so then he stopped answering me. So I was talking to his partner. They, there's two of them, right? Two of these guys that are doing this business together. I was talking to his partner. His partner's like, dude, I'm so sorry this happened. We're making changes so that it doesn't happen again. Um, you know, like I'll do anything to make this right. And I'm like, well, cool. We'll just make a post. Make a post on Instagram saying like, hey, we've made a mistake here. Uh, it really affected things, but we're learned from it. We're moving on, you know, happy to work with Lauren. And neither one of them would fucking do it. Neither one of them would do it. And that's, that ain't right. That's like, you know, I followed your guys' advice. I did the things you guys told me to do and it ended up bad for me. And neither one of you can just stand up and say, Hey, I'm sorry about that. My bad. Sorry. Mm. That really fucking kind of sticks in me. You know what I mean? Cause it's like everybody else on that team, including myself has had to stand up and say, Hey, we really messed up here. These are things that I did wrong. These are things that I have to get better at and be better at. And like, and I'm the one that got knocked out for it. You know what I'm saying? Nobody else paid a higher price than me. And by the way, who else you, was huh? What, what, sorry to interrupt, but when you say like uh, other people messed up and they've all owned it, what do you mean by that? Like, do you just mean like game plan wise, or do you mean other stuff? Oh, well, to be honest with you, Ariel, that fight camp, like, I can't. More things went wrong in that fight camp than I've ever seen in my life. I've actually never seen anything like it. And, um, like what kind of stuff? Man, oh, like the concussion was one thing. Okay. Right. So I got a concussion. That's no good. I got the gut infection. That's another. There was a bunch of drama at the gym. Like that's never good. But that happens with big fights. Okay. Gyms have drama. Shit happens. People get mad. They're not in the corner or they're uh-huh. not making enough money or you didn't drop the name of the gym enough in your interviews or whatever it is. Like people have drama when it comes to big fights and it seems like from the minute lou called me and told me we were fighting valentina shevchenko just like one thing after another just kept going wrong and 
you know, I, I didn't deal with it very well. This is what I mean is that I needed more high level experience mm. because I didn't know how to deal with all these problems going on in the camp. And looking back, there's like 10 million things I should have done differently. And um, a lot of it comes down to having more confidence in myself. A lot of it comes down to just having more high level experience. So the next time that I'm in a super fucked up camp, I can be like, whoa, I've been here before. This is how I need to deal with it. You know, so there there was a lot of drama. And most people afterwards, like when the dust settled and the smoke cleared and we all kind of sat down and had to look at the camp and be like, all right. What fucking went wrong? Obviously a lot because that fight was a shit show. Like <laughs> I've never had a performance that bad before or since, you know? And so I think it's obvious that there was some things going on and we had to look at that and look at how those things got to a point where I was fighting in a championship fight with 10 million things on my back, you know? So this thing with the gut infection, it's like one out of like 10 things that right. went wrong, you know? And that's what I mean is that I don't, I don't want to pile on the guy. I would appreciate it. I, you know, in my opinion, if you're a professional, then you need to take accountability for your mistakes. And I really don't have patience or time or respect for people that can't. So where do you go from here with this particular story? Like, are you going to, you put it out there, you have said your piece to a degree. Are you moving on? Are you uh, seeking legal action? How do you, like, where do you, how do you, how do you put this behind you as, as hard as that may be? At some point, you have to move on, right, for the sake of your career, yeah. your health. Are you at that point or not yet? It's a process. Honestly, some days I feel like I'm over it. I'm moving on. I want to fight Jessica Andrade uh, next. I'm hoping that that will be my next matchup. And I, I want to go to Brazil to fight her. And that's, um, I feel like a, the next step is for me to prove and keep proving that I'm growing and that I learned from that fight and that. Um, that I am, you know, I'm a world beater and I'm a title contender and I can handle the pressure of being in these big moments. And so I think that that's the best place for me to start focusing my energy and time. But it's like every once in a while, yeah, I get pretty salty about the way that, that camp went and I get pretty salty about, you know, some days it seems like, you know, I'm the one that went and uh, followed everybody's advice and went and got knocked out for it and got humiliated. And I've been dragged on Twitter, you know, for my performances and things like that. And so, yeah, it makes me a little salty sometimes to know that I'm carrying this burden all on my own. But um, slowly, slowly but surely, day by day, I am getting over it. And when I have good stuff to focus on, like hopefully a fight is coming up, then um, it does. It gives me something to chew on a little bit more. But man, that guy, he didn't have, you know, it's like he's out here posting about gut health. Those guys are giving seminars on gut health and athlete performance and things like that. It's like at least use my case right. as an example of like, you know, this is how we fucked up and other people are surely going to do it too, you know? And so learn from our mistake and don't do this, please. And it, to me, to not do that, to just kind of back away and act like you never had nothing to do with me or that camp, that ain't going to fly. I just don't. <laughs> to me, it ain't right. So that's that. Man, Jessica Andrade in Brazil, that's not bad. You like that one? That would be sweet, right? Is How that, cool would that be? Is that on the table? Is that like a possibility? Oh, it is. Oh, I think it's definitely a possibility. We were already talking about it because um, I wanted to fight the win. That's why, actually, you and I were traveling. We were both in London, and then we were both in France, and now we're both back to the side. But yeah, <laughs> um, that's like part of the reason I wanted to go to France and go see that fight card because I wanted to see uh, Andrade and um, Manon fight. Yeah, you know, and then I was gonna hopefully fight the winner, and I was like, that'd be perfect. You know, it's a great high level fight, a lot of pressure. 
And then, of course, the fight got all mixed up. So I ended up sitting next to Manon to watch the fight. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, and uh, obviously, you know, Andrade, um, I think she got hurt or she's injured. I'm not quite sure what her story is, but I would love that. Like, And I think the Brazil card's in January, right? Yeah. So that's a great that's a great timeline. And um, also, I want to do Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, IBJJF Nogi Worlds this year. Hopefully, I'll be a brown belt world champion. And yeah, so I do. I have a lot of good stuff coming up, you know? And by the way, what did you think of Valentina's performance against uh, Tyler Santos? Do you think she won that fight? I didn't. Huh. I thought they were going to raise Tyler's hand. And to be honest, I was pretty jacked up. because so I was like, oh, the whole ah. division's going to be open again. <laughs> like, this is going to be great. And, um, you know, Valentina did win, but I think it showed like that she can be frustrated. I think it showed that she had a hard time adjusting in that fight. Um you know, she kept snagging up the clinch, like she kept rushing into the clinch and that's where Tyler was beating her. And so I was surprised to see that she kept doing that. But yeah, there's some good stuff to take away from that fight. And um, it, it was cool to see. It was cool to see Valentina be challenged. Um, it was interesting to watch like whether or not she would break mentally. And I don't think she ever did break mentally, but it was it was really cool to see somebody push her there. You know, how great was Paris? It was, I love that city. We went for one day and oh. it's not enough. So I'd like to go back, but we tried to make the most. We did everything. We went to the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, the Louvre. We went to the Louvre, saw the Mona Lisa. Oh, nice. We went to the fights. Yeah. That crowd was something, right? <laughs> yeah. And it was hot in there, Ariel. It was, it was like 80 or 90 degrees in that arena. It was warm. But yeah, that crowd was awesome. I mean, it seemed incredible, you know, them singing and, and, and the anthem and the chants and all that stuff. Oh, what an environment. And my, my son got to go. I don't know if oh, wow. you saw him picture, but my son got to go. And, uh, you know, he's grown up, obviously, with me fighting. Yeah. He's kind of grown up. But that was really like his first, one of his first live events, like since he was very little. And he got to he got to meet GSP. Wow. He got to meet Bruce Buffer. Yeah, he got to meet Bruce Buffer. Um, yeah, he had a great time. So it was really a cool week for us. Like we traveled all over Ireland and then we went to London and then um, we ended in France and just what a cool city Paris is and a cool experience to like take Max to the fights. And well, yeah. Happy you got that experience. Happy your son got that experience. And I'm happy that uh, you are sharing this and, and hopefully at some point can move on from all this uh, with no hard feelings about what happened, but uh, is important to let people know. I mean, just from a health standpoint, honestly, I'd never heard of uh c diff right it's it's uh yeah that's what they call it for sure yeah and a i've lot never of heard of it yeah so the gut take care of your gut take care of your gut and if you're watching this take care of your gut because like the path from your gut to your brain it's real real short wow. <laughs> it's very short and it's very direct so take care of your gut well done lauren thank you for doing this thank you for coming on and talking about this uh congrats on the win over misha tremendous stuff there and I hope you get Thank that fight you. against Jessica in uh, in Brazil. Not a lot of people would be calling for that. So much respect to you. Thank you very much, Ariel. And thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll talk again um, either before or after I beat Jessica in Brazil. For sure. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. All the All best. Right. All right. Talk to you later. There she is, Lauren Murphy. Uh, fascinating stuff there. I never heard of that. And uh, these are... You know, I, I could see some people saying like, oh, you know, uh, excuses, this, that. No, I don't, I don't think she's taking that route, but it is important to talk about these things, to note these things. 
um, to know what fighters go through. And sometimes you're, you know, you're around people that maybe aren't giving you the best advice. And and I do appreciate if you look at her Twitter, you maybe would have been surprised to hear this. I do appreciate that she says, look, she understands that this uh, this doctor maybe deep down had the best intentions, but... Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Perhaps didn't go about it the best way. End of the day, someone's health, other people's health, Valentina's health, training partner's health. End of the day, that's more important than a title shot. Um, So at least maybe all the ramifications, repercussions should have been put out there and then make a decision as opposed to one guy making the decision. Tough spot. Uh, Being a doctor is not an easy job. Don't want that job. Don't envy people who have that job. But uh, I appreciate her coming on and, and talking about all of that. Still to come, we will... Answer your questions. We will get GC's picks on the nose still to come. Uh, But first, one last guest. He was also in attendance in Paris this weekend. I want to get his thoughts on that, but also a lot of other things going on in the world of MMA. Your friend and mine, the great Paul Felder, the Irish dragon himself, our last guest of the day. There he is, Mr. Paul Felder, who's getting skinnier every time we see him. It's unbelievable. How much do you weigh right now, Paul? Uh, after, uh, my run today, I was as low as, uh, 69 and a half, but, uh, that was after an hour run and an hour and 45 on the bike. Like I told you earlier, yeah. so probably probably like 175 normally wake, waking up after a good meal. Wow. Um, and, and are you doing a triathlon this weekend? This Saturday? Yeah. This Saturday in Atlantic city is uh, a, a big one for me. I'm trying to really kind of crush my PR and, uh, win my age group if possible and get us, get as high of a ranking in the overall race out of a couple thousand people, hopefully uh top, top 10, top 15 overall. So we'll see. Wow. And uh, what is this called? This one, this particular triathlon? This, this is a, an Ironman 70.3. So there's obviously the crazy full distance Ironmans that everybody knows about. This is a, a half distance. So, uh, 1.2 swim, uh, 56 mile bike and then a half marathon. Jeez Louise, this is insanity. And how long do you train for something like this? I train all the time for these. You just I, don't stop. Like, uh, I, I mean, I put in some, some weeks it's 20 hours a week, but is there like a camp for it or is it just continuous? So yeah, there's an off season, like any sport, right. Uh, where you, you're always kind of, uh, it, it's, that's where it was so different from fighting, right. Training camp, get yourself beat up, 
got to recover. Whereas this, I can, I can crush myself on Saturday. And then if a race popped up in three weeks, I'd hit a couple key sessions and stay, stay fit for it and be able to jump on the start line. Whereas I, I wasn't able to do that with fighting so much. And how many triathlons have you been a part of, uh, at this point? At least I'd say 10, 10, 10 or, this, yeah, this will probably be 10 or 11. Um, most of which are the half distance, that 70.3 distance. Um, I've done a couple little short Olympic distances. Um, one, one sprint distance that was a fiasco because I, I took a wrong turn and did a second loop of the course. Oh no. I doubled, double the miles on the bike than anybody else. And then I didn't do the run. Cause I was like, well, I came here for fun and it's no longer fun. Right. So, and the first yeah, one was one when, stopped. uh, last year last year that's last, a... last june and i've done that yeah i've done i did like five last year and then i've already done this will be my fourth or fifth this will be my fourth half distance this year and then i've potentially got two more before the year is up and and who like got you into all of this well i kind of got myself into it just fumbling around on youtube really during the pandemic i was looking for stuff to kind of to do when the gyms were closed down and, right. and you know i didn't want to be around 40 guys on a mat even though some of us were getting together secretly i started to get nervous i had a daughter i was like i don't want to get her sick so i started running a lot and the running kind of got you know a little monotonous because i'm just running i didn't right. have any structured workouts so i started looking them up and then through through doing that i found this athlete lionel sanders from canada who is just an absolute savage and one of the top pros in the world and i reached out to him he's a humongous mma fan mm. watches all the ufc fights all the like anything to do with mma he's obsessed with us i became obsessed with those athletes we created a pretty cool relationship and then through that he kind of helped guide me on the things i needed like what i needed to buy what i needed help with he hooked me up with some some companies to send me stuff for free i mean he really helped that transition a lot do you think you'll ever do an iron man yeah, well, these are half Ironmans. Like it's an Ironman race I'm doing on Saturday. And like the next full year, one. The goal, yeah. The goal is, yeah, I wanted to do as many of these 70.3s as possible and build my base. And then uh, next year, I'm going to do the one where it's, you know, that's 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. Jeez, Louise. And then a it's, marathon. It's, it's mental. <laughs> it is mental. And how yeah. long does that usually take? Like, like what, what would be an appropriate time for that? Uh, for the full? Yeah. I mean, some, some newbies do it in six, it takes 16 hours. Jeez Louise. Uh, the, the, the pros actually just set an, ins, an insane record. Now there were, they had teams involved in this, but they actually just broke seven hours. Seven hours. Whole, and, and like yeah, on and Saturday, we, what would be a good number for you? A good time for you? Me, a really good number would be four, third, four hours and 30 or below. Four hours. And and that would I've done 442 is is my PR at the moment. And okay. I, I I this is a completely flat course in Atlantic City. On the boardwalk is the run. So you get a little a little give with the boards. So I had a really good race there last year, uh, and I was nowhere near as experienced or as good as I am now. So I'm really hoping to be able to absolutely just crush myself and and get close to that 430 or better mark. But that's the goal. Who knows what's going to happen on the day? We don't know what the weather or the water right. is going to be like. Oh, and if it's like variables. pouring rain, do you still do it? Yeah, as long as it's not dangerous like thunderstorms or right. floods or anything like that. But if it's just raining, you go. 
And 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 if you were still fighting, like, would this have helped you at all, or could you not do both? Well, you, I couldn't do both to the intensity that I'm doing both. But uh, like my coach David uh, Tilbury Davis is my my triathlon coach, and he was really interested in working with all my MMA guys because when I started this, I was I still had the RDA fight, and then I was still remember on the fence on. Am I gonna? Am I gonna continue to fight? Uh, am I gonna blend these two worlds? And we were starting to do that, where we were gonna take David's approach, science, very scientifically, to the sport of triathlon, and kind of blend that into MMA. And I, I, I would have been, the weight cuts would have been significantly easier. I, I wouldn't have done as as much volume as I'm doing now in the in the endurance stuff, but it would have been interesting. Funny, we're talking about this on uh, this particular week. Probably the most famous triathlete slash MMA fighters, the yeah. Diaz brothers, right? So, you just did one recently too. Golly, Nate did. Yeah, Nate, Nate did in Tahoe. Yeah, a guy, a friend of mine who's a pro, uh, just turned pro. He was there and he was talking to Nate about it. Yeah, and Nate was on the did it, an Xterra one where it's like mountain biking and more like trail running and, and a lot of up and down. Yeah. Does this give you yeah. a greater appreciation for those guys now that you're doing it, but they did it like they've been doing it while fighting? Yeah. I, well, and, and I would have like now I would have too. Right. And and the way Nate is doing it where like he's using that as a kind of just a, a, a really put the throttle down on the cardio aspect of things, which is kind of how we would have used it. Lose weight, get the endurance training going. And then, you know, obviously you'd have to do more MMA training if you're looking to fight, but it does, you know what I mean? And, uh, I never even thought about it back when he was doing all that stuff and I hear about it. Now I'm like, man, I should have I should have really looked into that when I heard about Nate and, and Nick doing all this stuff back then. I could ask you this since you're not working the card. How, how do you rate his chances against Hamzat? Man, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan and I, I really am rooting kind of for him to, to pull off the crazy upset. Mm. I think it's going to be really, really hard. I, I do think that Hamzat is, is the truth. I think he's a, a scary guy. And um, I think Nate's going to have to pull that rabbit out of the hat, so to speak, to, to get it done. But he's done it before and he shocked the world before. But I'd say that they're, they're low. But I think we're all rooting kind of for Nate to bring the pain on, right. on Saturday. Does he have something like, does, is there a path to victory for him? Do, do you, if this happens and he does yeah. this, what is that thing? Well, I mean, we saw Gilbert show a few wrinkles in the game, right? right? Whereas if you you can if you can hang in there and not let the the allure of who he is or what he says he is get in your head, which Nate is not going to allow that to happen. Nate's going to be smacking him in the face and spitting blood at him, whatever he's going to do. And that's what he's got to do. He's really got to frustrate him. He's got to try to get him off his game, which is what happened in that Gilbert Burns fight. Because if you listen to the corner with Hamzat, they were screaming in his face focus like what are you doing you're not following the game plan if Nate can kind of pull him into come on man thought you were a gangster I thought you were tough that's his best bet and then let that time tick off the closer he can get to that fourth round yeah fifth round get Hamzat sucking wind a little bit and and, and you know maybe maybe get him to shoot from a distance and leave the neck out there that those are the best opportunities I think for Nate also all the pressure on Hamzat right everyone's like you're gonna smoke this all, guy smoke this guy Right? Like Nate is 100%. playing with the house's money. He even said it. He's like, yeah. look, if this guy doesn't go out there and absolutely finish me, he looks like an idiot. You right. know what I mean? He looks like he's been talking all this stuff for, for nothing. So yeah, Nate's just going in there. He's going to be loose, man. He's going to do some 
some crazy stuff. He might pull a Nick Nick Diaz, go out there, and throw like a jump spinning heel kick off the off the bat. I gotta say, uh, I, one of the I, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while because there was a card a few months ago, and I I don't remember which card it was because you don't always get this shot, but you were doing the post fight interviews. Uh, it was an Apex mm. event. Um, and and for I don't know what the like how they decide who does what. Obviously, it's a pay per view. Joe does it, etc. But yeah. I was so impressed by your questions because I feel mm. like, and I'm not trying to take shots at anyone here, but you know I love interviewing people, and it's like something that really sticks with me. What right. I noticed so much about what you were doing was you were listening, and often mm. in that role you ask two or three questions, and it's almost like the questions are predetermined as opposed to ask one, let's see where it goes. And then I'm going to ask a follow-up and then I'm going to ask a follow-up. And you kept doing that. It was like interview after interview, you asked one and you also asked what drives me nuts. Sometimes it's like, let's say a guy breaks his hand in the fight. And the first question is like, what was the game plan going to the fight? It's like, no, ask what's going on right now. The guy's like holding his broken hand. Ask like, what happened? A simple, what happened? You have done this so perfectly, and I wish they would actually use you more in that role. And so what I wanted to talk to you about was, like, how did you develop this skill? Or is it just, like, you're inquisitive and this is what you want answered? Or is it something that you learned from someone else? Because I really do think you are one of the very best at doing this. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, that does mean a lot. And I think I said to you after you, you had said that the last time that I got to do the interviews, uh, that I really appreciate that. Because it stresses me out, actually, because I want to ask poignant questions. I want to ask questions that these fighters are going to want to answer because it's tough, right? You just had a fist fight. It's, it's not easy to, to come up with a good answer, but if I can at least give you things that make sense, that were related to the fight that are related to you personally, I think it makes it easier for them. And I do listen because I, first of all, I went to school for acting, right? And the first thing you learn is that you, you, you listen and you respond truthfully in the moment, right? Mm. Is what you're taught in that and I think that's one of the things that really has carried over into that interview role for me is you can't just talk and wait for your chance to to talk again it's it it looks bad and it's not going to work out so I think that's one of the few things and we've got some good producers that have always been in my ear beforehand and you know I'll ask them questions and we'll we'll go back and forth and then they kind of let me have my moment when we're in there right and that helps out a lot too that they let me kind of go off cuff if I need to, or nobody's forcing me to ask this question. There's no agenda going into it, but yeah, just listen, man. I think that goes a long way in interviewing these, these fighters um, because it's going to become a lot more organic. If you follow up with a question that has to do with whatever right. their answer was or whatever we'd learned in fighter meetings that week beforehand, or, you know, if they called somebody out before and you know, they're itching to fight somebody and you bring that up, but it's tough, man. I'm glad you say that because it's it's a it's a stressful spot, spot to be in there. It's very noticeable. You know, yeah, you know yeah, how yeah. It is. it's it's. Uh, I love it, uh, and I haven't gone to do it that many times. Did it a couple times with the boxing. Adore it. Dreamed of doing yeah. it. One of my favorite like jobs. I, I'd rather that job than the play by play job, to be honest. Because there's nothing like being in the ring or a cage with someone like right after yeah. a fight and they're all sweaty. Do you enjoy it, or is it too stressful for you? I do enjoy it. Once, once I get that first one out of the way in the beginning of the night and I get a good rapport with, with the fighters, then, then I do enjoy it. Um, you know, the only thing I've ever had been stressed about being in that role is, is like it, just even in my job in general with, with the UFC is I've never become a champion. Right. So whenever I feel I need to commentate or, or give guys a little bit of criticism, I've, I'm not the double champ. I'm not, uh, 
a two-time champ. I wasn't a WEC champ. So that's the only way that I feel I can really bring uh, something good to this role is, you know, I know how to listen. I know how to be on camera. I know how to, to, to do TV and things like that. So I feel like even though I wasn't at the absolute pinnacle of MMA, I feel like that's where I can, and you know, kind of shine is being personable, being relatable to these guys in the cage. Did you suffer at all, uh, considering that mindset, did you suffer at all from imposter syndrome at first? Like, did you question why am I here? Should I not be here? Am I good enough to be here? Did you ever feel that way? A bit, you know, it was kind of like, wow, why, why me? But in talking to the producers and the people that kind of gave me the opportunity, it was because of how I handled myself on the mic. It was because of how I handled my interviews back when I did things. And it was because of my audition for Contender Series. And then when I auditioned in Pittsburgh and I got to jump on the mic with John Anik and, and uh, Dominic Cruz for a few fights when Rockhold took on like uh, David, David Branch. Branch yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. So I, you know, I, I feel like, um, I worked my way into that spot. You know, I wasn't just given it. I had to audition for it. I had to do contender series first. And I, a lot of people auditioned for that contender series stuff. I don't, I don't remember who, who actually went out for it, but I, I know there was at least 10 of us that were applying for the, the fighter color job. And apparently they saw my tape and I, I pretty much was, was a shoe in right then and there. So that gig tougher than the regular gigs because you don't know the guys as much. Yeah, yeah, it is now. When I first got it, it was nice because it's only five fights. These guys are relatively unknown. I can do some research, and then it's really just about being in the moment for the fights and and watching the features. We get luckily we get a lot of footage of them sitting down with uh, like Michael Laplante, one of our producers, asking a million questions. We get a written file of a lot of that stuff, so as we don't get as much fight footage necessarily. But we get to know who these athletes are as people more than we do in the UFC when we're calling 12, 14 fight cards. But you're right. Now that I've done pay-per-views where the entire card is superstars and, and then you go back to contender series and you're like, oh, man. And I have to do this like power ranking thing sometimes where we rate them based on five categories. And that gets really hard because I'm like, man, I've never seen these guys fight and you got to pick. But you know, that's part of the job. You got to go in there and really uh, dissect some things pretty quickly. And, and I still love it. I love watching these guys fight for fight for these contracts and, you know, uh, fighting for their dream. And it's um, they leave it on the line. That's for sure. And at least recently they have been. Someone told me uh, before one of the, the broadcasts that I was doing, if I can offer you any advice, do not look at social media while you are on the air. Oh, Oh, and uh, it is a hard thing nah. to do. It is tough because we're so addicted to it. Uh, but I'm curious, are are you? Because you know, MMA Everybody's. Twitter, they they love to bitch about the commentary all show long. Oh. How do you do? You, oh. Do you look at it? <laughs> Not anymore, bro. You don't? Oh no, I I I fell into that trap too early on. I'd be like, oh, we're on a nice five minute break here. Yeah. We're playing some pictures. You know, I don't have to go to the bathroom. Let me see. We scroll through Twitter yeah. and it's just like Felder sucks. Get him off of this. He sucked as a fighter. He sucks as a commentator now. But you, the quicker you realize that it's every single one of us. You know what I mean? There's always going to be somebody out there that thinks we absolutely suck. Whether it's DC, Dom, Michael, me, you know, Laura, you. It, it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to think we absolutely suck. And now in today's world, anybody. No matter who you are, no matter how bad your life is, 
you can go and tell somebody else that they suck. So it took me a while to realize that. And now I have, I, I truly do believe I've grown a thick skin. I still do enjoy, however, coming back at some of these guys yes, when I'm bored. Did. Yes. And I love to rip them a new. You've had some sometimes. famous ones. You've had some ones that have gone uh, that viral. Really yes. Thin. Yes. Yeah. It still pops up. Uh, you also famously had the, uh, the somewhat back and forth with Marvin Vittori, which coincidentally <laughs> called his fight. Any interactions with, uh, with old Marvin before or after? Uh, right after we had the back and forth, I called one of his fights after that. And um, we had fighter meetings and our producers handled it well. They were like, guys, okay, before we start, I know there's been back and forth. We're going to handle this like adults. You guys are feel free to vent both sides of your story. Marvin gave his reasons on why he felt slighted and, and, and whatever. And I gave my reasons on why I didn't think I, I, I did anything that was really against him. And, and we kind of hashed it out. Never since we've been, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to be my best friend and he likes me necessarily, but I feel like there's no, there's no real bad blood there. Okay. So this time around, there was nothing. No, 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 no. It was, it was fine. I mean, we, and we did the interviews and everything and uh, we did them in person. Oh. For this fight, obviously, over in Paris. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, and at this point, I mean, if Marvin wanted to kick my ass, let's be honest, he, he probably could. I mean, he's a top middleweight right now, and I'm a very skinny former fighter who commentates and does triathlons on the side. So, by the way, uh, that experience, that scene, that atmosphere, one of the best, if not the best, that you ever experienced? Definitely top, top three, I would say, of, of, of all time. You know, when I, fought in scotland was probably one of the craziest oh, yeah. that i personally experienced new zealand was up there but you the you london man london still to me i think is probably the craziest crowds they're, they're the best but france is right right up there those people were losing their <laughs> mind losing their minds in the best way i wasn't was expecting and, that were you no oh, yeah. no when you think of the french yeah. people i mean you think of a lot of awesome things you definitely don't think of going bananas bonkers in stadiums it was uh yeah like you think of uh like the drunk irish or the drunk uh london fa- but like you don't think of them having this patriotism right like singing the national anthem yeah. to me blew my that mind right never would have expected that um just an incredible scene and uh you guys did a great job once again with the stuff uh, with the broadcast just curious so you guys did that seminar recently about the rules and all that stuff did you find that yeah. to be um helpful did you learn did you feel like it was educational? It was definitely educational. Um, there were some things that, to be honest, you forget that the way that things are judged is more specific than you realize, right? That it was nice for me to sit down with judges and people and go, listen, here's exactly what we're looking at first, then this, then this. Because I think when we hear the rules just kind of get announced real quick in the beginning of a fight, Oh, there's octagon control and this stuff. That is like the last thing that judges are looking at. First and foremost, they're looking at striking, period. Then they are looking at who's effectively grappling. Then if those two things are muddy or tied, then they will go to those other things. I always kind of thought of it, even when I was fighting, I and probably why I got pissed off after some decisions where I'm like, man, I controlled the cage. I did this and that. It's like, yeah, but. He may have landed more significant strikes, even if I was marching him down the whole time, even if he outstruck me by two or one, you know, one or two punches, that's what they're going to go to first. 
And that really cleared things up for me when watching fights now, because I'll be like, the first thing I'm thinking of is who is doing the damage on the feet, then or on the ground, doesn't matter where. And then, okay, somebody's out wrestling that person, but are they using that effectively to do damage is what is really important. So it, it was very, uh, very good and, and clarified some things for me. Uh, when I said that you were going to be on today, I had a couple of you uh, write in like, uh, oh, Felder's announcing his comeback. I know he's announced, like, oh, you're going to be disappointed. But are you 1,000% done? Like 1,000% or is the door still a little bit open? Well, you know, I think it's, um, as of today, it's done, right? It's done. I, and I can't, there's, there's not many circumstances I could think of that would even remotely want to bring me back. There's one that I've always talked to my Philly guys about is if they went to Wells Fargo in Philadelphia and had a fight night, it would be hard for me to not at least consider an OG type fight. Kind of like RDA was just saying he's looking for. I'm not fighting Armin Sarukian. I'm not fighting Gamrat. I'm not fighting, you know, any of these guys that are trying to become absolute champions. If I did do it, I would want to do it for one, a one-off. And I don't know if the UFC would even be interested in that. So that's where I think it gets kind of muddy, but no, see the the door is not 1000% closed. I think that's one circumstance where uh, I'd be interested in coming back just to, I've never fought in the UFC. My mom has never been to a UFC fight that I fought in. Wow. That is it. She never traveled. No. Any particular reason? Well, she hated watching it. Right. Okay. She loved watching it after she knew the results. Right. She would, she would put it on the TV, watch the entire event. For example, if I was, you know, in, on the main card towards the end or one, one of the couple I had the main events, she'd watch the whole thing. And then right when my fight was coming up, she'd watch me walk to the cage then she would go drive around the neighborhood in her car wow. and have her phone with her and get updates from one of my uncles tell, telling her around oh, one, he lost or round one. He looked really good. Or if I finished the guy, you know, but obviously the last two were five round decisions. Oh, so gosh. she stressed out for a good 30 minutes driving around. Golly. That's making me nervous. Just thinking about it. Like as a parent, I can't even imagine uh, the yeah. feelings that she Especially the way I fought, you know what right. I mean? She knew the way I fought. She knew who I was. Cause part of the reason I am, how I am was because I get it from my mom. She was definitely the tough one. You our, do have a dub over Charles Oliveira, champ. As long as he's champ, I feel like the door is still open, right? I feel like it's open for that, right? If he ever decides that uh, he wants that one back, uh, you know, I, I would have to appease him. But he's got a million other guys knocking on that door right now, trying to trying to get that ticket. Are you working that card? I am. Oh, damn. I was going to ask your thoughts on uh, who you think is going to win, but I know you're, you know, you, rightfully so, you, you can't really uh, give a prediction yeah, I, per se, but a tough one, so right? Tough one for yeah. Charles. Oh, man. Of course. Yeah, of course. This is, you know, when Habib was still around, this was the fight we were curious about. How would Charles match right. up? And now we kind of get to see at least very closely how it would uh, maybe have played out if uh, Habib won. And then the real question is, if let's say Charles goes, and I'm not saying this is what I think, but let's say Charles just mauls him for some right. reason. Does Habib get a little bit? Yeah. Man, yeah. maybe one more I come back for. Yeah, yeah. It could be amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Go for the, uh, the 30th, uh, two last quick things. Um, you were on hacks, I believe it's called, yeah. uh, how's that going? And are there more appearances in the works for that? Well, so I was in season one, season two, and, and they, you know, 
that show crushed it both both seasons. I know they're in development for season three, and I'm waiting to hear the writers are still writing stuff, but fingers crossed, I'd hope so. I mean, they kind of left me in the mansion, Deborah's mansion, who's the lead character with uh, you know, Caitlin, who plays D, you know, DJ, and uh, so we'll see. But you're still doing the acting stuff. Acting. I would like to. I'd like to do more too. And a few things have popped up, but you know, the way I look at it is, it's got to be something that's worth not going and calling fights and making the money that I make doing that. Where yeah. Hacks was 100 worth it, even if I had made no money from reading the script and seeing who's involved in it. That that's the type of stuff that's going to catapult your career as an actor, right? But some of these things I've gotten called for maybe stunt work or maybe some thug in some movie you know and it's just like not worth i don't it. want to do that. i don't want to do these goofy action movies where they go straight to dvd yeah. like i know yeah i agree with that uh last thing some big news yesterday just curious your thoughts uh anderson silva jake paul uh which again just seems weird saying that this is an actual thing <laughs> Uh, can I ask how do you feel like this is gonna go? Do you think do you think Anderson shuts him up once and for all? I mean, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I know Anderson's been looking really good in the boxing department. I think no matter what happens, I mean, obviously, I hope Anderson wins, right? I'm Team MMA. Yeah. Um, I have nothing nothing against all this stuff. Uh, these guys are all making money. They're making noise. They're bringing eyes to this combat sports. It doesn't matter to me. But I'm glad Jake Paul is at least fighting somebody that people have been like, hey, you need to fight this guy. He's at least a striker. He's an MMA guy. You're you're going after these MMA guys. But now at least you're going after somebody who's got boxing experience and is a phenomenal striker. Yes, he's older, but he's your size and he can box. Okay, I'm okay with him being a little older because Anderson don't give a crap. He's going in there to win and make a big paycheck. So I'm, I love that fight. I'll, that I, w- I would like to watch. Yeah, there is someone was saying this to me today, like, man, Woodley kind of became a meme after the knockout. It would be depressing if Anderson Silva uh, becomes a meme to a Jake Paul knockout, right? Considering everything this guy has done and what he's meant to the sport, it'd be a horrible way to end his career. Yeah, we all kind of we all kind of begged for it, right? Oh, I get him Anderson, and now you're like, oh, that's our guy. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> our legends right there. If he goes out and and puts Anderson away bad, then then, but you know what? It'll make things even more interesting because then some of these younger guys are going to be like, all right, you can't, you can't go and do that. Anderson, I got to go. I got to go put this guy in his place. And then Nate comes in and saves the day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That seems to be where it's trending, doesn't it? Yes. Fascinating times. Uh, Good luck to you, my friend. Saturday, Atlantic City. That is massive stuff. Uh, I can't even imagine doing one mile, let alone all the miles that you'll be doing. So good luck to you. Thank you for doing this. And honestly, keep up the great work. And I hope they give you more of those post-fight interview spots because it was the Felice Herrick card by the, now I remember the Felice Herrick card, the way you handled her situation. And it was just one after the next, you freaking knocked them out of the park. So well done. And I hope you get more of those. I will. Yeah, there's more in the future for sure. And and thank you, man. I do appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Talk to you soon. Good luck. There he is, the Irish dragon, Paul Felder. Great stuff. And I really do mean it. I love... You know, when it comes to basketball, when it comes to football, baseball, hockey, obviously combat sports, love listening to the post-fight, post-game, post-match. Tennis, tennis is a good one because you get, you know, the one-on-one U.S. Open going on right now. Uh, Love that and love listening to those who listen. 
I love listening to those who pay attention, who don't just go into the interview with predetermined questions. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. How is the game? No, ask what's going on right now. How how they are feel like how's the hand feeling? You're you're nursing a hand. You got knocked down. Uh, the crowd, and then allow them to answer, and then ask a follow up. Listen, ask a follow up. Listen, ask a follow up. That card, the Felice Herrick card from a few months ago, he did a fantastic. This is the card that she uh, retired. The Karolina Kovalkiewicz fight, and there were a bunch. What was that? Um, Who's the main event for that one? That was uh, was that the Armin Sarukian one? No, it wasn't. I think it was getting old oh Volkov Rosenstrike yeah it was just one after the next he did a great job really great job UFC I've said this time and again they have there. there's not a single stinker if you will for lack of a better word on their broadcast team from top to bottom there is not a single person that I could think of you know the people that they have in the booth so to speak from Anik to Fitzgerald to, to Gooden, from, you know, DC to Rogan to, I'm not a Rogan hater. I think he provides a great service and a great presence and all that stuff to the broadcast. He's a huge, huge part of it. Um, so I'm, I'm not anti-Rogan at all to, to Bisping, to Felder. Um, and then they have, you know, Dominic Cruz, of course, but even the ones that they have coming up, you know, the Anthony Smiths, who I think could do a great job in that role, who it feels like should be groomed for one of those spots as well. Uh, Laura's doing a great job. They've really done a great job of picking the right people. And even dating back to the Kenny Florian and Randy Couture days um, way back in the day, it's always been, as uh, as Seamus likes to say, banger after banger after banger after banger. So really enjoyed that conversation. Appreciate uh, Paul Felder very much. And... Uh, how about it? Triathlon on Saturday. All right. Um, in a second, we're going to get GC's picks for this weekend. Then we're going to answer some questions and uh, get really into it on the nose style. But first... Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. GC's picks? Shall we? We shall. There he is. Let's do it. Where are you? Oh, there you are. There we go. Yeah, I am. Where's the Zubaz? Uh, they're right next to me. Mm. Not on. I actually, uh, yeah, I I should have put them on. They're well, a little long. I'm gonna have to cut them. No hat. Yeah. Everything okay there? Yeah, what's happening? Right, yeah. What's going on? I mean, it's very low energy. Right. Uh, yeah. Really. I I didn't think to put the hat on. Someone made a pretty wild comparison. Uh, the the capital. Riders. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so that was that was no. cool to get. <laughs> wow. I didn't even think no, to. <laughs> I mean, no pressure. Do yeah, whatever man. you want. Just don't start howling or anything. We'll have the Zubaz on tomorrow. All right, All right a couple cool. uh, a couple notes of housekeeping here just to, oh, wow. to finish up. Uh, I love just, housekeeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to shout out uh, the Draft King, Ross O'Connor. Uh, fantastic job this weekend, uh, you know. In Paris. Yeah, Paris. Okay. Uh, so he did well there. And we got to do the hip, big hitters. Uh, I mean, we have to shout out. Oh, wow. Look at this. 
What the hell is this? Who made this? You? Wow, this is so Can we get these kind of like... This is incredible. Can I get the... Wow, look at that. Look how the money went down. Wow. Right to us. Right Look at that. We're, right, like we're in off. the heart of a casino in Atlantic City right now. The heart of the casino. Uh, and we'll go right into it. Uh, the big hitters here. This is what we'll you did during the break. Exactly, bro. You're, you're going to give me some time off. I, uh, I'm i going to figure out a way to, uh, you know, up the ante a little bit here. Uh, so let's dive right in. It's the same man that we just mentioned winning the DraftKings League. It is Ross O'Connor. It's a full card, 12-leg parlay, uh, plus 45,190. Turns $10 into $4,500 on Saturday night. Uh, so you win the DraftKings League. You hit a plus 45,000 parlay. You're, you're having a good night. Uh, you know, I got to do some tinkering here. I didn't even think of the big hitters thing blocking his name, but uh, Ross, his name is on there. Respect. Next up, Jonathan. I think this is uh, Tew the God is how you pronounce it. But this guy sends me two tickets. One plus 15,250, the other plus 13,255. And I love it because he had the old school paper ticket. This guy went to the sports book, had to tell someone these ridiculous parlay legs, uh, and they had to type it into a computer uh, and fill it out. So he, he went old school with the, with the parlay slips there. I got to respect that. Uh, and then last but not least... It's our man, Bo Thomas Lucas. Three first names. You got to respect that. BTL. Five legs parlay. Plus 11,747. Turns $5 into 587. Stephanie Egger inside the distance. Nasruddin Imavov by decision. Nathaniel Wood by decision. Wow. Nasrat by decision. Robert Whitaker by decision. And then Ciro gone by knockout. I mean, impressive stuff. Impressive stuff Damn. this weekend. Uh, so, yeah, I was not the only one who found success uh, this weekend uh, at UFC Paris. So, shout out to them. Shout out to the big hitters. Uh, trying to continue to make this segment uh, good for shout outs. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, let's see move if we can right keep the, uh, the train rolling along. I'm, I'm very curious to see who you got this weekend. Seems like you're leaning Hamzat, but let's see the entire picture here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's dive right into it. Let's uh, let's start on the prelims, the early prelims. Uh, a lot of chalk I'm playing this weekend. Not not a ton a ton of dog action for me, but you know sometimes you have weeks like that. I'll start off highly Alatang money line over Chad and Hellinger. Think it's going to be a good fight. Think it's going to be an exciting fight. Think it's pretty close on the feet, but I think Alatang has a pretty good grappling advantage. I think he has more routes to get the win. I'm not overly impressed with Angeliger's 10-fight win streak. Uh, and then when he got into the UFC, he got Jesse Strader, who, who was giving him everything he could take uh, in that UFC debut. He did find the knockout in the third round, but it was an even scorecard, or even one judge had Strader up 20-18. to 18, So I think Alatang, he carries power in his hands for, for a bantamweight, and I think he's got that grappling advantage. So I think he's going to be able to find the victory on uh, Saturday. Next up, Jathan Almeida, Turkalsh. I'm going under one and a half in this one. Uh, if you look at their two records, 26 combined fights for these guys, 24 times they have gone under the one and a half. That oh, is yeah. 92% Holy of God. the time. I mean... My pick from earlier, in case yeah, you missed it. Yeah, great pick, great pick. I did miss it, but someone filled me in. It was a great pick. What do you mean um, you missed it? Are yeah, you joking? Just, yeah, it was just okay. being facetious. Right over there. Right over there. But yeah, uh, yeah. Anton eight no. I I just don't see this going well for him. I think Almeida is just too big of a task on on short notice. 
Uh, and I think he's going to end this one early. Next up, Main Hakeem, supporting your man from Canada. Uh, I just think he's too technical of a striker. I mean, he has. I, I was doing a little research on him. He has the second best striking differential in UFC featherweight history, behind only Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, mean Hakeem sitting at two point six seven. I think he's just too technical. He's great uh, defensively striking. Um, he doesn't have a ton of power, but Arosa doesn't have a great chin. Four of his five losses in the UFC are by knockout. Um, but I think the more likely outcome is Dawoodu just putting on a striking clinic over the 15 minutes and outpointing him. One concern I do have is Arosa taking him down. We saw Evlov take him down pretty easily, but that's just a whole other level of grappling. Uh, and maybe Arosa throwing up a submission or something like that. But if this one stays standing, uh, I like Hakeem's chances to get it done. Uh, we're going to go with another under one and a half. I don't, I don't typically love playing under one and a half uh, just because they can get real sweaty, but... I think this fight is is good for the taking on it. Uh, I mean, 50 fights between the two guys in their careers, 43 times they haven't gone to a decision. And then if you look at their records in the UFC, Walker, six of his last eight ending in the first round. Kutalaba, six of his last nine ending in the first round. I still am a little bit uh, scarred from that Walker-Tiago Santos fight that was essentially just a 25-minute staring contest, couldn't finish a parlay that had the fight doesn't go to a decision in that one. Uh but I think that's the styles matching up. Tiago Santos, he has been a little gun-shy lately. Kutalaba is not a man that is gun-shy. I, I think he's going to force Johnny Walker to engage in a firefight. Walker's got power. But he also does not have a chin. I think someone is going to go down in this one, and I likely see it ending in the first round, how, how most of their fights uh, in the UFC is gone. Uh, forced a couple main card bets, because why not have a bet on every fight on the main card? So I took Irene Aldana. Up wow. against Macy Chazon. Uh, I think she's just going to have a huge boxing advantage. I think the way Chazon gets this done is either forcing it up against the cage the whole time or getting it to the mat. Aldana's got good, pretty good takedown defense. Uh, other than that home fight where she did get taken down five times, I mean, she has had really good takedown defense. I mean, we've seen fights where she stuffs uh, upwards of 10 takedowns in a fight. So if she can avoid this going to the mat, I, I like her chances in outboxing uh, Shazan. And she she carries power uh, for the women's bantamweight division. So I wouldn't be surprised if she was able to find the button uh, against Shazan. So I will be rocking uh, with Aldana. Uh, we'll keep it moving. Rick's pick for the, for the parlay. Mm. I took Kevin Holland right when the odds dropped. I've kind of, I, I loved it when I first took it. I've Fallen a little bit out of love with it, watching some tape on D-Rod. I mean, great boxer, durable dude. I think this is going to be a really exciting fight. I think it's one of the best fights on the card, but I am going to go with Kevin Holland. That reach advantage, I think he's got the grappling and, and ground game advantage. Uh, and I think it's just going to be a crazy fight, and I think Holland is going to be the one that ends up getting his hand raised. Uh, next up, Li Jiang Lin. So I actually parlayed him with Jelten Almeida when Almeida was fighting Shamil. Really liked that play, went heavy on it, lost Almeida uh, because he now has his new opponent in Turkalj. So now I'm stuck with a Li Jiang Lei heavy money line play, but that's okay because I still feel confident in him. You know, the leech is my guy for Tony. It was just four months ago that like he literally had his consciousness separated from his body, and now he's coming up up a weight class that he hasn't fought at in 11 years uh, against a full-bodied welterweight who happens to be one of the hardest hitters in the division, Li Jiang Li, tied for third all-time knockouts in welterweight history. Um, his last four wins are by knockout. Eight of his last 10 are by knockout. I mean, the dude has power. He has finishing capabilities. Uh, he's got the age advantage. 
Tony. I know he's been fighting killers his last four fights, but they all resulted in L's. Uh, I just don't like this matchup for Tony here. So um, I'm cool with riding this with this solo. Yeah. Uh, Short notice really yeah. is what makes me the most uncomfortable about it, right? Like if you would have had the full training camp and doesn't have to cut the weight, yeah, I feel like you could convince yourself, but man, like this fight came together three weeks ago. Right. And right, this fight man. doesn't come together, by the way. I heard Dana say that they are going to continue the sellout streak. I don't even know if it's a real streak anymore, but <laughs> the reason they added this and Kevin Holland was because they needed to, because tickets were not moving at all. So if tickets move, it would be obviously during, you know, due to the late push from a Nate Hamza, but Tony and Kevin deserve some credit as well. Oh, for sure. I, I think adding those two cards has really brought the, the level of, or adding those two fights, two fights has really yeah. brought the level of this card up. I mean, now you, at least if you're not that into the prelims, you're at least looking forward to the last three fights of the night. Um, that's, that is going back to the D-Rod thing. That's, you know, something like he's, he's taking this on short notice. He hasn't fought in a year. It feels like Kevin Holland is always ready to go and he was looking to fight around this time anyway. So you do have to wonder how ready, uh, Rodriguez is to get back in the octagon. He's obviously a super game fighter, so I'm sure he's ready. Last single, Hamza Chamaya by KO, TKO, plus 115. Uh, I mean, we mentioned it earlier. It would be insane. It would be the storybook if, if Diaz came out here and won, but if you just if you just look at it, he's 37 years old in his last 10 years in the UFC. He's four and six, going up against a a young, hungry prospect with crazy finishing capabilities. Uh, I, that's just how I see this one ending. So that is what I rocked with. Three parlays, four parlays. Jake Collier, Jelton Almeida, Hamza Chemaev. Then I did that same one. Added Lee Jiangli and Norman Dumont. Then I took a Jelton inside the distance, Hamza inside the distance. And then to finish it off, a little prop parlay. Walker Kutalaba fight does not go the distance. Oh, yeah. Almeida Turkos doesn't go the distance. Shemaev Diaz does not go the distance. If you want to hear more about it, the full breakdowns, no bets barred. It's out right now. Oh, it's out wow. right now. Go, go get a listen. Much more in-depth. I obviously have my guy Jed with me, too. Uh, so those are the picks. A lot of action down. A yeah. lot of action. I had like seven units down for UFC Paris. I have like 17 down for uh, UFC 279. I mean, it's a pay-per-view. So. Fingers crossed it goes well. Fingers crossed it goes well. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. Them's the picks. Again, uh, No Bets Bard is the, no Bets uh, Bard. the podcast you can get it right now. Great banter. That's what people are saying, at least. The bants. Any special guests this week? No special guests. Right. Fumbled the bag. Why? Uh, I had a special guest in mind, but they were on the West Coast, and we recorded this morning, so uh, 8.30 record time doesn't bode well for West 8.30 Coast Eastern? People. Yeah. That's yeah, tough. 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 Who was but, it? Uh, or you don't want to say? Yeah, they'll be on. They'll Next be on time, at a later yeah, date. do it. Yeah, they'll be on at a later date. Do a pre-record. Yes. Well, Who's we it? were gonna do Tuesday nights, but yeah. Jed had his fantasy football draft. Oh come on, Jed. A lot going on. You're in or you're out. Um, yeah. yeah who's thanks, a, who's a West Coast special guest? I just have to wait to find All out. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, them's the picks. Uh, good luck to you and everyone else, and of course, good luck to us. Good luck to us. Uh, that's, we've that's got the, the parlay pals. We got this. Looking one. to go two in a row. Um, we, we gave out our picks, uh, very quickly. Jalton Almeida, Hamza doesn't go the distance, Norma Dumont, and Kevin Holland from Kevin Rick. Holland, right. All those right. picks have been sent over to the good people at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're throwing it into their machine now to get it boosted up and get it on the app Friday for everyone to have. All right. Thank you very much. Time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time... 
Yes. It's time for a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Yeah. Feels like we haven't done this in a while, right? It's been a minute, because we had the Monday show, but not the Wednesday show, so it's actually been two weeks. That's right. From the Box Studios My math is correct. New York City, it's on the nose. Have you ever been and to now, Niagara Falls, to Frank? Your questions, <laughs> no, I haven't. Get out of your seats and on your feet because here I'm going to go for the first time. That's specifically the first time. Thank you, thank you. Uh, American side or Canadian side? American side. But yeah. like over there, I guess prior to COVID, you would just walk back and forth. like it was not. Does it even matter? It does now. Yeah. Oh, it does? No, I mean like, are the views different? The views on the Canadian side are supposed to be better. Uh, typical. Not surprised, MFers. All right, let's get into it. Daniel's up first. Bonjour, Ariel. I have but one question for you. When Nate Diaz defies all the odds and comes out victorious on Saturday night, hushing the naysayers, proving wrong all people that wrote him off from the day this fight got announced, what do you think he will choose to do going forward? Resign and campaign for the rematch to settle unfinished business with Leon, ride out into the sunset as an FU to Dana and the Brass. Let me know your thoughts. Nick Diaz Army, Daniel. And by the way, shout out, I uh, got to do a little uh, video essay for my good friends over at BT Sport, written by the great, the inimitable, the incomparable Chuck Mendenhall that is out right now all over social media. So check that out. A little homage to the great Nathan Diaz. Honored to do that. Um, tough one. Very tough one. Um, I think that the world will be his oyster. He'll have the whole world in his hand. He'll be able to do exactly whatever the hell he wants, and he'll get paid a hell of a lot to do it. So I have said this before. If, in fact, he does pull off the upset, I wouldn't be shocked if the UFC says, Kamar Usman, much love. We're going to give the bag to this guy. We're going to give him $20 million to fight Leon Edwards in the UK, and we've just got to. Um, so either he takes that, he waits to see. Look, here's the thing. The Jake Paul thing is huge and it's big business and you'll make a lot of money. However, it's a one-off, right? Maybe you do an immediate rematch. It's a two-off. There's obviously a, a, a longer future, if you will, with the UFC. Now, can they pay him the same remains to be seen? Here's what's happening. Nathan Diaz is betting on himself. In short, and by the way, no coincidence comes out on Sunday and says, hey, I've got my own promotion now as well. Nathan Diaz ain't fighting Jake Paul on a MVP card, right, as just a participant. Jake Paul is doing a co-promotion with Nathan Diaz. If, in fact, they fight, it will be an MVP real fight thing. Like, this guy is trying to build a business, a legacy, um, and prove once and for all that he isn't the dumb guy that everyone made him out to be early on. Uh, he has surrounded himself with very smart people. Um, in particular, his manager, Zach, is very, very shrewd, who no one really knows anything about. But uh, one of the best decisions he ever made was teaming up with him. And, uh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof is in the pudding. Also, one of the best decisions I would argue he ever made was breaking free from Caesar. Now, and this, this is not me throwing any shade, but he had to kind of break free to do his own thing and to be his own master, and to be his own business. Nate Diaz, Inc. is a very real thing. He loves to shout out the Nick Diaz Army, and that's him giving respect to his older brother. But he is his own entity, his own business, and he had to break free to do that. And so if he wins, it'll be one of the greatest plays of all time, and they'll throw a ton of money his way, 
and he'll be extremely successful and he'll make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, whether he stays or goes. But I think that uh, the UFC will make a play. If he loses, I doubt they make a play. If he wins, I bet you they make a play and they make a strong play to get him to stick around and fight for the belt. That's my prediction. Logan, favorite segment of the week. What are your thoughts on Nathan Diaz saying about his upcoming fight against Hamzad? What they got me doing right now, this is the quote, is acting like I called for this fight, which I didn't call for and I don't want, didn't want and still don't want. If it were up to you, who would you match up Diaz for? Who would you match up for Diaz and potentially his last UFC fight? So, I mean, this runs a little bit contrary to what he said and what his team was saying when this fight was announced. Um... Listen, we all know Diaz really didn't want this. We all know. I mean, he turned it down once, and we all know it's not the great matchup for him that... I mean, Dana White himself said it was a bad matchup for him. Um, So we all know. No one's dumb. Everyone understands what's going on. For the one millionth time, and thankfully, come Monday, we won't have to talk about this anymore. If he would have resigned, he would have gotten Dustin. The fact that he didn't resign, they couldn't resign him, they gave him the hardest matchup. It's very clear what's happening. So... Yeah, it would have been Dustin. If it were up to me and I was doing things the kind of like fair way, the right way, the way to honor a legend like that, not try to kill off the legend, give him a tough fight, not a guy who's in the top 50, but, you know, a name, backstory, tough. If Dustin wins, great. If Dustin loses, great as well. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's Nate Diaz. God bless, maybe convince him to stay. That's the matchup that I think would have been the most appropriate at this point in his career. It had the backstory, it had the name, it had everything, could have headlined any pay-per-view. And I think a lot of people would have been a hell of a lot more excited and comfortable with that matchup. So that's what I would have done. Amin, hi Ariel, two questions for you. Win or lose Saturday night, do you think the UFC allows Rogan to interview Nate post-fight and risk him saying something negative about the company? I mean, if he wins, he's 100% going to get on the mic. And honestly, I think if he loses, if it's appropriate, I think he'll get that opportunity too. Um, If he's brutally knocked out or something like that, maybe not. But I don't think he's going to say anything that bad. It's pay-per-view, man. Like, what's he really going to say? This isn't Dana White circa 2009. You even see him at the Contender Series post-fight press conference. Like, he, he doesn't have that same fire. And again, this is not me throwing shade. He has won. He has millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. He doesn't get fired up about this minutia like he would in 2006 when it was all very personal and he was scratching and clawing and they were in the hole. It's a different game. And so I would be personally surprised if they... Um, didn't allow him to speak on the mic, win or lose. And I would be shocked if they didn't give him the mic with a win. Anderson Silva, he goes on to say, and Jake Paul fight is a little under eight weeks away. Is this a fight that Anderson has known about or is the short prep time a tactic similar to weight cutting clause Jake's team is using to give him an advantage? I mean, it became a thing once a seam Jake fell through. So that's August. That's when the talks really started. I mean, that fight fell through the last week of July, right? So I would say since then, it was really a thing. I don't think any tactics or anything like that. And they've shown him a lot of respect. I mean, his his logo's even on the poster. Like, I think it's some sort of Anderson co-promotion, whatever that means as well. Uh, I don't think there are any funny games being played here. That's for sure. And I know Nikisa in particular, who's Jake's business partner, Nikisa Badarian, has a lot of respect for Anderson. He was there during Anderson's heyday in the UFC. So I don't feel like there's any funny business or bad blood or anything like that. El Cubano, hola Ariel, help me filter through my feelings. While I want Nate to do what Nate wants, 
I also want him to keep fighting in the UFC. In my opinion, there are a plethora of fights I would still love to see. For example, a war between him and El Kukui would be amazing. The buildup with Poirier is there. The BMF rematch with Masvidal. The finality of the trilogy with Conor McGregor, just to name a few. My question this week is, as a Nate Diaz fan, should I truly expect this to be his final UFC fight? If so, thank you, Nathan, for all the memories over the last 15 years. There will never be another Nate Diaz. That gives me chills. Viva Hiawani. Uh No, I don't think you should feel like it's the last time we'll ever see him. Could it be the last time for now? Sure. Could he go off and fight one fight against Jake and come back? Yes. Could he go off and do one boxing match just to scratch that ish and come back? Yes. This is the crazy fight business. We're talking about Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva being a real thing, for goodness sakes. We're talking about Hamza Chamayev versus Nathan Diaz being a real thing, for goodness sakes. Never say never. Trust me. Could it be the last four now? Yes. But fine. Like even the thing I read for BT, I added the word potential, potential, potential. Nothing is final, especially in this crazy game. So yeah, you can have emotions about maybe this being the end of a chapter, the end of a run, and maybe the end. But can I sit here and say the absolute end? No. Chris, Ariel, crew, Lewis, glad to have you back in our lives. There's been a lot of fantasizing going on and what ifs regarding a Nate Diaz upset this weekend. But what if magic isn't real outside of Salt Lake City and Hamza Chemaev wins in impressive fashion. Very possible. With Edwards Usman 3 being the next title fight, do you see a scenario where Chemaev jumps the line at 85 to take on Izzy? Maybe. If he should be victorious at 281, there's not a lot of options there after Alex. So yeah, it's possible. The timing seems to be right. There's no clear number one contender. It's hard to sell. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. Or do you do, you know, Hamza versus Colby, which I think would be a gigantic fight too. Or he just may wait. You know, if they do Leon and Usman in March, maybe he waits and he fights the winner in the summer. It's either that, I could see 85, bit of a long shot, but I could see it. Um, Or the Colby fight, which I think would be fantastic and they wanted to make it. Cosmo Kramer. Hi, Ariel. What are your thoughts on CM Punk's comments at the AEW press conference? It was so painfully awkward looking at Tony Khan as CM Punk was going off. Seemed a little disrespectful to the company. Do you have any more insight on what exactly Punk was so angry about? I've never seen one of their press conferences before, so maybe the F-bombs are normal. Thanks. All right, well, I have some comments, some thoughts about this. Number one, obviously I don't follow, I don't have the sources, I don't have the insight that I would if something like this happened in MMA. Um, I don't really talk to Punk as much as I did back in the day for no specific reason. So I didn't ask him about any of this. I don't have that kind of insight. Insight. Um, I will just say like from afar, and, I, and I've seen there was a story that came out at the beginning of the day from SI that some of the people involved will be suspended, have been suspended, and there's like a third-party investigation. So Punk's fate, I guess, is a little bit up in the air. But here's my general sentiment. And I kind of like these press conferences. WWE did it on Saturday too. I think if they do more of it, it's kind of a cool wrinkle. I think it's a fun wrinkle. It gives it that kind of you know big fight feel. And I think there are other things they could do to do that. When AEW first started, and it was Tony Khan and these other wrestlers with the EVP role, 
it seemed like that's a great idea because now kind of the boys are running it. But it also seemed, in retrospect, like a potential tricky situation because wrestlers are wrestlers. And we have seen in the past when the wrestlers are running the show, at times, all hell can break loose. It now appears as though the inmates are running the asylum. And that's not a good thing. And it feels, at least from this point of view, Tony Khan had to suspend people because it feels like he has lost control of his locker room. The first indication of that, at least to me, was Cody Rhodes leaving. Cody Rhodes left. He was a pillar. He was a part of the foundation. Now he's leaving. What is going on there? What's happening behind the scenes? And then you have this press conference where you have this incredible night for the company and one of their biggest stars comes back, MJF comes back, and it's completely overshadowed by a quote-unquote feud that will never make any money for them. Now, not everything has to make money. Not everything... And by the way, this was not a work. Do not think that for a second. I know that's the first inclination, but it wasn't. I know not everything has to lead to business, has to lead to money. But for it to overshadow a big night for the company uh, was very unfortunate. Now, I understand Punk is a very loyal guy. He's a very, very loyal guy. He's a ride-or-die kind of guy, and I respect that out of him. But this story with Cole Cabana, like, it has to die at some point. Like, we're talking years of, like, what has it been, eight years of this story with Cole Cabana? It has to die. And I don't think it does him any good, and I don't think it obviously does the company any good for this to continue being a thing. Now, the comments about the EVPs and then the alleged... um, fracas melee brawl in the back like none of this is good and that's why i am led to believe the inmates are running the assignment he needs to gain control of his locker room of his company or else the whole thing is going to blow up and it's amazing that four months ago five months ago six months ago a year ago they were the darlings everyone was like i was sitting in this chair saying i i'm i'm, I'm captivated by the product i love going home on wednesdays and watching dynamite It's all very interesting. It's fun. MJF, this and that. Daniel Bryan showing up. Adam Cole. And now it feels like the roles have completely reversed where Triple H is the darling. WWE are the ones who can't miss. Everything they're doing is being well-received. And you've got this very toxic situation um, with AEW. At times, this is going to come across like me being a hater. I have no relationship with Tony Khan. I've said it in the seat. You can do a highlight reel of me giving them praise. At times it feels like Tony is a little too much of a fan. And uh, I feel like wrestlers can walk all over that. And they can, it's just the demeanor, the, the, the body language. You have someone who like, no one's acting like that. If Vince McMahon is sitting next to them, I can assure you of that. Or if Dana White is sitting next to them, I can assure you of that Bob Arum, et cetera. And so he needs to put his foot down and gain control, and maybe it is time to have other people involved who aren't quote-unquote wrestlers, because there's always going to be a conflict of interest there. I mean, that was a recipe for disaster. Just go read about WCW in the 90s. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he can regain the, uh, I, I, I think, like the trust of the locker room and how they can fix this. And I don't know if having you know active wrestlers be quote-unquote EVPs, whatever that means, is, uh, is the right move anymore for this company. I think you need actual leaders, actual people in charge who have no sort of personal interest in the day-to-day wins and losses storylines, like just like, you know, a booking team, so to speak, uh, which is traditional. So it's it's a weird look. I know fans revel in this and, and, and the internet loves this sort of thing, but 
is like, like, are they going to talk about it on Dynamite tonight? Because that would be strange too. So unless it leads to anything, what was the point of all of it? Um, obviously in that moment, CM Punk isn't really thinking about what's the point. He's just getting stuff off his chest and he feels very upset and he feels disrespected and he feels wrong and he's not really caring or thinking about, oh, the business, how's it going to But like you take a step back and you're probably Tony Khan sitting there and being like, well, this is a mess of a situation. And, and here's what I thought was actually the most troubling part of it all. Once Punk's press conference was done and he walks off and it's like, holy crap, that was wild. If I were in charge, and I know it's easier said than done, I would have sat there and been like, all right, that was something, we'll deal with that. You know, you're talking about EVPs not being able to run a target, but, but what about tonight? What about this? What about that? What about MJF? What about Action Bronson getting involved? What about this? What about that? Instead, it was Tony Khan talking about, I have more money than Jim Crockett and WWE hasn't been too nice to me and the things that they've done and they're running on Labor Day. Like, buddy, like you wanted a war, you got a war. And that's just the way it is. Like you can't cry foul now. I mean, this guy was cutting promos on Nikon. And I know, and I could see it now. I can see the tweets coming in. Oh, that's your guy. You're a shill. This and that. Please, whoever says that, then go look at the tweets of me saying the product was better, Dynamite was better, SmackDown Raw boring. I'm telling you, I couldn't care less. I have nothing to do with any of this. I show up every few months. I do a couple things and then I go home and it's great. Um, Couldn't care less. I'm the only one who's telling it like it is in all of this. You're cutting promos on a non-wrestler. You're cutting a promo. He's doing a video wearing sunglasses, cutting a promo on Nikon, who is not an on-screen character. And now they're going to run shows the same weekend as you, and you're going to be like, they're not being very nice to me, but guess what? I have a lot of money, and I'm going to battle it. Like, that's not the time to do that. And by the way, that's not really something that really you know, galvanizes your audience. I would have sat there and been like, all right, that was wild. We're going to fix that. But what about this? And what about that? And what about this match? And what about this appearance? And what about this return? And what about action? That's what I would have done in that moment. Cue the tweets. I could see them coming now. Oh, look at this shell. Look at this. Go fuck yourself. I couldn't care less. That's the truth. From someone who was sitting there and watching all of that and being like, geez, that to me, honestly... No joke, that to me was more troubling than the wrestler who had just been in a 25-minute match, bloodied, beaten, bruised, getting some stuff off his chest. The leader talking about, I have money, and they haven't been nice because they're running Labor Day weekend. They've been running Labor Day weekend for like three years. It's not like a historical weekend for the company. They're, they're, they're like four years old in total. What are we talking about here? Of course they're going to go head-to-head. Uh, UFC did it to affliction back in the day. They, it, this is this is what companies do. This is what the big dog does when someone's nipping at their heels. It's almost like a sign of respect in a weird way. Um, so I don't know. The whole thing was weird. Inmates running the asylum. Little strange. I like punk. Feel for him. Probably not his finest hour. I doubt he really cares. Curious to see what happens. Can we move on from the Cole Cabana thing? Wrestling is fascinating right now. And who would have thought? Like Triple H ultimate babyface. Wild. Uh, Abay, Ariel, how sick was Clash at the Castle? I'm still buzzing. What are your highlights? Mine's Edge's entrance. That was nuts. 62,000 people just singing, on this day, 
I see clearly everything. Uh, Drew's Broken Dreams theme song was tremendous. The package that they played going into it was great. Bret Hart being in attendance, tremendous. I'm adding some here. Gutted I didn't meet the nose. Oh, I'm sorry. Hopefully next time. However, I'm still frustrated with the finish. The match was perfect until the ending. Drew deserved his moment on home-ish soil. At least split the belt so we don't have to wait three months to see it defended again. Who do you see defeating Reigns? Feels they've built him up so much that I don't know who beats him. Surely not a theory cash-in. Maybe Cody wins the Rumble and wins at Mania. Maybe The Rock, but then he'd have to stay in defend. What are your thoughts? Much love to your boy, Abe. I thought, obviously, the great moment, the great pop would have been him winning. Um, I do think in this new era for Triple H, Roman Reigns is such a big star. You want that established draw as the face of the company. So I actually think that it's good that they didn't book for the night. And as opposed to that, they were looking long-term. Um, obviously, everyone would have been happy. It would have been a great moment. But I like that because it almost seemed predictable that he would win. So we want unpredictability. Of course, I would have loved it. I was I was kind of indifferent to the finish. Not in a bad way. I, I, I didn't hate the match. I thought uh, Solo Sokoa debuting was cool. Tyson Fury's involvement was cool. How many times is Austin going to try to cash in? It's getting a little old, but fine. Um, didn't hate it. Felt for Drew. Spoke to him afterwards. He was very sad. This is, again, something that people need to remember when they say me like say to me like oh it's fake it's scripted this and that on and on they go like if you i wish you could have seen how sad drew was backstage i wish you could have seen that because again as i've said winning that belt getting those moments that's a lifetime achievement award that's not something that someone just hands to you that's something that you work and earn and deserve and he wanted to earn that moment he felt like he deserved that moment and he didn't get it and he was bummed about that. And so like for people to just dismiss that this stuff is fake scripted, that there's no emotion, that there aren't 20 years of broken bodies and dreams and hearts, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into this, just those one singular moments that people talk about forever, like Davy Boy Smith in 1992, uh, is just such an insulting thing. You may not like it, you may not enjoy it, but I just hope that you can ex- uh, respect um, the, the, the struggle that it, that goes into just getting to that moment. And he wanted the payoff and he was robbed of that moment two years ago and he wanted the payoff and I really felt for him. Um, But wrestling is at its best when it's unpredictable and I felt like, you know, hey, we all thought it was going to happen and it didn't happen and that's great because guess what? If MMA was wrestling, Usman wins against Leon Edwards. Connor wins against Nate Diaz. That's why we love MMA. That's why a lot of us, you know, moved over to MMA. So... Don't hate it. Curious to see where they go. And yeah, I agree. There aren't a lot of great options right now. Cody coming back would be big. I guess that's the biggest, freshest one. And then you could do Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania without the belt. Interesting times. Patrick, favorite segment of the week is finally back. Two quick questions. When you were interviewing Triple H and he was recounting his health battles, what was going through your mind? I got the chills just from listening. GC, love the UFC Paris hype video, but how the hell do you keep your kitchen so clean? Yeah, how the hell do you keep it so clean, GC? Uh, I clean it. Wow, okay. Fairly often. Are you are you like a, a neat freak? Not a neat freak, but I like my house to be clean. I think Frank can attest to that. Does Frank come in and just like walk? Are you a big take off your shoes if you come into my house guy? Uh, Actually, no. Someone was ripping on me for wearing shoes in the video. Yeah, that's messed up. 
You wear shoes from outside into your house? Do you guys need to see me in socks? That, that's why I put them on. I put the shoes on. You to can have like house shoes, flip flops. That's what I wear. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. They're slides. Yeah, yeah. I could have been in slides. Wait, but you wear shoes from out? Like you'll go on the subway and then walk into your house? I mean, I'll walk into my house and immediately take off my. Oh, shoes. you won't go like go sit and watch TV, go into your kitchen. No. Oh, so you don't wear shoes in your house? Typically, no. I mean, I, I think you're saying you're saying am I like when Frank comes over? I'm yeah. not like no, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not like take them off, take them off, take them off. Oh come on, why not? Yeah, no, nah, I, mean, I mean it's an awkward conversation. No doubt, like I, I have people. I'm not going to yeah, lie. People come into the house and I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm like I staring. Always ask, like shoes on, shoes off. It's, it should be. He, he did do that first time he came over. He's like shoes on, shoes off. It should always be shoes off. Uh, I got to be able to run out of somewhere. Everyone a, gets a little more comfortable with the shoes off. No, come on. This is no, my no, house. No, no, I like that. I think that's oh, a yeah, good yeah. thing. Yeah, like this is my house. You know, yeah, like you're walking have in some here. respect. Keep it clean. Disgusting. You're going to a public bathroom. There's pee all over the place. Mm-hmm. God knows what's on the floor of the subway, and you're walking into my house. It's disgusting. You see some wow. people lying on their bed wearing their shoes. I mean, okay, I think that's... Those, I think, like, honestly, that's I think a whole other level. People are like... I, I think you're a serial killer if you walk around your house with shoes on. Uh, I don't think Frank is... Has ever seen me with shoes on in my house? No, never. And the last time I asked if I could take them off mid sh- mid fight. Wow, you were already in the house with the shoes and you yeah. kept them on. Are but you a uh, shoes off? I'm a shoes off in my place. Are you a barefoot uh, no. guy? You know, it's one thing for me. I'm not a barefoot guy. Uh, you come to my house, you take your shoes off, and I'll give you a booty just in case. Well, what is that? Like the little. The it little plastic a, thing, yeah. like if you, you know, you, you put it around your feet. Oh. <laughs> no, wow. you may be extra if. I'm, I'm in my own house, I'll go barefoot. You'll go barefoot? I'll run Absolutely. Feet as well. Yeah. I don't like a barefoot house. Um, oh, man. I, I don't like the feeling of my, my barefoot on the wood. I, I search feverishly for my slides, flip-flops, whatever wow. you call them. I need to wear That's those. how my roommate is. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen my roommate's feet before. It's a weird I don't think thing. He has feet. And you walk socks, around barefoot. Socks and slides all the time. Do you go slides with socks or yes, no? with socks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how my roommate is. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a big sock guy. Uh, I actually sleep with socks. Mm. How oh, do you feel about sacrilege. that? Mm. Uh, that's not yeah. me. How do it's you not get me. warm? In the winter time, I sleep t-shirt, hoodie, uh, sweatpants. Socks. I actually, here I actually can get on board with that in the winter, especially up here in the north. Yeah, the, I don't mind a hoodie sleep in the winter. You put, you put the hood up. Oh, it's tremendous. Throw on some nice socks. I'll, I can feel with you there, but like right now in the summer. Oh, in the summer, no. But I'm still, you know, socks still in the summer too. Around. Yeah, sure. And this is in addition Man. to blankets and shoes. ankle socks. Yeah, yeah, of course. Ankle socks. Yeah, you got, but you gotta have some on. Yeah, oh, I'm not man. a big ankle sock guy. Like, I'll never wear ankle socks here. Like, I always wear these ones. You know, you're, you're can not you get them? Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Wait, wait. Always wear. I'm Don't a big the microphone. I'm, I'm a big stance socks guy. Stance very expensive. They're very, very expensive, expensive, but very good quality. And uh, I, I like to wear those um, too tight to sleep in. So I'll go with like the thinner Hanes ankle sock for sleep. By the way, there was once a time where I would wear t-shirt, hoodie, mesh shorts. Sweatpants over the mesh shorts and socks. <sighs> Too bad. Yeah. Was this to fight off mosquitoes? Like no, I, I, I like to be super cozy. I like to be toasty. Sounds sweaty. Clean house is important, though. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, Triple H interview was a bucket list interview for me. Uh, I mean, 
what a story, what a guy. And then, yeah, of course, you know, I, I actually talked to him before the interview a bit about kids and life and birthdays and things of that nature. Um, we had talked about missing birthdays and how I try not to miss birthdays. I haven't missed one yet. Jake Paul fight on my daughter's birthday next day, all that stuff. And then, you know, so so uh, I really respect the way he views family, especially now. And, and the stuff that he says about like viewing life through the lens that he was uh, viewing life um, when he was, you know, on his deathbed almost, you know, his, his heart was, he was going through, you know, heart failure. Uh, very, very powerful stuff. Just a, just a really great, genuine guy. I, I really just uh, enjoy him and enjoyed that conversation and couldn't have been more gracious with his time and his demeanor, everything. And so, yeah, I, I get, uh, when I see someone else get emotional, especially when it comes to life, health, family, I get emotional as well. Love the stuff that he said about his wife, Stephanie, being by his side and helping him. And uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I can't say enough about him and the stuff that he said in that interview. It was really one that uh, I will never forget. Really cool scene. The BT scene was awesome. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can't thank him enough. You know, it's it's not easy to open up like that. And I know he did that interview with Stephen A. And when I watched that interview, I felt like there was more that needed to be talked about and that I wanted to ask about. And I mean, he really went in great detail and he didn't have to. And I really appreciated that and, and really, really enjoyed that conversation. I mean, like that was the highlight of my trip for sure. Um, and a conversation on there, forget, I never had a chance to do a sit down one-on-one -on -one with him. And uh, considering where he's at right now in the company, I mean, head of creative, EVP talent relations, no better time than now. So really appreciated that. A. Feldman, uh, what's up, Ariel? Hope you had a nice trip to see the family and to London. I appreciate it. I was wondering how you see the state of MMA media and where it's going. Obviously, the sport is more mainstream than it ever has been, but the UFC continues to give credentials to some interesting reporters. Lots of fighters, including Izzy, O'Malley, and Patty, are putting together these high-quality video blogs on their YouTube channels. And some are even doing their own interviews on their channel as well. In my mind, this allows the fighters to be very selective with who they choose to interview with considering their platforms are producing high viewers. Obviously, someone like you who has a huge platform still has a ton of leverage to get fighters to come on your show, but I imagine plenty of others, lesser-known reporters, could potentially have a tough time. How do you think this all plays out? And by the way, I'm, you know, I'm someone who's affected by this too. I, I, I've heard this. I'm not going to name names. But like, oh, I got my own channel. Why should I do that? Um, so don't think that I'm immune to it, but that's the game. The thing is, like, I don't make money off of views. That's not the deal that I have here. So... Um, Someone is thinking like, oh, if I get you X amount of views, you're going to make money. Like, I, I don't. Maybe someone else is making money, but I'm not. Um, so I'm not necessarily profiting. Obviously, I get paid to do this, but I'm not necessarily profiting off of one singular person. I have no problem with fighters having their own YouTube channels. Good for them. Make as much money as they want. And I like the fact that the UFC allows this to happen. And I think there will always be fighters who are available. One of the good things about MMA is that fighters are accessible more so than other athletes. And I think that it's great. I think that it's great that fighters are accessible and that younger reporters have an opportunity to speak to them and do interviews with them, um, all kinds of things like that. So, you know, of greater concern and what I thought Feldman was going to bring up here was just like the quality of reporters that uh, are being let in. And I think that some of the OGs 
some of the people who have been doing this for a long time don't really want to be a part of it. Um, and there isn't a great incentive. You know, we used to go to these media days and there were one-on-ones and you could kind of create your own unique content. There isn't much of that due to the pandemic. And, you know, for whatever reason, there isn't that. Although uh, there's media days at WWE, believe it or not, I got to do a few one-on-ones there. It's weird what's happening. It's like when I go to these WWE events, it reminds me of like 2011 UFC. Even now with the post-fight press conferences and all st- all this stuff and the media days, it's a lot more fun than just like sitting in a room and someone comes up to the microphone and you get 15 minutes there and they walk off. It's very hard to create, you know, unique personal content. Um, so that coupled with, you know, some of the shenanigans, uh, the press conferences, like you want to be a part of that. It's tough. It's easy for me to sit here and poke holes in it. But if I'm a young, it's not the same scene as it was. Like when I, for, and I'm not trying to be like the back in my day guy, but when I came in, you know, you had guys like Neil Davidson and Mike Chiapetta and, um, you know, Chuck Mendenhall and Ioli, um, you know, like, old school kind of respected older guys. I'm forgetting a ton of them, you know, Dave Doyle and uh, Dave Meltzer. Um, I'm forgetting a ton. Uh, the sure dog guys were, were around. Um, obviously there were junkie guys. MMA fighting had the best team in my opinion. Like it, it, it was, there weren't a lot of shenanigans. There weren't characters, so to speak. Um, Gareth Davies, you know, these types of guys. And you don't see a lot of that. And I think the UFC is very happy with that, by the way. I think that's what they want. Uh, I don't think they want, quote-unquote, journalism. Um, And that's a shame, because I think that uh, at times you are a reflection of your coverage. And so I always thought it was weird when Dana White would crap all over the MMA media and be like, well, these are the people that cover you. And so what does it say about you if you say that the people who cover you are scumbags, losers, know nothings, right? Like these are the people who are attracted to covering your business. Um, So I think MMA media on the whole has, you know, it's in a good spot. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily grade it by the core that is at all these events. There's a lot of people who are great who aren't at the events. Ha'afsha Halvani, Shalom Ariel, do you enjoy, did you enjoy your experience watching a Premier League game in person? Can you and the MMAR team provide your predictions for the winner of the Premier League, Nottingham Forest, and the winner of the Champions League for the 2022-2023 season? Uh, I loved it. It was incredible. I would love to see a game. I mean, I saw a lot of people criticizing the uh, empty hat stadium. I joke, Eddie had. I have nothing against Man City. Everyone calm down. I mean, the 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 asinine tweets are just amazing. Just we're just having fun, okay? Relax. It's not that serious. Now, I'm not discrediting this, by the way. Sports are serious. Sports mean a lot. If the Bills ever won, I would cry. I would I don't know what I would do. If the Knicks ever won, I would do the same. If the Expos ever came back, I would do the same. But why you should care about some idiot picking a team. By the way, I love when they say that we're bandwagoners like Nottingham Forest is going to be fighting for their spot in the Premier League the whole year and could very well be relegated. I'm very aware of this. We ain't jumping off. But if you know the history of us even becoming Everton fans, 
solely because they sent me a jersey. Like, it's not like I'm some long time suffering Everton fan who's now jumped off to a team that will probably be at around the same spot, if not worse. Unless we shock the world, which would be tremendous. Um, but I'm, I'm, I just love the vibes. I love the story. I love the vibes. I love the comeback. I love the fan base. I love the jersey. I love the logo. Uh, getting into some of the players. I love the people behind the scenes. Like I'm, Just let me be, for God's sakes. Let me be happy. I'm not trying to ruin your happiness, damn it. Um, but yeah, I've heard, you know, Old Trafford or Arsenal or, you know, one of the, I mean, I've heard City Ground is incredible. So I'd love to experience that. But this was amazing, especially, like I said at the top, getting to sit with the away fans was really, really special. And then coming out and giving me a, like, yes, I'm very aware that three weeks ago, I was not a quote unquote fan of this team. And I'm aware at how absurd all this is. But guess what? They appreciate having our support. They're great guys. And so I'm happy to support them. And I think we're all, and, and I think I could speak for, you know, GC, Frank, myself, GC's friend, Jake, we're all part of this uh, text thread. I think I could speak for all of us, right, guys? We enjoy it. It's fun, right? Absolutely. Most fun I've had watching yeah. Premier League. So, like, what the hell? Leave us alone, you jabrones. Oh, you took someone's ticket. Oh, what are you talking about? Look, guess what? I asked. They gave me two tickets. No one was hurt. All right? And it was like 24 hours before the game. I don't know who was using those tickets. And there were a lot of empty... Like, there were a couple... Like, it was like a full row in front of me that was completely empty. So, like, what are you talking about? You're, you're acting like I'm one of those guys at the baseball game who snatches the home run ball away from a little kid. I ain't that guy. Loved it. And I'm actually... I feel like after this experience, there was a time where I was super into Premier League um, and soccer in general. I was in a fan... This is like 2005, 2006. I was a big... Um, Watford fan uh, for whatever reason. I liked Watford. I thought it was cool, the W. And uh, Ashley Young was my guy. Anyway, um, in college, I was really into it. I would watch Champions League. I had nothing else to do during the uh, the day. And then over time, I kind of got out of it. But yesterday, I was watching Celtic, Real Madrid. I was watching PSG, um, Maccabi Haifa. So yeah, I think it would be great. And 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 honestly, I joke about the you'll never win Europe, you'll never, whatever the song is. Champions of Europe. They were singing this song to the Man City fans because um, Nottingham has won two European championships. Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. You'll never sing that. You'll never sing that. Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. But if I'm being honest, it feels like Man City could very well win the Champions League. I mean, that dude, Erling Holland, is unbelievable. Did you see that hat trick? It was actually pretty amazing just watching them play from up top because it felt like I was watching the Warriors of a few years ago or the Bulls in the 90s. The movement, the passing, the strategy, it was beautiful. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, really enjoying it. It's fun. And my kids are really getting into soccer, playing soccer. So they're getting into it as well, playing FIFA. So eh, it's fun to be a fan. All right? Lighten up. Jimmy O, good day, Mr. Helwani. First time, long time. Just a question regarding the separation of church and state, so to speak. You have been in the MMA sphere for so long. So I wonder if you were able to actually sit down and root for fighters and enjoy fights as a fan. Like you clearly have a soft spot for guys such as Connor and Nate and seemingly have beef with people like Colby. I don't have beef with Colby. I don't agree with some of the things he said, does, don't love, like, obviously I, I feel some sort of way about people who I feel like I've kind of, you know, 
given positive shine to when other people weren't and then they just kind of stab you in the back. But do I beef with him? No, I would have him on the show in a second. If he doesn't want to come on, I'm not losing sleep. So please like understand that. And beef with all the blokes that Ali represents. Again, I don't have beef with those guys. Um, I love Frankie Edgar. I adore Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is a legend. Um, I really have no... I mean, there's obviously guys that I don't... like. I, yeah, you get my point. And there are people, by the way, who I don't like who uh, aren't represented by Ali and have nothing to do with Colby. So anyway, you like people, you don't like people. Back to the question. I just wonder if you can ever put aside those differences from being so connected to these fighters in whatever way and actually enjoy the fights, or are you far too in the weeds? Uh, no, I can enjoy it. But again, like you have a moment like Leon, it's like even better, right? But I don't think I'm far too in the weeds. In the weeds. Um, Ariel, look at us now. Look at us now. We'll never get old. The PGA Tour and all related golf tournaments, this is from Coach Jay, have come under significant fire from all media outlets regarding their treatment of the golfers due to them being quote-unquote independent contractors. UFC fighters face these same issues times 20, but the media coverage is nowhere near the same magnitude. Why do you think this is? Because <clears throat> golf is bigger sport, like in terms of media coverage, is like more traditional media covering golf. Do you believe the UFC is silencing ESPN behind the scenes to ensure they don't allow fighter pay to become a sports center headline? I mean, I can tell you from my experience, uh, spoke about it a little bit, but was definitely encouraged not to speak about it. That's for sure. Can you say from your time at ESPN that pushing favorable UFC narratives is more critical to the brass than groundbreaking stories and issues due to the ESPN living and dying by pay-per-view sales and numbers exclusively, especially since the UFC has already won on the front of the deal? Look, I want no smoke with ESPN. It was a great time. I learned a lot. Great experiences. I'm better off because of it. But I would be, be, I would be disingenuous. I would be lying to you if I wasn't... If I didn't say that at times... I was asked not to speak about certain things and that made me uncomfortable. And so I can't sugarcoat that and I don't want to get into the weeds and I don't think it's worth it. Um, but that was all part of my feeling of like, it's maybe time to go. Uh, listen, I, I could play the game. I get it. Broadcast deals is that, but like when you're being edited, silenced, told not to say things like I... I have a hard time dealing with that. And it was one thing when I had the Fox job and the MMA fighting job, I was able to justify it. This was my only job. And so I didn't have that outlet to speak about things. Like I can assure you, you know, the coverage is a little bit different for this Nate fight, right? That was tough for me. Adriano, hi, Ariel. So many questions asked. Not sure what you will talk about during the show. If you haven't spoken about the altercation between Hamzat and Costa, and you think that's a fight that might happen while Usman Edwards' trilogy happens, the question I have for you today is, what was Elaine going to tell Jerry when the plane was about to crash? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think she was going to say that she loved him, right? I feel like that's what everyone thinks. And yeah, Hamzat Costa would be batshit crazy. What a bizarre scene that was. And yeah, maybe Hamza takes that fight while Usman Edwards three happens. Um, it's unfortunate for Hamza because if Usman would have won, he would have gone to the title shot with the win. Now he's kind of in limbo. Obviously, he has to win on Saturday. So yeah, maybe a Costa fight, that would be wild. Maybe a Colby fight, that would be wild. But you know, you're you're playing with fire there because those are tough matchups. The Hamza Costa back and forth was weird. It was like it was a lot of X-rated talk, right? Jamal, you know what time it is. You know what the real reason 
for the season is, I'm talking about PSLs, pumpkin spice lattes. Are you a fan or no? I know my boy GC is all about it. Mysterious Frank is too judgmental to ever even try one. This is from Lewis, editor's note. The shade towards Mysterious Frank and still making it onto on the nose is questionable form for me. Wow, he's even calling himself out. Uh, is that true, Mysterious Frank? You're not a fan of the uh, the PSL? Um, you know, I'm not a big fan. Why? We all have opinions. Too, too sweet, right? Yeah. Let me let me tell you a story. So, oh please, we're sitting at the last fight over at Connor's. My my wife and I. By the way, how does he? Uh, how did this guy know this? Or was he just I mean, guessing? I think it's just a guess. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, I decided to order some coffees because it's you know becoming a later night. And I have the feeling that my wife would want a pumpkin spice one. Come to find out, she doesn't. So she wanted just a regular coffee. So I end up drinking the pumpkin spice. And then I get a ration of crap from everybody about it being too early to drink pumpkin spice. Wow. And I'm like, look, I don't want it in this cult. I never asked to be a part of it. I was just trying to deliver, you know, for somebody else. It didn't work out. So now I'm like, the door's shut. Never again. Strict rules. There's strict rules. I wait till the first day of fall. I can't wait. Two weeks from today, on the way to work, I'm going to get, you know, some sort of fall-themed drink, pumpkin spice, whatever it may be. I mean, this guy's drinking pumpkin spice August 20th, and it's 98 degrees out, and he's drinking pumpkin spice. I'm surprised they even sell it. I mean, they, they, when they get it. When do they start? Duncan starts on, like, August 6th. And this like was they, Tim Hortons, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where he found a Tim Hortons near me down in down in Brooklyn or, or Timmy White. H? Timmy great H, Canadian brand. Great Canadian brand. Drinking it at 9 p.m. Uh, also, pumpkin spice latte. I, yeah, I felt disrespected. I missed the meeting. I didn't realize there was a whole. Uh, you know. Wow. He was wearing shoes, drinking a pumpkin spice latte at 9 p.m. in my house. <laughs> Can I say something? Well, that that part is the shoe part is the most offensive. Can I just say something? I'm not one who likes to play by those rules. I'm a bit of an outlaw when it comes to this. Like people say, oh, you shouldn't have soup in July. I couldn't care less. Speaking have of all, which, yeah, go ahead. Ha, have all the soup you want. You shouldn't have uh, an ice cream bar in January. Who gives a crap? You want ice cream? Be happy. Have your ice cream. It's the same feeling I have about well-done steak or uh, any of the other stuff that I talk about. So you want to have your pumpkin spice in July? Have it in July. I will say this, though. I'm not that... Like, even my kids yesterday came home. They went to the grocery store with my wife, and they got, like, some pumpkin toys. I was like, damn, are we, we're already doing this? Like, I feel like Labor Day just had... Like, it's a little early. When I was in Boston, the weekend we went to pick up my kids from uh, camp, it was the weekend of UFC England 2 or London 2, the, the July 1, Aspinall and Blades. And we were in a store in Boston. So that was, what, July 23rd? We went into a store, and it was all Thanksgiving stuff in there. <laughs> like that to me is absurd. That's, that's insanity. That's insanity. Thanksgiving. It was Halloween and Thanksgiving. What are we doing? You could be thankful year round. I know. Here's one thing I'll say as a rebuttal to that. I'm like a huge fall guy and I know I'm going to eat a ton of pumpkin and apple and all that themed stuff. So if I start too early, by the time when I like it really hits its peak, like third weekend of October, I'll already be tired of it. So I don't want to wear so it So when's out. your first time having it oh first day of fall september 21st that's that's when i kick it into gear that's when i start with the halloween movies everything like that do you make it a point like do you go do you actually go to get i can't i'm counting down the days it'll be two weeks from today on the way to work i will stop in and get some sort of fall where why two weeks for the 21st or maybe just the star maybe just the starbucks maybe just Just the the classic pso can't do can't do stuff there's a couple local shops that have good uh, good local shops that have good f- fall-themed stuff. 
can I tell you something? I've become that guy where there's a coffee shop near my house. They do such a good cappuccino. Like, I love it. Like, I, I think about it and I get giddy. I've now become that guy, like on a Saturday morning, who will say to my wife, like, I just need 10 minutes. I'm going to get this coffee and I'm coming no, that's, back. That's the kind is, of guy you should be. Is yeah. that weird? No. I feel a little bit embarrassed doing it. I'm not going to lie. You, and you she shouldn't. always gives me a look. There, there was a place in Connecticut that I had like that. I haven't found another one in, in New York just yet. Yeah. There was a place that the greatest coffee drink I've ever had. I get it. I get it every time I go back. It was a honey nut iced latte. And like once a week, I would just be like. Was this the Bronson? No, no, okay. no. But that's a great coffee shop. No, this was a just place called Doro Marketplace. It's just the best coffee I've ever had. I'd go and get it every week. Yeah, I just really enjoy it. That one weekend where my, uh, I got to tell you, <laughs> that one weekend where my family was gone and it was Everton, Nottingham, followed by all those fights and Blue Jays were playing the Yankees during the day like that. I went to get a coffee with my dog, which I never do, of course, because like there's everyone. Dog's name is Matcha. Matcha, yes. Why am I not? Was that rude? It's a tea name. It's funny. Oh, yeah. It's because of her eyes. Green. But yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, We didn't name her. My sister did. Anyway. Shout out to Sister Hawaii. Yeah. See, there's another shout out. It was one of the great 20-minute stretches of my life. I mean, I was sitting there, walking the dog, having my coffee. It was amazing. When I got off the, um, when I got off the train in Manchester, walked from the train to the stadium, it was a beautiful day. It was like 5 o'clock, you know, early September. It was like, I think, I guess, the day, was it September 1st, August 31st? You get the point. And I was thinking to myself, the only thing that would make this moment greater in my life right now, because I was giddy just to see the stadium, feel the crowd, get the jersey, all that, was holding a cappuccino in my hand, almond cappuccino. You've become that guy. I've become that guy. I actually, I saw a place, I was really lamenting this, I saw a place at the, uh, at the train station, thought more were to come, didn't stop, thought about turning around and starting the journey again, getting the coffee and doing the 30-minute walk. But at that point, I was already 15 minutes in. I was like, I don't want to go. Like, now I'm adding, you know, 15, 15. In any event, I really thought the only thing that would make this better right now is if I had something in my hand. And I'm not talking about nursing an iced coffee for like 45 minutes. I'm talking about just taking this thing and just feeling that euphoria that comes with it. How long does it take you to drink a cup of cappuccino? I'm a quick guy. I'm quick. Yeah, same here. Uh, I actually, the main reason why I love coming in to do this show twice a week is I stop at the Black Fox. <laughs> the truth my... comes out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's very exciting. I've actually reached the point where they know my order. That's huge. That's huge to get to that point. Yeah. Man, all this coffee talk. I feel like I want another one. Um, no, unsweetened. Alex has asked me, sweetened or unsweetened? Unsweetened. Always unsweetened. Yeah, the one, the one time Alex will jump into the convos if it's, it's about coffee. coffee. Yeah, and he's on Absolutely. like his ninth cup his already. His name is Mr. Coffee. <laughs> Uh, Ahmad, salam alaikum, my friend. Wa alaikum salam. Big fan from Saudi Arabia here. I would like to know if the Reebok Venom deal is criticized for reducing the sponsorship for fighters or the lack of customizations. Yes, absolutely. Would you rather have Venom gear with infinite amount of sponsors on it or a custom gear limited to three sponsors only? Infinite. Shower us with sponsors. Let it be NASCAR. That's what they told us, right? We're getting rid of it because we don't want it to look like NASCAR. Meanwhile, there are more sponsors than ever on the mat, on the cage, all over the place. So yes. Listen, you want Venom to be the gear? Great. Let them have all the sponsors they want. What's the problem? If not, give them three. It's not even three. It's, it's, it's zero. 
Kareem, hi, Ariel. Which fight do you think would do more pay-per-views? Honestly, Jake Paul versus Nate or Jake Paul versus KSI? I would much rather see the Nate fight, but I think KSI would draw much bigger numbers. Would love to know your thoughts. I can't say KSI. Listen, I respect the fact that it's a big deal. Kids love it. The numbers that they draw are insane. But in terms of what would actually draw like mainstream press media, I think only certain people would cover the KSI fight. I think the Nate fight, especially if he won. I mean, if he won, it's gigantic. I think, I don't know. At least for me, it's a bigger fight. I can't really speak for the the 18-year-olds. Am I crazy, GC? What do you think? Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're pretty spot on there. I mean, it's it's hard to doubt KSI and Jake Paul doing numbers after what we saw KSI do uh, with the zone the other week. Yeah. Um, and who knows what the numbers are there as well. Kevin Parker, hello, Ariel. With Anderson Silva fighting Jake Paul, it made me wonder, does Silva have the best walkout song ever? I feel like No Sunshine by DMX fits his fighting style. And it's just a cool song. What do you think? It's up there. Ever? I don't know about ever. Love DCs back in the day. Connors was great. I mean, there's a lot of great ones, but it's up there. And I hope he walks out to it. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. You know that song, Frank? Only yes. darkness. Yeah, that would be great. Who turned off the lights? Man, if he comes out to that, like that visual of Anderson freaking Silva, like I feel like the entire MMA community will just stop, right? Because Woodley... It was great, and I'm not trying to do revisionist history, but there were some people who like didn't like Woodley, and Anderson has had his moments, and there was once a time where he was the biggest villain in MMA. People hated him. Like I remember Abu Dhabi. They were like, who's the guy? Who's the one to stop this monster? Is it Brock? Is it GSB? Is it Forrest Garrett Griffin? I don't know. No, Forrest was 101, but you get the point. People hated him. Vitriol. He will never be more loved than he is on October 29th. Adam Kaplan, three quick things. Who would you favor in a hypothetical fight, Robert Whitaker or Hamza Chemaev? Oh my God, what a fight. I don't know. Who do you think would be the favorite for that fight? Probably Hamza. Man, what a fight, eh? God, I'd love to see it. Wow, never even thought of that fight. Any update on Mark Hunt's class action lawsuit against UFC? No, but I'll ask him. When are you having Josh Barnett back on? Haven't thought of it. Would you like him back on? His uh, his student, Shayna Baszler, had a nice showing over the weekend at Clash at the Castle. There's actual castles, by the way, in Cardiff. I don't know if you know this. But uh, by the way, I also had a Welsh cake. Nice little treat, I have to say. There was a chocolate chip one, a traditional one, and one with almond and orange. Really and nice. And you had three slices of cake? Or? No, no. It's like a little cookie, but they call it a Welsh cake. Really, really nice. And... Uh, the people there were just so nice. They have their own language there. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. I went to a nice coffee shop there as well. I went on Yelp. I was like, I need to find like a good, I don't want to go to you know Starbucks. I found a good one. I, I went on a 20-minute walk just to get to this coffee shop, and uh, they were very nice. What was the name of the coffee shop? You know what? Should I give them a shout-out? No, I was just wondering if it was like I a Welsh remember. name. And- no, it was something with a boy. Um Coffee boy. Tall boy. Coffee shop whales. That narrows it down. No. Something. Oh, man. Man. It was something with a person's name in it. They told me that uh, Little Man. Little Man Coffee Shop. There it is. Shout out to the Little Man Coffee Shop in Cardiff. I enjoyed it. Really nice. Um... 
Okay, just a few more left here. Mash, good to have you back. Here's a question which I'm interested in your take on as you are both a self-confessed germaphobe and a collector of MMA memorabilia. After wins, we often see fighters take out their mouthpiece and throw it into the crowd. Let's imagine you're in the arena. Leon Edwards has just landed that head kick. Everyone's on their feet. And as you are stood there having just witnessed history, you see the mouthpiece flying through the air right towards you. What do you do? You got to catch it. You catch it, you catch it, and then you put it in a bag and you pray to the gods that you're not sick afterwards. But yeah, you got to catch it. Of course. Hut, what are your thoughts on the way the Buffalo Bills handled the Matt Areza situation? Yes. Uh, very controversial. Should a player be kicked off the team before due process? Seems like the court of public opinion found him guilty. Then the Bills took action. Just curious your thoughts. I mean, this is a very tricky one and a very nuanced one, a complex one. I don't really have an issue with it. Um, I'd like to think they did their proper investigation. They looked into it. They did their due diligence. And I think there's too much at stake. Obviously, a very talented player. And the details of this alleged incident, horrific, disgusting, beyond belief. And I think that there's just too much at stake for this team to even let something like that fester. Um, more often than not in the NFL, you see these situations get swept under the rug. So I appreciate the Bills you know, handling it the way they did. Tough spot for them. They had just released a kicker and he was the one of the future. And then they had to start from scratch with not a lot of time left, but... I just don't know if you can have that type of situation lingering in the locker room. And uh, I know some people will come out and say, do process this and that, but man, that's some serious stuff. That's some serious, serious stuff. And uh, just really hard to look past. Something happened, right? And just just a hard situation to, to look past. So that's my team. I uh, I would like to think that they did their due, due diligence and, um, you know, I'm going to support them. But yeah, a very, very disappointing, troubling, complex situation. Yanni, longtime listener, big fan of your work. Can you tell us how you selected the intro music for the MAR and of your other show? I enjoy them both. Keep up the great stuff. Uh, I'll tell you how. I was sitting with Josh Audi at the AOL studios way back in the day, 2009, we were sitting in that little room. This was before Fight House Radio episode one. There were three episodes of Fight House Radio. Then we were told there was a gym in New York City called Fight House. We had to change the music. And then it became the MMA Hour. And I remember he played me two songs. I swear to God, he played me two songs. The first was the intro. The second was the outro. And I was like, oh, let's do that for the intro. Let's do that for the outro. And I remember when I went to ESPN, I wanted something similar, and I had to listen to hundreds of songs to find anything that kind of made me feel the same. And the song that we actually picked for that was from the World Cup in Brazil. It was like part of the bumper music that they used for the World Cup coverage, which I always thought was weird. It had like a little bit of a samba feel to it. Um, so I don't know why or how or the reason behind why like he gave me that song or he showed me that song, but I liked it felt unique, felt fun. And then the second song felt like a good outro song. And so we just ran with that. So yeah, since 2009. And so the voice that you hear, like it's the Miss Martial Arts Hour, is his voice distorted from the AOL days. It's the same guy's voice. And then the Adia Hawani is Lenny Hart, who did that on my show. Like that's like, 
taken off an interview from the AOL MMA Hour. That's how long we've had that intro for. So we're talking over 13 years now. Crazy. Tayshawn, hey Ariel, missed having you a part of the routine this week, but hope you all enjoyed the well-deserved break. My question is pertaining to the rumored announcement of Darren Till returning in December to fight Dricus Duplessis at 282. I'm curious if we'll ever get to hear your side of the story in regard to the leaked phone number, and if this leak means we will not see the gorilla ever return to the MAR with high regard, Vincent. Um, ah. I should have read uh, Lewis's uh, editor's note there. Um, I will say, I will say this: Darren uh, has reached out to me and apologized to me, and I will just leave it at that for now. I will leave it at that. Keith, hey Ariel, uh, you can only choose one: a beautiful road trip ready VW Westphalia, or a lifetime supply of delicious. Acai straight from Brazil. What are you going with? Wow. Um, Got to be the, the Westphalia. I really want that Westphalia. I want a bad. I really want a bad. I feel like I'll get really fat if I just eat acai all day. As good as it is, I feel like I'll get a lot more, pardon the pun, mileage out of the Westphalia. I want a Westphalia. I finally reach a point in my life where I feel like there are things that I want and I feel like it's time to get them. You know? And I've never been a... like. My lease, my car is up and my wife is like, oh, let's get this. Let's get... I'm like, can we just keep the same thing? I don't care about any of this stuff. I'm not a big material guy. I'm not a big gadgets guy. I'm not a big car guy. Couldn't care less about any of it. But for some reason, I just want that Westphalia. I want to sit in that driver's seat and drive the thing with my kids in the back and say like, where are we going? Let's go get ice cream. Let's go on a road trip. I just want that. I want to close the blinds. I don't know. I just want it. Last one. Ariel the Great, Matan, which means present in Hebrew. It's been over a year of the independent Helwani experience. We've seen so many good things, but I'm wondering, what have been some of the struggles you've encountered since becoming independent? Man, struggles. Um, Have there been struggles? I mean, honestly, the toughest part of my week is booking this show. It's definitely the thing that brings me the most stress. I would say the only real struggle, because there haven't been many, is just like finding the time to do everything and juggling everything. I actually had like a really big opportunity recently that for the first time in my career, I said yes to, and then I had to back out because I realized I was putting too much on my plate. What that was... I will save for a later date, but uh, I guess it's just like knowing when to say yes, when to say no, not doing too much, not doing things for the wrong reasons, to like stick it to people or to show people or things like that, like knowing what's the right path to take. But overall, I mean, that's me getting into the weeds. Overall, it's been pretty damn great. And dare I say, year two, off to a tremendous start. Feel pretty damn good about everything. So... We're back, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about on Monday, dare I say. Nathan Diaz, Hamza Chemaev, I appreciate everyone who sent in questions. Thank you very much. Appreciate Mr. Lewis, moderator Lewis, for sending them in. And, you know, I was really happy to be back in the UK, first time since 2016 in London, first time in Manchester since 2017 when I did the Connor thing. The, uh, the European fans, the UK fans, 
maybe my favorite pound for pound and the ones that have been the best to us over the years. So it was really great. I wish I could have stayed there longer, to be honest. And I hope I get a chance to be back in the very near future. Just really, really great, genuine, authentic, lovely people. So I enjoyed it immensely. Happy to be back. Can't wait for Monday to talk about what transpired at 279. But for now, Frankie, we are out of time. So you can hit my music. What a day it has been. You'll never sing that. You'll never sing that. You'll never sing that. Champions of Europe. You'll never sing that. By the way, guys, what are we going to do? Next Nottingham game? Do you know when it is? Monday. Yeah, during our show. Live updates. By the way, there's two counter-programmings happening during our show. Jake Paul Anderson Silva press conference happening during the show and Nottingham Leeds happening during our show. What the hell are we going to do? People are coming for our necks. We don't back down, though. We'll have some uh, empty chairs in the control room. Wow. I ran into some Leeds fans in Manhattan, and they talked trash to me in my Nottingham shirt. Do you have an official shirt, or is it a bootleg? Bootleg. Still? They're sold out on the store. I don't know if I believe that. I literally got a package of like $300 worth of merch. I need the jersey. Yeah. It's a nice jersey, isn't it? I kind of wanted that one with like uh, the bluish. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Sold out everywhere, but of course they could get one for you. Well, you know. Shout out to my guy, Dane Murphy, CEO of the club. In any event, uh, thank you very much to all our guests. Great show. Appreciate you all very much. Uh, Thank you very much to Fernand Lopez, Cyril Gunn. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Robert Whitaker, Lauren Murphy, Paul Felder. Good luck to him as well. Good luck, UFC 279. What a show. Can't wait. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to all of them. Back on Monday. Safe time and place until they say peace. I'm out of here. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.